warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 242. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Yeah. Huge <laughs> fucking week this week, Jake. What are you giggling about, huh? What happened there? What are you talking about? What What, what do you mean, what happened? We, we already blew Neil apart. Oh, is that I, Neil? I couldn't hear Brian say it at the same time as you guys, as Jake, so just, I thought you guys screwed it up. No, you, you totally screwed it up. You've screwed up this yeah. whole introduction. I, I can't even introduce you properly now. Jake threw out your name. <laughs> This is just off the rails shenanigans bullshit going on right now. Neil's already pointing out errors that we made. I know. Thirty I, seconds in. Gosh, critical, critic Neil. Jeez. Anyway, yeah, we got Neil Thalander this week, guys. Neil Thalander, first time on the show. Welcome, man. Thank you for having me. It's a, a pleasure of mine. Uh, it was really nice to meet you guys. It's in Chicago last. Yeah. Was it April? April. Yeah, it's it's been, like, been like three months and Neil's like, can't remember. <laughs> a lot of shit's been happening the last three He's, months, man. <laughs> Neil, Neil's calling us out on our shitty rickety intro, yet he can't remember. He can't remember three months ago. <laughs> yeah. That'll work. Just in case he's got to pick us out of a police lineup, we're covered. That's true. That's true. That's true. Oh man, between uh, my Alzheimer's grandfather and Neil, we're we're good to go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a brand new time every time, right? 
oh, <laughs> begin man. the shenanigans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> guys, we're going to be talking about a lot of San Diego Comic-Con stuff this week. We are going to be doing good pop, bad pop. But stick around. Uh, we are going to be talking about the new Wonder Woman footage that was exclusively shown in Hall H. We did not get a chance to see it, unfortunately, since we did not get tickets or flights or hotels or any of that good stuff. But uh, I we've heard it through the grapevine. We know what fucking happened. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Shazam trailer in detail. Going to be talking about the Aquaman trailer in detail. Some of the scenes that were shown in Hall H exclusively, as well as the set visits from Joe Blow and Screen Rant. So we're going to be talking about everything and breaking it down. Uh, I've got a lot to talk about when it comes to the Warner Brothers stuff. So stick around for that. But yes, we're going to be talking about our good pop, bad pop here in a moment. But Neil, how you doing? Good. I'm I'm great. A couple tequila shots and starting some beers. I'm good to go. Oh man, Neil's gonna be passing out this week. That's gonna. <laughs> Jeez, hey, it's only it's only four o'clock here. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's six here. That's a lot of pre gaming. Ah, I, I have a high tolerance. <laughs> So, Thanks a lot to get me going. <laughs> a couple things that I want to address before we jump in. This is our San Diego Comic-Con episode. I want to keep this light. I want to keep this fun. So we are not going to be talking about the uh, James Gunn thing that happened this week, uh, me and Jake. And this was – I, Jake, it was me that initiated this conversation with you. I said I, I want to talk about San Diego Comic-Con stuff. I don't want to bring anything down. There might be new information that comes to light, and I don't want to talk about anything prematurely. So I, we're just going to kind of stay away from that this week. And it's another thing, too. And if people want to yell at somebody, yell at me. This is my decision. Jake Jake agreed, but I brought it up first. If you want to yell at – you want to think we're pussies for not talking about it, eh, whatever. That's fine. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Come at me. I don't give a shit. Um, but, yeah. It, it's a heavy topic, and I and I, I, I completely agreed with you. So, yeah, we're at San Diego Comic-Con. Let's talk about the big news. There'll be definitely more news to cover on yeah. that subject moving forward when we hear more information about, like, what Marvel is actually going to do yeah. on the cinematic level. Our thoughts don't matter anyway. It happened. There's nothing we can do about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? It really doesn't. Like, it, we can come out here and say, this, damn, this happened, and it doesn't matter. It's like, it happened. It's over. And we got to move on, and that's it. There's nothing we can say or do anything about it. It's basically just people coming in, tuning in to listen. Oh, what's Brian and Jake going to say about it? And then either saying, I agree with them or I disagree with them. So I'm just flat out saying, fuck you. You're not getting your little discussion. Sorry. So if that's what you came here for, just move along because it ain't happening. So, and we got a lot of other great stuff to talk about this week. Not only San Diego Comic Con, but I have a huge thank you to a lot of people that I want to talk hey, about. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in between the talk there, like the James Gunn stuff, you started sounding like absolute garbage. Like the audio. Do, do you hear that too, Neil? It's like yeah. super <laughs> staticky and hissy. And yeah, your audio went way down. You just like went to garbage somewhere in there. You know I what? just wanted to stop you before we moved on any further. The nice thing about that, though, is I'm recording on my end, so whatever I just said came through 100% crisp. Like, you guys got, like, the short end of that stick, but our listeners and me got to hear every beautiful, angelic word that I spoke. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't... Okay. Nothing happens on my end. I'm, I, like, I'm in control. I'm at the control. I'm at the helm. I am Captain Kirk at the helm of the fucking Enterprise right now, and when I give an order... It happens. Like, this is, like, it's happening on my end. Like, you guys, you guys heard gobbledygook and uh, <laughs> crisp and clear on this end, buddy. Great. 
Yeah, I just wanted to make sure in case it was all bad because it still does sound really bad. Okay, tell you what. What we'll do, uh, since I sound like shit, is we're going to stop and I'm going to call you back and then we'll be good to go. All right? Okay. All right, hey, we're back. All right, you guys yeah, you sound normally. That's awesome. You guys happy you can hear me now? <laughs> yes, yes, your angelic yes. voice, man. We were missing out. <laughs> Oh man! Oh. I seriously, yeah, it's 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 uh, no, it's definitely not angelic. That was one hundred percent sarcasm laden. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. We got. I think we got like one iTunes review, and so I'm not even gonna read that fucking shit this week. Who gives a shit, right? Right. Yeah, let's save them up. Oh, yeah, we'll rack them up. Maybe next week we'll have two. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Neil, what happened to your podcast? You were, you were podcasting there for a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, my buddy Nick and I were doing a podcast like once every two months or so. Consistency. We, Consistency, sir. You guys. Yeah. We didn't have that ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, we got tired of going to the bar and not being able to talk about stuff. Because we were going to save it for the podcast, and then we just both got really busy, so we decided to call it quits. Uh, yeah, Nick and Neil just decided to never leave the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Yeah, so guys, let's. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Now I'm just, I'm worried the whole time, like, how I sound. Like, now I'm all, like, self You know what's fucked up is I heard the bumpers crystal clear and loud as fuck. You heard the bumpers this time. Yep. Crystal for the first time, like ever in like eighty episodes. <laughs> you know why? They were. You know why? It, I I downloaded a new version of Skype. Skype was like this. This version's gonna expire. You got to download a new version, and I bet this new version has like the settings correct or something. This episode sucks. We're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about no. Seriously, it's all about sound quality. And now it's like, oh my! I'm hearing the bumpers. It's like feels like the. Bumpers. It scared the shit out of me. This is, yeah, yeah, that's a bumper, guys. That's what I listen to every week. Oh, man. I'm used to, like, you know, hitting the mute button, like, blowing my nose before we start again, and then, Mm -hmm. like, all of a sudden just bombarded with the bumper. It scared me. Oh, wow. You're like, now you're like, you're like an elderly woman. (laughs) <laughs> clenching her purse in, in clenching her purse in a bad neighborhood. Ooh. <laughs> oh man, you get used to a routine. Yeah. All right. I wanted. I went out to the theater. I saw some movies this week. I wanted to talk about the first movie that I saw. I saw the first Purge. Oh, oh 
Nice. I, I'm kind of excited to see that. I haven't seen past the first movie, but yeah. I feel like I can skip it all and just go to First Purge. Honestly, I would say go with the second one. The Frank Grillo, the second movie is great. I have not seen the third. I've been told by others that are familiar with the franchise and that really love the Purge movies that the third is the weakest in the chain. Uh, so I went and saw the First Purge uh, synopsis. After the rise of a third political party, the new founding fathers of America, an experiment is conducted. No laws for 12 hours on Staten Island. No one must stay during the experiment yet no one must stay during the experiment yet there is a fi- there's five thousand dollars for anyone who does uh this movie stars uh marissa tomei uh yalan noel and uh lex scott davis um i love the first two purge movies uh the first one with ethan Hawke, the second one with frank grillo uh like i said i did not watch the third one so i wanted to see the first purge this was the very first purge in the canon of this universe and they're going to they're basically it's experimental they're going to do it in stanton island first and if you stay throughout the night uh you get five thousand dollars now you can earn more money what they do is they send you these contact lenses and these contact lenses it's it's like a it's a it's a live video feed and so they actually, the people that are monitoring the purge, they can monitor your actions. Like each person is assigned that has these contact lenses is assigned like um, a number, an ID number. And so they can watch you through these contact lenses. And if you go out and you, like, I don't know, set a fire, if you kill someone, if you do all this stuff, they'll see it. And then they'll put more money in your bank account. It's like direct deposit. Boom. So you start out. If you survive, you get $5,000, and then you just run amok and go around killing people if you want to, and they pay you more money. And uh, this is kind of like an experiment. Marissa Tomei's character is the one that came up with this, and um, they're going to they're gonna start it in Staten Island. I, uh, I'll be honest with you. There's uh, this movie. It moves fast, and it hits you with a lot of action. And... Um, it was a lot more action oriented than I thought, especially in the third act. I thought, you know, th- there was a lot of murdering and stuff like that going around, and there's definitely a big twist in this one. But I really enjoyed myself. I really enjoyed myself in this movie. For as dark as it gets, for as dark as a movie as as The Purge is, I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed this movie, and. Um, I'll be honest. I'm it gonna, sounds like it has really cool, like reality show elements to it, where they're like f- giving them bonus money for extra perjury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to see a little bit of that in this one. Um, I don't want to spoil the twist, and I think the twist was kind of like the most interesting part of this experiment. Um, and uh, you know, at first, like people are starting like little purge parties right out in the street like partying like you could literally get killed like there's not that fear during the first purge that uh, people are doing purge parties like having like a whole block party people come out in the street they're dancing and then of course you know somebody crashes the party just like any party somebody crashes it and then somebody starts getting murdered in the streets and uh you know shit starts getting real um i i had a lot of fun this was for as dark as this fucking is I had a lot of fun watching this. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. I know, it, I know, it did not do well. Wow. I yeah, I got to because I, I man, it's it, this movie moves. It's the the characters are, are, are you know, there's some twists here, um, and uh, it's crazy. It, I I just thought it was it's everything that I wanted from the Purge movies. It was just com- it it goes to complete anarchy to 
to where I, I did not see this going. And so it, it really makes me excited that we're going to be getting on uh, Sci-Fi and uh, another network's picking it up. It's going to be, I think it's going to be on Sci-Fi and, uh, and another network is picking it up as well. This, uh, the Purge series that's coming out. So I'm excited. I, I want more Purge. No matter how people felt about that third movie, I felt like this was a, a return to form. I really enjoyed the first Purge. Now, I've read rumors that the TV show is actually going to have things tied into the first Purge movie a little bit. I don't know. Uh, it makes that, like sense. It's the only yeah. movie that's actually maybe a little bit going to matter before seeing the uh, TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I, I don't think – I think they'll give us an ex, enough exposition, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably just on a very, like, surface level. Right. But, like, it'll have some connections to that movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I liked it. I liked it. Um, it's not going to be I for everybody. You saw it as well. What do you think? Um, I was going to toss it until about two-thirds of the way into the movie. I did. I, I, I hated the uh, heavy-handed exposition at the beginning of it. It, it really just put me off of it. Um, and then Marissa Tomei, it seemed like they um, blew their entire actor budget on her, and she's in it for like 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, but I, the the main guy, what's his name, Elon Noel? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, he was so good. Wasn't he? He turned me around, and I have to taste it now because I, once like he got going, I really got into his stuff. Okay. It reminded me of like an 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger-style action star. Yeah. Can I ask you – let me ask you this. Uh, Marvel wants to come out with a Blade movie or Blade Netflix oh, series. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I tupple over that idea. I do. For I, sure. As I'm watching the movie, that's all I can think about it in certain, oh. certain moments. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was absolutely fantastic. I, I really, I, <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed this one, man. I mean, Good. there's, there's a lot of different, uh, groups, uh, that are kind of like let loose in the city and doing things. And I don't know. I just, I really had a lot of fun with this one. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a Tupperware. I'm glad you tasted it. But um, and it was it was solely because of when he when that main guy kind of got into his own and was able to really let go and just do the eighties yeah. style action that that he was doing. Like I I really started to enjoy myself a lot at that point. Yeah, it, it turned into. What do you think about Skeletor? Uh, <laughs> it, it was unnuanced, just like most of the movie. I <laughs> mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was fine. Yeah, I, I, he'd served a purpose, but it, I didn't. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, like, are they going to be using this guy in like future movies and stuff like that? And I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if we're going to get any any future films. It might just all be TV at this point. So I think which that, I think is a better platform for this story. Yeah. moving forward is to do it in shorter episodic chunks. I think we're seeing the rise of some of these shows um, that are doing this kind of like, you know, um, okay. Uh, why the last man we're getting, why the last man mm-hmm. now we're getting, you know, uh, we're getting, uh, the, the purge move, the purge TV show. And I think it's because of the decline of the walking dead. I think mm-hmm. a lot of, they're wanting to do something to take, to pull that audience in the people that dropped off the walking dead. They know that they're still out there and that they want mm-hmm. that kind of entertainment. So you've got a show like the 
purge where you can have main characters basically die off as fast as they do in Game of Thrones. And there's an audience for people that like that kind of story. So I don't know. I think I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these different shows coming out now. Deadly so. Class, too. Deadly Class, yeah, the Rick Remender comic being adapted. Yeah. They had the panel today at San Diego Comic-Con, so I'm sure there's oh, yeah, like huh. a new trailer that's come out or... So, uh, hey, what I, year did the first purge happen? Oh, that's a good question. I I, I couldn't I, tell you. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> vague on purpose in the near future. Yeah, I guess it's like in the. In I the, think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't I don't frequent the the purge Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe they made a deal about it in the movie. I, mm. I thought maybe it'd be an easy answer. It, it's I shouldn't be surprised. It, it was just some bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. Even if they did give it, I I wasn't paying that much attention. Didn't matter enough to yeah. stick. <laughs> Two thousand XX. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drones are in every movie, aren't they, Neil? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> drones with guns. Drones, drones, drones with guns. Drones and their cameras and yeah. uh, drones. Uh, drones are the new thing. They really yeah. are. Drones. Are, they throw drones in everything. I, they drone on with drones. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Drone on. I went and saw. Drones. I went and saw. Um, Sorry to bother you. Have you guys seen? Oh, me this? too. You did. Yes. All right. Let's talk about. Let's talk about this one. In an alternate present day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, propelling him into a macabre universe. It's written and directed by uh, Boots Riley, who's actually, he's from Chicago, and he has, he's not done a lot of directing. Mostly, uh, he's done soundtracks for movies. He did a uh, soundtrack for The Losers, uh, Superbad. Um, he also did a song for an episode of The Simpsons, and it was called Prankster Rap, and that was an episode back in 2005. So he, this is his, like really like his I think his first or second time at directing. This movie stars Lakeith Stanfield from Atlanta, uh, Tessa Thompson from Westworld, and she's also Valkyrie in the Thor Ragnarok film. Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead. Uh, we got Danny Glover in here. Uh, Jermaine Fowler. Uh, he's in this movie. He did a horrible sitcom with Judd Hirsch about a donut shop on uh, network television. It was called Superior Donuts. And it was absolutely terrible, but I like the guy. I think he's kind of funny. He he also voiced Jaleel White and Eddie Murphy on the Lucas Brothers Moving Company animated series, which I loved <laughs> that cartoon. I thought it was great. Um, Army Hammer from The Lone Ranger and Call Me By Your Name is in this as well. And then, of course, David Cross and Patton Oswalt, they provide their voice talents in the film. And, uh, Neil, what did you think about Sorry to Bother You? I tupper the fuck out of this movie. It was it was gorgeous and amazing and oh <laughs> i love this movie a lot i, I want to go back and see it again just because it was it was it reminded me a lot of um how get out made me feel last year um it had because it had a very strong message it was a very obvious message but it was played out in such a way that was had a lot more nuance and depth than say the first purge did and the acting was was phenomenal. The twists were out of nowhere. Uh, it was one of those movies where I had no idea what was going to happen next, but I was never lost during the movie. And just shit would happen that I, I never saw coming. And I loved every second of it. And the soundtrack was amazing. Uh, it was yeah, it was it was brilliant. I thought. 
Yeah, the movie's got a 95% last time I checked on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't want to give away the big spoiler, and of course you would know that, and there's a huge spoiler. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's yep. a huge twist <laughs> that happens in this movie. Um, <laughs> I unfortunately wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. I was mm. a fan of the first two-thirds of this film. It's when you get to said twist where it mm-hmm. loses me. Um, really? The, yeah. I Okay, Let me. here we go. I love the telemarketing call center scenes. I, I used to actually work in a call center, so seeing the meetings, you know, uh, of how, like, you know, the meetings with the, the staff talking – to, you know, the leaders talking with their staff. I was just like, I, I remember being one of those unenthused people watching <laughs> these people give you these bullshit speeches and trying to get you pumped up before you work. Um, and then the, 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 the actor that was, she, the actress, she was like the, the team leader. She was saying how they, how they're all <laughs> equals and, and she doesn't look at them as employees and all this nonsense. I thought she was great. And, uh, that actor is, uh, Kate Berlant and she was, fantastic in the movie so good and i love her name was uh in the movie was diana debauchery but it was spelled out debauchery <laughs> which <laughs> which gets pointed out in the film and i thought that that was hilarious um lakeith stanfield is great tessa thompson's great i love tessa thompson's style in the movie mm-hmm. her, her style is so cool she wears these like chunky earrings that have like different phrases on each one so like throughout the movie it's like kind of like a fun little game like you're just trying to read what each earring is saying you want to and so um i didn't catch all of them but like i thought that that was uh kind of a cool stylistic choice here um the main character's car in the movie almost becomes a character at certain points, and I, I, I thought that that was hilarious. Um, you know, I, you know I've, dude, that fucking car always smoking, the engine's always smoking, and the, and uh, you know the the windshield wiper scene slayed me. Um, you know, I, I've been there. I remember, like in my like late teens, early twenties, like I remember, like on any given day, my car may or may not run, and I remember, like paying 40 cents for gas you know like it's either it's either like buy a pack of cigarettes and have 40 cents left over for gas or just like use all that money on gas it's like no i need my smokes so right um so the whole movie like you've got this character he's working at this call center and um the better you are at closing these deals over the phone you might get a chance to be what they call a power caller and then they move you upstairs and that's where you get to make the real money so like there's this also there's there's elevator you know <laughs> that kind of like shows like it's kind of like the representation of the corporate ladder and this it, it, you they open up you sometimes see inside the elevator and it's like it's like gold on the inside there's this <laughs> there's actually like a mini chandelier in it you know it's ridiculous and um so each day the elevator actually gives like each power caller a different message and they're usually pretty crude like talking about like how big their dick is and like how well they're (laughs) gonna do that day and how they're gonna crush it and it's it's pretty bizarre but lakeith you know he's closing these deals and he's doing it he's danny glover's character teaches him how to use a white voice and he starts just and his white voice is david cross 
and uh, and he starts killing it. And so they do this really they do this really cool thing where they show him talking to the people on the phone, but he's actually within the film. The the, the director kind of like makes his creative choice to make it look like he's at his desk, but he's in the same room with the person that he's calling. So it makes it like a real personal kind of thing. So like no matter what they are doing when he calls them, he's there in the same room with them. So if like if they're fucking, like he's talking to the caller while they're getting fucked. So you <laughs> you see this and it's a really cool creative choice, but like this is not for me, this is not the first movie that did this. It, I wanted to no. point Vince Vaughn did a movie called The Prime Gig back in 2000 and when he was talking to potential clients, he was you know, he's trying to scam them over the phone. And the, the director um, of that film, Gregory Mosher, he like he dropped that dropped Vince Vaughn basically into the same room with them within the within that film. And um, that's a great movie. If you've never seen the prime gig, like if you like stuff like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and Boiler Room. You'll love Prime okay. Gig. It's really good. It's got Ed Harris. I've heard of that. What year did that come out? Like, two, or how long ago? 2000. 2000. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn, Ed Harris, Julia Armand, George oh, wow. Went. George Went mm. from Cheers is in it. Um, nice. Stephen Tobolowski. Great oh, character. nice. Yeah. And then uh, Inconceivable, the Inconceivable guy from... Wallace uh, Shawn. Yes, he's yeah, in there as yeah. well. That, George Went, Stephen Tobolowski, um, and uh, Inconceivable. They're, they're telemarketers at this shitty telemarketing uh, call center, and it's it's absolutely hilarious. So in the movie, you get, you get uh, Lakeith... Uh, Stanfield, he like works his way up to power caller, and that that's when things get a little crazy for me in the film. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I I hated the last act of this movie. It gets a little too really? out there for me, D- dude. I understand the message, like the message huh. of the film. It, you know, racism is bad, slave labor is bad. I just feel like the execution of getting that across in the movie for me just didn't work. You know what it reminded me of was uh, Tank Girl. Okay, yeah, hmm. yeah. And I, I've been watching a lot of, uh, like, cult movies lately. Yeah. And so I think I've been in that mindset where I love the weird, wacky, crazy shit that happens in those kind of movies. Sure. And so to see it in in context with the rest of the stuff that's already happened in this movie was, was I, I it really spoke to me personally. Yeah. And I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I love the first two-thirds of this movie. I don't know, man. I It just took me for... Like, I don't know. It turned into, I'm not going to, no, if I name another movie that it turned into, I'll spoil. (laughs) Um, But I've talked to people that, uh, that love this movie, Rebecca Daling. Um, She loved it. I mean, she sent me a message that she loved it. I talked to another buddy of mine. This is, this movie takes place in Oakland. He actually went to a theater in Oakland and watched this movie and he texted me and said that the the people that left were kind of meh on it. So it hmm. really depends. I mean, I this movie don't take my word for it though, because ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Neil loved it. Rebecca loved it. I feel like I loved the first two thirds of it, and then it just kind of lost me. So it might it might be something that I watch again and I appreciate more. But I think just the initial shock of like that twist. I was just like, "What the <laughs> fuck is going on?" <laughs> it, was the, it was it was like it was the most shocking twist that I've seen in, in a long time. Yeah, it, and I, I I live about an hour away from Oakland, and there was a local artist who had a bunch of stuff in the movie and was helping promote it. So it's it's a big deal in our, in, in my area. Yeah, um, it was because it's promoting a lot of local artists and, and just 
really doing a lot of good stuff for the community too. So it's 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 wor- really worth seeing. I think uh, yeah. even if you don't like it. <laughs> No, I know. I'm I'm glad that I dropped money on this. To be quite honest yeah. with you, I think like this is uh, it's definitely, you know, you don't have to like every movie. I, it's exactly. it's nice yeah. to get those uh, contrasting opinions and just be able to sit down with people and have a conversation. Because I I'm not saying you're wrong for like enjoying mm-hmm. this movie. I'm clearly in the minority here for people right. that like, you know. And I uh, I thought Lakeith Stanfield was great. I thought that Tessa Thompson was fantastic. I loved her in this movie. It was nice seeing Stephen Young. You know, like he got mm-hmm. his he oh, got his head bashed in by fucking Negan. It was nice to see that he's still okay. You know, popped on the screen. I was like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, you know, like listening to Danny Glover talking that white voice was absolutely you know, hilarious. You know who voiced his white voice? White voice? No, who did he? Because I know the other guy. I, I, was... I looked it up. I couldn't find it. Oh, I couldn't find it either. So hmm, yeah. maybe it, was, it wasn't just him then. You don't think? No, no, it's definitely <laughs> not him. <laughs> no, uh, Rosario Dawson did the elevator voice too. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I I love the code for the elevator scene. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good, man. I I'm, yeah. my rating on this one is a low taste it for me. It's a low okay. taste it for me. It could go up upon second watching. I gotta watch it again. Maybe I can get over that now that I know what's gonna happen. Maybe I can, you know what I mean? Now I can, maybe I can. be surprised by it? It won't be surprised by it and I can move. I thought Army Hammer was absolutely a scuzzball and fantastic in his role though. You know? Yeah. Nice to hear he's, he's good in something. Oh, call me, (laughs) call me by your name. He was fantastic in that movie. Oh, okay. There you go. And, uh, I, I, I'm going back to, Years ago, I was a big fan of him when he was on the second season of a little show called Reaper, which I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you did you guys watch Reaper at all? Uh, I saw like the pilot in the first couple episodes, but didn't stick with it. Loved it. I, I loved it. I stuck with it both seasons. You know, I'm a big Tyler Labine fan. Love Brett Harrison and loved that show. And he, Army Hammer um, was on the second season. He played a character Morgan, who was the uh, Sam Wise, that actor, his uh, son. So he's the devil's, mm. devil's son in that second season of Reaper, which fucking... Yeah, Kevin Smith directed the pilot of Reaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was, it was a big deal. Was that like a UPN show? Yeah. Hmm. No, it was... Yeah, yeah. It was like on CW. Um, fucking... Uh, what was it? Uh, some of the state guys were on the second season. They played... Uh, they played fallen angels or something like demons so that yeah, was uh man loved reaper good show um jake do you got anything this week no not much i've i've been watching more i got two more episodes left to glow and just been doing my usual my usual junk anybody Lots of magic magic the gathering lately yeah yeah anybody's a big fan of magic the gathering talk to jake jake's into that right now like big time yeah they just they just came out with a brand new set, and honestly, if you're not into Magic the Gathering, now is the perfect time to check it out. It's like really kind of a baby's first Magic the Gathering set. I mean, not to insult it at all, it's still a really great set, but it's a it's a core set with a lot of the same cards they've had for the last 25 years. So you know what? The, it's a really neat set to start with. You know, the original Magic the Gathering was Magic Johnson's orgy orgies back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the the original Magic the Gathering was Magic Johnson performing all these crazy orgies back oh. in the day. Yeah, yeah, he tried to sue. 
Yeah. When when uh, Richard Garfield created the game, but uh, he lost that lawsuit. He's like, oh, well, my, mine incorporated fantasy too sometimes. <laughs> there were things being tapped. Yeah, and we had a we had a few we had a few we had a few dwarves show up. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, have you guys ever seen that picture of uh, Peter Dinklage from the eighties? Oh no, I would love to. Though. I will throw that up on our Facebook page. He was. Oh my God, he is a sexy little man. I believe it. Oh my, he's got he's got his hair. He's got like that eighties like rocker hair, kind of like I don't know, like maybe like like uh, one of the band members from Extreme. Remember that super band? Oh yeah, know? oh yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I live that era. Yeah, they had the more than words power rock ballad. Yeah, he was. But you ought to see Peter. Dick. It's a black and white picture, and he's looking sexy as fuck. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know how to Google that, or I would find it right now. I've got it. I, I've, I've got it on my phone, which it sounds really creepy. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I'll I know the previous sentence was he's sexy as fuck <laughs> on my phone, but it's on my phone, Jake. <laughs> this is like this is like like it's spank material for later or something. I'm in, man. Why why are you hogging that shit? Wow, that sounds like you're at one of Magic's orgies. <laughs> I'll take things said at Magic Johnson's orgies. <laughs> Jake, you just gave the correct answer. I'm in, man. Why are you hogging it all? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see here. I went and saw uh, The Equalizer 2 uh, with Denzel Washington. Oh man, was it? Did it live up to the Equalizer one? He reprises his role as the badass McCall, and um, yeah, this movie stars Bill Pullman. Uh, he's back, uh, Pedro Pascal. Guys, I don't have the synopsis pulled up on my computer. I literally just watched this one today, but um, Me too. I, I'm you did as well. Okay, yeah, I watched it this morning. Nice, nice. Um, I am going to give this. This is a tough one. I, I I'm going to give this one a solid. I am going to nail down my rating. God damn it. It's when you, when you see it so close. Neil, I think my biggest, it's not a Tupperware. I will throw that out mm. there. And my biggest problem with this one, Neil, is I feel like, um, throughout the beginning of the movie, you've got so many different things going on. You mm -hmm. don't even know who your main villain is. But I think Antoine Fuqua, the director, did that intentionally so that when they give you the big twist, Mm -hmm. You're totally shocked. I was at least because there's so many other little side stories going on that by the a lot time of misdirection, yeah. a lot of misdirection. And I think like when you first start watching this movie, it's to the detriment of the overall story until mm -hmm. the twist actually happens. And then you're like, OK, I'm back. But then the end of the movie kind of turns into like Jason Bourne meets the hurricane heist. And that was, I don't know. <laughs> I had the same fucking thought. <laughs> but overall, I'm going to give this one a taste it. And I will say that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's actually doing better in the box office this weekend than the first movie did. So we probably, if, it can keep doing well and not have too much of a drop off. We'll we'll get an equalizer three, but I am going to give this one a solid tasted. I thought that uh, uh, Denzel gave some really great performances in this one. Um, some of these scenes are brutal, man. Hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Some are mm -hmm. fucking brutal and hard. Like I, I love watching people that need to get fucked up get fucked up, 
But for the people that are innocent and these bad things are happening, I understand why they do it. It's because you want to, you'll, you'll hate the villain that much more when, they, mm-hmm. when they get caught. And, and, and I, and, but it is hard to watch while it is happening. But, uh, I'm going to give this one a straight middle of the road taste it. What'd you think, Neil? Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Um, it felt, I watched the first one for the first time on Wednesday. Yeah. And I give that one a high taste it only because of, uh, some nitpicky shit that I had with it. Um, at the, uh, for the last set piece in the, in the hardware store, because I've used a lot of those tools and most of them don't work that way. So that bugged me. But for this one, <laughs> it, it seemed like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, fucking Bob Vila critic. <laughs> Bob Vila movie critic. I did construction for many years. So yeah, I've used all those tools before. Um, but anyway, for this one, yeah, it, it seemed a little, it, it seemed like Taken 2 in a lot of ways, where it lacked some of the heart of the first one, and yeah. it, it didn't quite resonate as much uh, with me emotionally that the first one did. Um, but overall, it was, it was an enjoyable movie. I, I, I had a good time this morning watching it. Yeah. It's one of the... Yeah, I did, too. I did, too. I, I I started having a better time when we got into like the the second half of the film. The yeah, first, yeah, for sure. The first hour was kind of like, well, actually, the first half hour is like, hey, let's catch up with McCall and see what McCall's <laughs> been up to. And it's like, yeah, McCall, he's a Lyft driver now. He's still doing some. He, like, I love the beginning scene, like uh, of mm-hmm. him on the train. Uh, that was that was cool. You know, because you see those stories on shows like Dateline where, you know, these kids are taken by their father or their mother. One one of their parents is a citizen of the United States. The other parent is a citizen of another country, you know, and it's typically a country where the United States might not have any kind of like relationship with that government. So getting those kids once they're kidnapped, once those kids are in that country, some of these parents may never see them again. So like that was a really touching scene. I, I really thought that that was fantastic. And that, that scene had a lot of heart and I felt like some of, yeah. some of the scenes that had a lot of heart in the first movie were like with Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, mm-hmm. and they replaced her character in this one with like the, the black kid. And I thought like, I really right. enjoyed that kid's story. I really did. He was but, great. He, yeah. he was absolutely great. Yeah. But for some reason, it just in this movie that there's so many different storylines going on. You don't even really know who your villain is for, I'd say like the first half hour. And then when you do meet them, then it's like another half hour before you actually get to that. And then, um, it's kind of all over the place, but you know, I'm glad it's doing well. I hope it continues mm-hmm. to do well, and I hope that we do get a uh, Equalizer three because I I do love seeing Denzel in this role. Yeah, he he's really good at doing the um, the action hero thing. <laughs> Although I have to admit, I, I thought uh, watching the first one and the second one so close in succession it was like, is he copying Liam Neeson's career path on purpose and just upping <laughs> upping the ante over Neeson's? <laughs> that was my thought about it. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you have a great, great actor who turns to action later on in the career, which is fine, and there, he does a great job with it. But it, it was just a funny little random thought that came into my head. He'll be taking down the airplane terrorist next movie. <laughs> no, he'll be, no, he'll be voicing a lion. 
<laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't catch the reference, it's uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where he played Aslan. Uh-huh. People. So I'm sure people, some people were scratching their heads. <laughs> Make them Google. You're too nice. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so Equalizer 2, I give it a solid taste. It, um, Neil, what did you have for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Well, we've already covered everything pretty much. Uh, there is... I, I commute an hour each way for work, uh, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And there's one that I uh, have recently picked up that uh, I, I find fascinating because I, I do theater and whatnot. Um, it's called You Must Remember This. It's about um, secrets or, or forgotten stories about Hollywood's first century. Uh, so it's it's all this old Hollywood stuff. Um, that they talk about, and a lot of them. There's, there's one-off episodes, but there's also um, like long chunk ep- chunks of episodes. So the first series I listened to was about dead blondes, about uh, people like Marilyn Monroe and um, a bunch of Gene Harlow and and a bunch of like blondes from the early part of Hollywood's stardom, their stardom in Hollywood. And then I listened to the next one was about Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff hmm. and their careers and talked about how, where they came from and then their their monster movies and then their post-monster careers. And, yeah, it's really interesting. The one I'm on now is about the blacklist, um, about the, the, the Red Scare in the 50s and all the people, like what led up to that and where it's going, where, 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 where it went and the people who were affected by it. So it's a really it's a really interesting um, podcast that I liked a lot that I've been liking a lot lately. There you go. If you're sick of this one, which I'm sure you are at this point, <laughs> you can go ahead and hit the stop button and uh, listen to somebody doing a better production. So, no, that does sound cool. So it's like well researched and everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's this one lady, uh, Karina Longworth, is her name. She she writes, produces, and, and narrates every every episode. She's literally and, just reading. She's literally just reading off the Wikipedia page the entire time. <laughs> you know, she might be, <laughs> but it, 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 it's 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 a lot drier. Um, she has she, during the Bella and Boris segment she threw some serious shade on lon cheney jr every chance she got which was really funny to me hmm. was talking so much shit about him <laughs> it was it was pretty funny but yeah that's what's what i've been doing i, I work a lot and been really busy so oh, wow. I that's all it. i got i love it when the i people, hear that i love it when the people throw out excuses <laughs> Let me throw. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how the review of something ends. Like they weren't like, did I really do a good job actually promoting said thing that I watched or listened to? And then it finishes with like, well, here's my excuse as to why I suck this week. Well, like, yep, huh, yep. got a lot Pretty going much. on, and uh, sorry about. It's basically an apology. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry to bother you, you know. Wow. Um, wow. Neil, don't. Just own it. Just, just own it. It was fine. It was fine. You did no, a good I, job. I was referencing the movie we both watched. I know you oh. did, but that wasn't funny. I was just telling you. <laughs> I love I love Neil's laugh. I love this guy. I'm telling you, like, Neil, Neil you are one of these people that, like, you got to meet Neil to, like, appreciate Neil. 
Like, like social media, Neil, kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, once you yeah. went, oh, stop, I'm fucking with you. I love you. <laughs> Neil, Neil, like Neil is a great guy. I absolutely like, you wouldn't believe like how many like behind Neil's back conversations I've had about you where I talk about how amazing you are in person. Oh, like, how much. Thank you. Yeah. Like literally, I think like. With the, I mean, I mean, Jake. There have been so many conversations where we've brought up Neil and been like, "Oh my God, Neil is like one of the best guys ever." We say it all the time. Yeah, I thought Neil Appreciation Day was supposed to be a secret, Brian. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Seriously, like if, like you know, the phrase Neil before Zod, I would just hand Zod <laughs> my fucking neil appreciation doll i'd be like oh i thought you meant this because i love the guy so much i have a neil appreciation doll and no it doesn't have any holes or orifices in it so don't worry about that oh thank god yeah i do not i do not desecrate my that's, that's easy to apply i no, i'm not gonna desecrate it with my <laughs> with my dirty semen and my dirty my dirty parts jake that's sickening oh, um, guys, I went, uh, and I didn't went, um, I saw, I watched, uh, the Kevin Smith pilot for Hollyweed. It's on, uh, Rivet TV. Are you guys familiar with this at all? Have you heard about it? I am not. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it anywhere or anything. Okay. It's What's a, the platform? Hollyweed? It's, well, the show is called Hollyweed and okay. it's on a new streaming service called Rivet TV. Not Rivet like a frog. <laughs> like, no, it's it's Rivet, R-I-V-I-T TV. And uh, it's, uh, it's a show where Kevin Smith and uh, Donnell Rawlings work in a weed dispensary in Hollywood. That, you know, therefore, Kevin Smith was probably baked out of his fucking gourd one day, and he's like, Hollywood. I'm in Hollywood and smoking weed. Hollywood. And he thought he was the first person to think of it. Uh, I love Kevin. I'm just fucking with him. Um, like he listens to this shit. But anyway, two potheads navigate the ups and downs of managing a small business in their quest for profits and the perfect bud. Stars uh, the regular Kevin Smith guys, uh, Ralph Garman, Jason Mewes. And then it also has uh, appearances by Adam Brody. And uh, the female lead in this one is Frankie Shaw, and they're all in this pilot. And um, I, I, you can watch it for free if you want to on Rivet TV, Hollyweed. Uh, they filmed this like two years ago, and uh, everybody was shooting it down apparently, so it wasn't going to get picked up or anything. So there's this new um, streaming service called Rivet TV. I'll talk about the I'll talk about the pilot here in a second, but this it's 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 a new streaming platform and it's it streams the pilots of new programs from established artists such as Kevin Smith for no charge. After a pilot premieres, viewers must decide within 6 weeks if a series is worth paying 199 to 599 per episode to continue watching. Uh, Hollyweed is the first series that they've had on Rivet TV. So the higher the price point chosen, the fewer the amount of people who are needed to greenlight the season. So more people participating lowers the price, and everyone is charged the same lowest price. And so the season is greenlit at the end of the 45-day time frame or when the price per episode reaches a dollar ninety nine. Uh only then hmm. are the credit cards That's very interesting. So once that happens, then the credit cards are charged. But there's no charge if the season is not greenlit. 
So this is how Rivet TV works. So this is a very experimental kind of like um, a la carte pricing when it comes to entertainment. And you kind of choose it. Basically, the demand chooses the price, you know. So, yeah. I kind of yeah. like it. I, I'm interested to see what other programming they're going to offer yeah. or anything that actually becomes a success from it. Right. Um, so you should just uh, try and get 199 for everything? Is that how it works? See, that's the thing. If 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 you choose – if everybody chose 599 it's going to get greenlit a lot sooner. But see, uh-huh. like that's the thing. It's like are they going to – they could honestly, if they wanted to, not release the details – of the subscribers, just like Netflix. We don't know how many people are putting thumbs up and thumbs down on programming for Netflix. We don't know how many people are viewing Luke Cage. We don't know how many people watched Altered Carbon. They have all the data there. So it's like this platform could say like, yes, we're green lighting this. Everyone loved it. And um, the majority of the people are willing to pay the $5.99 price point and so it pushes it to that 599 price point in all actuality everybody could have there could have been some people that chose 599 but the majority of the people could have chosen 199 but rivet tv wants to stay in business i'm not saying this is how they're going to do it i'm just saying like they could do this based on models of other streaming services that we don't have access to their data yeah, I like it. How available is Rivet? Is it like an app I can get for like my phone or my streaming devices that's on my a, PlayStation or Apple TV or whatever? Or? That's a good question. I uh, I pulled it. I didn't look for an app. I actually just watched it on my PC. I I pulled up the website on my phone, but uh, yeah, I guess I could see here. if somebody wants to go to their app store and see if it's available. R I V is in Victor I T T V. And see if it's available. That'd be great. But and I'll talk about the actual show itself, Hollyweed. Um, I uh, I enjoyed the pilot, but see, I'm going to be a little biased because I'm a, I'm a Kevin Smith fan and I'm a Ralph Garman fan. I listen to Hollywood Babylon. I'm a Jason Mewes fan, and so um, it's just goofy. It's just a goofy show, and uh, you know, just a lot of that, uh, you know, Kevin Smith humor in this one. I. I'm going to give it a, as a fan, I'm going to give it a high taste because I love Kevin Smith. Anybody else watching this might not be a big fan. Basically, in this one, Kevin uh, works at this dispensary with Donnell Rawlings, and they have a client come in, this Adam Brody, who is basically kind of like a, uh, 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 he wants to be like a, he's like a Hollywood producer, but he actually does porn movies. And so he's going to order a bunch of weed for this girl who's going to be doing her first scene. And so he wants to get her all kind of like calm and relaxed for her first, like she's doing like double penetration, her first DP scene. So she's going to be rocking it in the front and the back. She's not, well, she's not going full DVDA, double vaginal, double anal. It's just, you know, DP, you know, single cock, front back action, a little bit of teeter totter going on. (laughs) So, uh, and so he, you know, (laughs) and so you know he wants to buy enough weed to like get her kind of like relaxed or whatever so uh kevin ends up doing a uh uh, delivery of the weed to the location comes across the girl doesn't sound like she's really wanting to do this scene and so he kind of like rescues her from the porn industry and uh 
basically gives her a job at the dispensary and uh, things happen and that's where the episode leaves off. But, you know, Jason Muse is in there, plays a homeless guy who goes through the trash looking for, you know, fucking uh, branches from pot plants and and <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it was fun enough. It was fun enough. I, I enjoyed it. It's a high taste for me. Anybody else might toss this thing, but I, but I, I myself, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. I love the guy. I don't love every movie he's made, but I love the man. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, it's nice seeing Ralph Garman. I'm a big fan of Ralph Garman. And of course, Jason Mew. So I'll give it a high taste it, but that's a biased, uh, that's a biased rating there, people. So Rivet TV, is it available on a phone? It is not, at least not yeah. on Apple. All right. Yeah. I look for it too. I, I couldn't find it. So yeah, check. you can watch it for free though. Uh, free now though. I didn't even select a price point. Like I'm not gonna pay. I love Kevin Smith, but I'm not gonna say like I'm gonna pay five ninety nine for a streaming service that has nothing. Yay! <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and it's like I don't also don't know how it works as far as like five ninety nine for is it five ninety nine for one show or is it 599 for like everything that comes on Rivet TV and like so like it sounds like it's basically kickstarter for artists is what it is yeah you made it sound like per show the way you read it and I, what, I definitely yeah. see that i was going to say the same kickstarter comparison it really kind of sounded like that kind of thing yeah but see that's the thing it's like okay i love what kevin smith's doing now when does this get out of control so now it's like Carrot Top, who ain't doing shit, but his stupid fucking show in Las Vegas is like, yeah, I'm going to pull out my trunk of bullshit on a fucking show on Rivet TV. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, and then you've got like all these Carrot Top fans like doing this shit. But like, when does that Venn diagram of artists that I like kind of meet? And now I'm paying five ninety nine for two shows. It's like, fuck that. I can get Netflix for less. I don't want to spend five ninety nine for Kevin Smith and then five ninety nine for fucking some other bullshit from some other guy that I might you know what it it, it, it could get out oh, of control. It makes perfect real, sense. Yeah, it could get out of control real fast. So Carrot Top, where the fuck did I pull that out? <laughs> oh man. He's always my go to when I'm trying to like think of the worst comedian possible too. <laughs> what happened what happened to prop comics? Did did Carrot Top just kinda like corner the market on prop comics? Oh man, I never thought that shit was that funny. I'm sorry. Ah, it was when I was like a a child, a young child, and he was pulling stuff out and saying, Hey look, it's a it's a hat and like throwing it on his head i'd be like ah, it is a hat or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's a hat for uh it's a it's a it's a, it's a hat it's a hat for cats or whatever i don't know like i used to laugh at his stupid shit but now Did he take over for gallagher is that what happened with him yeah he someone took have. over for gallagher gallagher's well, like james bond <laughs> You go, Jake. I'd love to see a James Bond movie with Gallagher Jake, as James Bond. You know who took over for Gallagher for a while was his twin brother. Yeah, I do know that. What? Gallagher has a twin brother that looks just like him. Gallagher, if our listeners don't know who Gallagher is, Gallagher <laughs> is a, uh, a prop comic 
more or less. And he's really funny, though, very topical. And he's the guy that would take out the big mallet and smash the watermelons on stage. And uh, people would have, like, fucking, like, you know, rain raincoats on or tarps covering themselves so they didn't get slammed with uh, watermelon and shit. But Gallagher has an identical twin. And his identical twin was taking Gallagher's show on the road and saying that he was Gallagher and making money off of it. And so <laughs> Gallagher yeah. sued his own brother, and his brother is now, like, if his brother takes Gallagher's show out on the road, he's breaking the law and can get arrested. Wow. <laughs> That's to steal sledge matic I mean, anyone can sledgehammer a watermelon, I guess, right? I guess so. I, and if you know the act... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're right. I, I hate to sell it short. He was very topical and very political and, and pretty funny, actually. Oh, God, too. I love Gallagher. I don't give a fuck what anybody says, especially you, Jake. I very, I, I, you're, yeah, I, <laughs> no, hold, I was, no, your opinion, I hold your opinion in very low regard, sir. So, uh, no, I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, but I, I loved Gallagher, too. Gallagher is actually one of the very first shows I saw as a little kid, like uh, live shows. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Oh, man. I, uh, Man, I didn't get to see a lot of live shows when I was a kid. I got to see a few. I got to see the Chinese acrobats in St. Louis when they went to Six Flags, and they had the the guy stacking the chairs all the way up to the ceiling. Fucking amazing! 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 Oh, that's fucking awesome. The upper body strength on those acrobats was just just phenomenal. Just stacking stacking chairs all the way to the fucking ceiling. Just it, it, there's no practical use for it, but it was amazing. Now get this Gallagher dressed a watermelon up like Ronald Reagan and then smashed it. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, let's see here. I saw a movie that uh, I didn't even know existed until yesterday when I'm flipping through my app on uh, Fandango, my Fandango app. And I'm like, ah, oh, what? I'm going to go see Equalizer on Sunday. What, am, what are we going to go see today? I've seen everything. Movie passes. I've seen everything. I have just, I have fucked the shit out of my movie pass. There's this movie out called Leave No Trace. Have you guys heard of Leave No Trace? I have not. Neil, you haven't heard of it? No, no. Uh, it's rated PG, so I was like, <laughs> uh, I was, you know, rated PG and me don't always go hand in hand unless it's like an animated movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a live action film, and it, but it starred Ben Foster. And I think Ben Foster is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. People are like, right now they're like, Talking about, when are you going to talk about Shazam and Aquaman? Shut up. <laughs> if you're that guy, shut up. We're going to get to it. Just skip ahead. Anyway, um, I get angry out of nowhere for no reason. Nothing triggers it. Nothing triggers it. You, you, but people, you might hear something good. You might, you might listen to my review of Leave No Trace and be like, oh my gosh, I want to see this movie now. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Like, leave your fucking petty bullshit anger at the door and uh, listen to my review. You might you might learn something here. But this movie, uh, I'll give you the synopsis here. Will, played by Ben Foster, and his teenage daughter, Tom, Thomason Harcourt McKenzie, played by Thomason Harcourt McKenzie, have lived off the grid for years in the forests of Portland, Oregon. When their idyllic life is shattered, both are put into social services. After clashing with their new surroundings, Will and Tom set off on a harrowing journey back to their wild, wild uh, back to their wild homeland. Uh, the film is uh, directed by Deborah Cranick from a script adapted by Cranick and Anne Rossellini. Um, Deb, Deborah Cranick, she also directed the, the film Winter's Bone, if you've seen that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I saw this yesterday, did not know what to expect. Uh, basically, the movie 
opens and you've got a a father and daughter and it looks like they're on like a camping trip out in the woods you soon realize that they are not camping like this is their home they live out here uh some of the food that they eat is like what they get from nature like they do make trips into portland and you know he will cash like he was a soldier he was a soldier and so he does get he does get a check from the military and he does cash it and he'll get food and but they live out in a in a state park which is illegal you can't live and especially with your child not going to school you just can't live in a state park you find out that will um played by ben foster has post-traumatic stress disorder and his wife has passed away and he just doesn't want to live out in the world and um I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna talk about this too much, but this movie is powerful. It, it, it tackles post-traumatic stress disorder in a way that I haven't seen other movies do it. Um, it does kind of show you that, uh, there are people that care. There are people that care for these soldiers that come back and that are dealing with this. Um, you know, when they are found out in the, in the, um, in the forest, they, they, they put them into social services and they try to acclimate them, acclimate them back into real life. And, um, like this girl doesn't have a cell phone. She, they don't watch TV. Like they live outside under the stars. They get their water, rainwater. Like this is how they live. And this is the life that this girl is living with her father. She loves her father and he's a good dad. You don't have to worry about him like yelling and screaming at her and being a complete shithead. He's a good father. He just, he's got a lot of mental problems after dealing with what he saw, you know, overseas fighting for our country. And this is, uh, this is this is a Tupperware. This is a fantastic movie. Just kind of came out of nowhere and hit me. A lot of the movie is very quiet. Uh, ben, Perfo- ben Foster puts on a great performance here. I, I loved the guy in Win uh, not Win uh, not Win Win Wind River uh, Hell or High Water, the Taylor Sheridan movie. He was great in t- uh, the the uh, the Magnificent Seven remake as a villain. And uh, the only thing I didn't really care for him in, of course, was Warcraft. But here he kills it. <laughs> <laughs> leave no tra- leave no trace if you if you can find leave no trace in a theater near you i highly recommend this one it's about an hour and 40 minutes and uh, it is an absolute tupperware the performances are just fantastic it's a it's a it's a story that you're not going to get in any other movie a lot of other movies try to tackle post-traumatic stress disorder in a different way this this movie does it in a very delicate way but there's there's it, it doesn't give you it, it, it I don't know. There's real no resolution when it comes to some of these things. So I, I highly recommend watching this movie. It is so good. Yeah, that sounds really great. I'm a huge fan of um, Winter's Bone, and I really hadn't kept up with what that director had done lately. So mm. that, that sounds really great. It is. It was so good. It just. I was so glad that I made the time. I had to drive about an hour away to go see this one, and I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that I did because it was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, leave no trace. Um, how are we doing on time? Yeah, all right. Let's wrap this episode up. All right, guys. Just like no, okay. Um, <laughs> hey, Aquaman. That was cool, huh? Yeah. So, Aquaman. Uh, you know what? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna be. We're gonna. Let's uh, tell you what. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna <laughs> come back, and we are gonna. Uh, we're gonna jump back into. Um, we're gonna jump into some trailers. We're gonna jump into some trailers. We're gonna jump, we're gonna dive into news. We're gonna, ju- we're gonna jump into San Diego Comic Con stuff. Some trailers, alright? Nice. 
right. Hey, we are back, guys. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Uh, starting off in news, we're going to be talking about a shit ton of trailers that came out during San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, we're going to start off with the glass trailer. This is the... Uh, we got Unbreakable, and then we got Split, and this is the sequel to Split, uh, the Glass trailer. Uh, Jake, you just watched it. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna taste it. I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't know. It, it, it kind of seemed a little bit on the corny side to me. Uh, Unbreakable is kind of one of my favorite movies, and I don't know. I, nothing in this made me feel like we really needed to possibly tarnish Unbreakable with the sequel. So, I, I mean, I'm still excited to see this. I still hope it's great. But, I don't know. This trailer didn't do much for me. Were you like I, not a – you were a fan of Split, though, right? Yeah, I did like Split. I just – I feel like the melding of Split and and Unbreakable into this final glass product feels like a little bit of a needless cash move. And I don't know if the quality is – like, if, if it's going to be worth it here. Okay. Like, if the final product is going to be – good enough to do like i i would have been fine with split just standing on its own and maybe seeing more of what goes on with that character but like i don't know i'm maybe this will be good though i it has potential like they, they definitely are like poking at like a lot of the modern day like superhero tropes like the super villain team up and and everything and i don't know samuel L. jackson's going to be the main villain obviously he's the you know title character of the movie and i'm not sure if i'm Honestly, he has the chops to really bust out of his shell and give us something really memorable as that main title character. So I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'll definitely see this, but this trailer didn't wow me. I didn't hate it either, though. Just a middle tasted trailer. Neil. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same vein as Jake. Uh, I, I, I'm going to see it for sure because I, I liked, I really liked Unbreakable a lot. It was. One of my favorite Shyamalan movies, and then Split came out, and I was like, okay, this is the best thing since Unbreakable. Um, I, I feel almost like it's forcing the issue a little bit. It's 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 trying to capitalize on, hey, Shyamalan's back, um, without actually giving us the good stuff. And I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see it, but the trailer didn't make me more intrigued. And it didn't dissuade me. So, yeah, taste it. It's right where I'm at on that one. Oh, wow. I uh, I loved Unbreakable. Unbreakable is a 100% Tupperware. Huge fan of Unbreakable. Uh, I did not like Split. Did not like Split. I thought James McAvoy did a fine performance. I just was not a fan of that movie. And uh, But... I love this trailer. I, I'm going to give it a high taste. I really enjoyed it. I want to talk about it. I want to break it down a little bit, maybe point out some things that you guys saw, maybe some things that you guys missed, but I do want mm -hmm. to talk about this. I, it actually got me really excited for the project. Uh, cool. Trailer starts off with uh, Sarah Paulson, and she's going to be playing Dr. Ellie Staple. She's a psychiatrist that treats people who think they are superheroes and supervillains, and apparently like this is a new kind of like – popular diagnosis going on in this world that they've set here like like she's <laughs> been doing this and i just was kind of like i love the imagery here in this in this in this uh 
this trailer, a lot of the imagery really stuck out to me. And I love the scene of just seeing these three that we've watched in uh, previous films. And in that, there's a shot from left to right. We've got Elijah Price played by Samuel Jackson. And then the character of Kevin Wendell Crumb played by James McAvoy. And then David Dunn played by Bruce Willis. And so basically the way that it shows us here, it's got, you've got Mr. Glass, you've got the beast, and then you've got, you know, the protector or the guardian or whatever you want to call him, Bruce Willis. And in that order, in the room facing Sarah Paulson, and it basically kind of like shows us that McAvoy, the guy from Split, is right in the middle. So he's split, and it's almost <laughs> like he is going to be split between good and evil, and it's almost teasing us that this character is going to have a choice to make because he does have all these different split personalities. Is he going to let the beast take over or is he going to, or is one of these other personalities going to try to step up and stop the beast? And, um, I thought that that was some really cool imagery there. Just seeing all three of them in the same room. And, um, and then I love Sarah Paulson. I, and, and I want to kind of see what she kind of brings to the table here. And I feel like she's maybe, cynical about this superhero supervillain everybody that she's dealt with in the past that feels like they're superhero and supervillain it's all bullshit they don't have these powers they don't have these abilities but here she is and she's in the room with three people that actually you do have like the supervillain mastermind you actually do have a guy that's dr jekyll and mr hyde and then you've got your like captain america slash luke cage guy with unbreakable skin you know and i, I man i just it kind of like uh it's I don't know. I'm not the biggest Shyamalan guy after the Sixth Sense Unbreakable. But this this trailer got me fucking excited. I, there's a lot more I want to talk about this. But yeah. my God. It's a lot, it's a lot more um, like high concept, almost like it's not as isolated as no, as his normal movies are. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't blame you for being excited. Like, it could be really freaking cool, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I, like, when I saw Split, I didn't know it was a... Uh, Unbreakable sequel, and that shocked me. Uh, but it did. I didn't think it helped the movie, to be quite honest with you. You can go back and listen to our review of that. But uh, also, we don't know how Dunn and Mister Glass ended up there. We have no idea how they got there to this facility. Um, we do know they give us a little bit of a tease that uh, Dunn, Bruce Willis, was we. He ended up in security, so he was you know kind of like doing things to where uh, he, what a hero would do. Get you know in 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 this world like join security and take care of people and then mr glass wants the world to know that superheroes and villains do exist like that's his mission here and um we do get a scene in this trailer that kind of like wants us to believe that mr glass and uh you know uh the beast might team up and I'm, the rumor that i'm hearing is that we're gonna get to see 21 of the 24 personalities that uh the beast has that uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb has. Oh wow, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I'm most excited to catch up with Dunn of all the care of all the returning characters. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's he been up to? I mean, we saw him at the end of the uh, split film, just kind of like in the bar, but that was really it. So. Um, at the uh, in the trailer, we also get a cool shot of the character of Casey Cook. She was the girl from the <clears throat> Split movie that was... Anya Taylor-Joy, right? Yes, yes, that actor. 
and then uh, she she played Casey Cook. We got a shot of her, but that shot lines up with the shot that we got from the beginning of the trailer, which was the three you know the three characters here: Elijah Price, Kevin Wendell Crumb, and David Dunn. We also get a shot of Casey Cook, Dunn's son Joseph. And then Mr. Glass's mother all standing, hmm. boom, 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 in one shot. And so it's like these ancillary, secondary characters, just like in comic books. You know, Batman's got Robin, you know, and, uh, you know, Aquaman's got Aqualad. And so it's like these are, you know, and, uh, you know, these are these secondary characters. And so I'm sure that, they, you know, like uh, – they're going to play an important role in this film because we saw, we saw a lot of Casey Cook in this. Casey Cook, it's interesting, you know, David Dunn, both of his first initials are DD, and then Casey Cook, she's also got those comic book initials, you know, Peter Parker, mm. Dr. Doom, you know, Victor Von Doom, you know, um, and... Uh, Kevin Crumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's also an interesting shot of Joseph, uh, you know, Dunn's son, Bruce Willis's son, and he's in a he's standing in a comic book shop and there's these two neon signs and he stands under one of them in each of these signs and the signs say heroes and the other the one sign says heroes and the other sign says villains so does that mean yeah. is that imagery saying like his son has to choose the path that he's going to go on is he going to be a hero or a villain his son might actually carry this superhero gene this this unbreakable skin gene where he's he doesn't get sick and all these things we don't know and so i i think this is kind of like uh just kind of like a deconstruction of it's the anti marvel movie and so a lot of the imagery and a lot of the things that are making me think here after seeing this trailer, it really had me kind of excited for if if Shyamalan can pull this off. I don't know if he's if he can pull it off, but everything that I saw in this trailer, as far as like the imagery and the characters that you're they're using, feels like he's pulling some really cool things together. And I, I can't wait to see how it plays out, whether it's good or bad. Either way, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be I'll be here week one. I mean, nothing in here was assaultingly bad. But yeah, I kind of both ways. Nothing got me really like just jumping up and down in excitement for it either. But oh. yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of like, obviously there's got to be some kind of other superhero, supervillain characters besides these three emerging from somewhere into this story, right? And Dunn's son is, is a great, like it's, that seems like right on the nose, like what it would be. Man, uh, the scene that kind of like creeped me out was when, James McAvoy is skating around the room in roller skates and saying, <laughs> the beast could be here any moment, you know, he's coming or whatever. And like, you've got like four cheerle cheerleaders that are like handcuffed to something in that room. I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. They're like, on like a coat rack or something like a, it was weird. Is it the same actor playing uh, Bruce Willis's son as the, as unbreakable? I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. Huh. So yeah. maybe. Uh, Overlord. We got the trailer for Overlord. Paramount Pictures and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot have released the first Overlord trailer, and it gives us our first look at Bad Ro Robot's first ever R-rated movie. Uh, and a movie for the longest time, guys, that we were actually reporting that it could be. We, we were hearing that it was going to be a Cloverfield movie. So um, so much so that it, people were calling it Cloverlord for the longest time. 
And J.J. Uh, <laughs> Abrams is claiming that this film is not part of the Cloverfield universe, but many believe that the film will be a part of it and that his claim is just misdirection. But at CinemaCon, J.J. Abrams said that it's not and that there is a proper Cloverfield 4 coming. So uh, Overlord is going to hit theaters on November 9th. It's directed by Julius Avery from uh, Son of a Gun. That's a movie. We talked about it before on the podcast. We haven't seen it, but it's a movie starring Ewan McGregor. He plays Australia's most notorious criminal. Premise sounded really cool. Got a good cast. But uh, Overlord is based on an original idea by the Hunger Games screenwriter Billy Ray and Abrams. The film is set on the eve of D-Day with a group of American paratroopers who are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission crucial to the invasion's success. Uh, but as they approach their target, they begin to realize there is more going on in this Nazi-occupied village than a simple military operation. They find themselves fighting against supernatural forces, part of a Nazi experiment. Uh, the cast includes uh, Jovan Adepo from The Leftover, Wyatt Russell from Everybody Wants Some, Jacob Anderson from Game of Thrones, Dominic Applewhite from The King's Speech, Pilu Asbeck from Game of Thrones, Ian D. Haystecker from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., John Magaro from The Big Short, Matilda Oliver from The Misfortunes of Francois Jane, and Bakeem Woodbine from Fargo, and also Spider-Man Homecoming, where he played the second shocker. Two in the pink, one in the stink. Guys, <laughs> what did you what did you guys think about the Overlord trailer? Man, I thought this was a pretty good trailer, actually. I'm going to give this trailer a high taste it. Like, this is one of those, when I read the synopsis, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because you don't know if it's going to be, like, sci-fi network-looking crap or if it's actually going to be something that could be really cool. But I thought, I don't know. I thought this looked like it might have the goods. I, I thought... The effects look nice. The cast look great. And, yeah, I was intrigued. I, I thought, it, for some reason, it kind of gave me, like, a little bit of a, uh, this might sound weird, but a uh, From Dust Till Dawn vibe in the way, like, it, it kind of seemed to hide what the movie was about until maybe the second half of the trailer where we're showing all the kind of undead zombie stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought that that was a uh, fun vibe for the trailer. If the movie's going to be like that, it's almost a shame that they would ruin kind of the switcheroo of the vibes in the trailer. That's the day and age we live in, isn't it, Jake? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just where we are, man. It's like they always got to give us the hook, right? Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Like, man, if someone these like had the balls to like, oh, it's just going to be a military movie. Yeah. And then sp spring the zombie thing on you until like the week two moviegoers are the only people that know that that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, man, that would I would just mwah, that would be beautiful. Jake, think about it this way. OK, they tell you, OK, I, for me, all I needed to hear last year was Christopher Nolan World War Two movie. That's all I needed to hear. And I'm seeing Dunkirk. I'm there. I'm at the theaters. You all you got to tell me is J.J. Abrams is doing a World War II movie. My butt is sitting in the seat. Yeah, so, and then when zombies come out, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> then I'm like, what the fuck? Oh my god, it's totally that. Uh, you, you nailed it. You nailed it with. Um, I can't even think of the movie that you named off. Uh, uh, from dust till dawn. From dust till dawn. The George Clooney. Oh my God! Yeah, you nailed it. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez directed movie. When you when you think you're just watching the, like this uh, criminal road trip, 
you know, where they're trying to get to El Rey. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, uh, fucking, uh, what's her name turns into a goddamn vampire. Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek yeah. turns into a fucking vampire and they, the vampires are just going around killing people. Insane. I love that. I want to, I want to stop this fucking podcast right now. <laughs> watch that movie And right watch now. from dusk till dawn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, you know, it was the day and age where we didn't have the internet. And yeah. obviously the trailers for that movie surely spoiled it too, but trailers just weren't all over the place like that. So it really sure. was kind of a mind fuck seeing that movie opening night just as a Tarantino fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what'd you think, man? Uh, I like this a lot. It, it, it definitely got me excited to see the movie. So it did its job. I had no idea what it was going to be about. And I, 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 I thought it looked great. Uh, every, every frame looked really well put together. I didn't see awful CGI blood spurting anywhere. Um, it, so it looked really, really good. And yeah, I give it a high taste. It, it, it's definitely got me excited to see the movie. I'm glad it's not part of the Cloverfield universe. Uh, I, I kind of like the more one-off stuff with with J.J. Abrams. I haven't been a big fan of most of his sequels, so it, it's definitely got me got me going for it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I kind of love this trailer. I love how it's just like it's a World War II trailer, like a World War II film, and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Here's some ACDC. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because it grabs your attention. Like this trailer grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, we're not going to play like this, uh, you know, this amazing score, like this, you know, like the score you'd hear in Band of Brothers, the Spielberg film. We're not going to play that shit. Here's, uh, you know, here's some fucking ACDC, you know, here's some, <laughs> here's some Brian Johnson or, you know, which, who's the original singer? Fuck. Oh yeah. I don't know. God damn it. I can't believe I got a little weird name, little weird man. What was Angus? It? Angus, Yo- Angus Young. That's the guitar player. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Guitar player. Who's the with original? The, with the, the schoolboy shorts. Yeah. We're not a music podcast. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I loved it. I love this fucking trailer. I mean, as far as my excitement level for this movie, it's at a 100% Tupperware. You're telling me that I get to see a J.J. Abrams produced uh, an R-rated bad robot film where it's World War II. I love World War II movies. Love World War II movies. And you're going to throw in fucking zombies? And yeah, I know. Everybody, I zombie overload. We've got too many zombies these days. But have you seen zombies in World War II, you cynical fuck? No, you haven't. Unless you've been playing that PlayStation 3 game, uh, Resistance, <laughs> that I bring up every time. I, I love this. Uh, heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. I love this trailer. I can't wait for this fucking movie. Cannot wait. Bon Scott. Bon Scott. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. I did not want to get that fucking tweet. <laughs> From 20 fucking people telling me it's Bon Scott. Uh, so there we go. Saved us that. Mm. Yep. Let's move on. Let's talk about the origin trailer. We got the origin trailer here. This is the Tom Felton series. Uh, what's the other actress's name? She was also in uh, Game of Thrones, and she was also in uh, Harry Potter. Talia something or other, right? Jake, you would know. Uh, I don't. I don't remember what the actress's name is, but I know who you're talking about, right? She's yeah. like talks in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Was in Game of Thrones. I forget her character's name in that. Her real, no, I forget the actress's name now. Her own name's Talia 
blank. But uh, that's that's a tweet we're going to receive. So looking forward to that. Uh, this is the new series, Tom Felton series. He played Draco Malfoy. He was also in Flash season three. Uh, he's going to be coming to this is why he left Flash, apparently, to do this YouTube Red series. It's a sci fi horror series. And the series is going to be directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, who's going to serve as an executive producer. He will also serve as, as an executive producer on this. Uh, Paul W. Anderson, he did the uh, Resident Evil, some of the Resident Evil films. Did he do all of them or just a few, Jake? Do you know? Uh, just a few, not all of them. Okay. And then he also did Event Horizon. So, oh, nice. Uh, this synopsis, the, the 10 episode series from director Paul W.S. Anderson and the producers of The Crown and Outlander follows a group of outsiders who find themselves abandoned on a ship bound for a distant land. Now they must work together for survival, but quickly realize that one of them is far from who they claim to be. So basically they showed, uh, the trailer at San Diego Comic-Con, the same trailer that we saw, but they also gave the audience there 12 minutes of bonus footage. And the premise on this one is that there's this colony that's in a space station. And they're going out on this journey to space, and uh, they wake up, and they realize that they've been abandoned by the crew, but they also realize that they're not alone on the ship. And... The space station itself is this huge maze. And I'm hearing that the show is basically a blend of scenes of these characters on the ship and then other scenes of them pre-ship and how they got to this point, like their lives back on Earth. And so lost. Exactly. People are saying this is uh, lost meets event horizon. And there's a... people on the ship that we're going to find out that have they're infected by something and so there's going to be an element of body horror there's we saw in the trailer you know this guy his body shifting contorting so i for one when i saw the trailer i was excited because it was tom felton i'm a fan but when i saw the trailer i was i was also excited because it does look like a very well budgeted sci-fi horror series. I was impressed by the CGI. I I'm impressed by everything that I saw in this trailer. I'm blown away that this is the level that we're getting from like the second, third or fourth or fifth or whatever fucking series from YouTube Rad. I Tupperware the fuck out of this trailer. This looks incredible. Yeah, I'm actually going to echo a lot of what you're saying, Brian. I this is one of those things where you read the synopsis and you see it's Tom Felton and it's YouTube. You kind of didn't expect to see the level of special effects and cinematography that you saw when you clicked play on that trailer, man. I was really blown away by this. Yeah. And I did not know it was involved with the guy that did Event Horizon because I was actually going to compare it to Event Horizon. So that makes a lot of sense. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it did very much have that feel. It looked like it had, you know a lot of just like real like raw atmosphere and good cool stuff going for it this this is the most i've i've wanted to watch any of these youtube series so far is this thing this looks like a really cool sci-fi thriller i'm telling you cobra kai absolute tupperware impulse absolute tupperware impulse also getting a second season order people so if you're a fan of impulse don't worry you're getting impulse season two loved it fucking great show but anyway uh neil what'd you think about uh 
Origins? Uh, I was really impressed by the the special effects uh, that they that they had in there. It looked it looked beautiful. Um, I didn't really get a sense of what it was about, uh, but hearing you guys talk about it, um, I'm interested definitely to see it. But I'm not going to pay for YouTube Red to see it, so I'll get it elsewhere. But I'm, I'm definitely intrigued, so I'll give it a taste. It um, it looked it looked great. I do like Tom Felton a lot, but it didn't blow me away. But I'm definitely intrigued by it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I see what you're saying as far as like the the the, the like the CGI and stuff like that. Mm. I I had to seek out uh, a little bit more about what this right. was about, and then you know watch the trailer a couple times, and and um, I'm really excited after everything that I've heard coming. <laughs> Honestly, out of this. I watched it back to back with the Night Flyers trailer, and I'm yeah. having trouble remembering which was in which trailer <laughs> at this point. Yeah, <laughs> it's two shows where they take place on like this uh, space station. Yeah, it, they both kind of reminded me of that Ben Foster movie. Since we talked about Ben Foster earlier, a uh, Pandorum. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, I have. Uh, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Stranded alone on a on a space station, uh, shit's going fucking crazy, and got to figure it out. And Event Horizon, yeah, as you brought up, it's it's a lot of like those elements. Both of these shows seem to be about. So uh, it's 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 a story that's been done before, but I'm interested to see where they go with it, yeah, and what it's actually about. Let's talk about Night Flyers, guys. This is uh, the Night Flyers, uh, Night Flyers trailer for the uh, Sci-Fi Channel came out. Uh, this is a TV show that's adapted from the 1980 novella by Game of Thrones writer George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, it's set in the year 2093. Night Flyers follows the Night Flyers space vessel and its crew, which includes eight maverick scientists, one powerful telepath, and a reclusive captain as their attempt to make first contact goes horribly wrong. Uh, basically, it's being described as a haunted house in space. So uh, Jeff Bueller, who wrote the upcoming reboots for The Grudge and Pet Cemetery, has been serving as showrunners for the show Night Flyers coming out on Sci-Fi. I uh, also wanted to go over this news from uh, Screen Rant. Screen Rant said during a Q&A portion of the Night Flyer San Diego Comic-Con panel, Bueller acknowledged that the series pays homage to the greats, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Shining, Alien, and even uses the same lens as Ridley Scott's 1979 sci-fi horror movie. The cast further teased that Night Flyers has one big thing in common with Game of Thrones. A lot of people die on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. The, the stuff you're reading about, like what they were revealing at the panel, makes me more interested than the trailer. To be honest with you, I thought this was the weaker of the two trailers. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they're hiding all the goods. I mean, I, I do like a high sci-fi drama, and if the stakes are high and anyone could go, that could be fun. Like a one-season thing is always good times sometimes. I want to talk about some of the unscreened footage that they didn't show. In the trailer, and it was uh, yeah. o- it was only screened to the people that were at San Diego Comic Con, and um, basically, you know, some of this was some of this was covered, some of it wasn't. It talks. There's the spaceship here. The Night Flyer is going to go the furthest that than further than any humans ever been in space, and they're going to try to make contact with aliens to save the Earth. Well, what happens is the ship is destroyed, and one of the crew 
records a message saying, do not come here. Do not make contact with us. Stay away from this ship. Stay away from the wreckage or whatever, or you'll be met by a crazy man with an axe. And then (laughs) this crew member, she cuts her own throat. Oh, shit. And the rest of the show will show us how they got to that point. Damn. Wow, that's better than anything that showed me in the trailer. Yeah. I, yeah. It's way more intriguing. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's basically like the opening scene to this Night Flyers show is like this crazy shit happening and then a woman, a member of the crew, slitting her throat. And then like now they're going to show us the story of like, what happened? I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm gonna give this a high taste. It. I'm, I'm, I thought it looked great. I thought everything looked great. This does not look like a sci-fi show. It's like, it's almost like sci-fi just said, fuck, uh, this show is Georgia R. Martin. Um, that's a, that carries a big, carry, that's a, that name carries a lot of weight in the, uh, sci-fi community. Let's just let the expanse go. Let Jeff Bezos buy that shit, and we're gonna do Night Flyers. <laughs> yeah, we can only afford one big budget show at a time. Exactly. So bye-bye. Exactly. Bye-bye, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I go ahead. I, I did. I did. I did see a lot of uh, TV spots because I watched the Expanse, and so they ha- they had a lot of TV spots for Night Flyers during that show. And it, it was intriguing. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge George R. R. Martin fan. I, I love the Song of Ice and Fire books. I uh, never got on Game of Thrones because I'm a, one of those book assholes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so it's definitely intriguing to me because I, I do like his his mind and where he goes with things. And from what you're saying about the stuff that wasn't shown to us it makes it even more interesting to me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I... I'm looking forward to this one too. I'm, uh, you know, my excitement level is not as high as it is with Origins, uh, Origin, but I don't know. I think this, this could be even better than Origin, to be quite honest with you, when we get the final product. And, uh, sci-fi looks like they're sparing no expense on this series. It looks gorgeous. Very mm-hmm. cinematic. Like, uh, you know, him talking to his daughter at the beginning, it almost felt like a poor man's Michael Bay, you know, at the beginning. With- <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, it, it didn't look. It didn't look terrible. No, no. I'm. I don't know, man. Some, when does this come out? When, uh, I didn't catch this. That. It, there's no exact date that's been pinpointed. It's coming out sometime this fall. Uh, on uh, in the U.S., it's going to be on Sci-Fi, and then um, it's going to be available sometime after that in other countries on Netflix sometime in 2019. Hmm. So they've almost got it better. Like I guarantee you, the whole se- the series will get. We'll have to watch it week from week to week on Sci-Fi, and then like some of our listeners that are in you know the UK or Japan or whatever, they're going to be able to sign on to like Netflix, you know, Japan, Netflix UK, Netflix Canada, and just watch the whole fucking series back to back to back to back to back. Plus, yeah. we'll get the edit. We'll get the edited version here, and they'll get the full. Yeah, experience on the Netflix version, but they're gonna like, have to listen to us American assholes talk about it. <laughs> <the week. laughs> 
<laughs> to spoil every episode for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I about can't. how great or bad it is before they even watch a single episode. <laughs> ah, shit. They're, they're still not even watching Ant-Man yet over there. <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because of the World Cup World and all that. Cup, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, real quick news. Uh, Netflix. Okay, real quick. I, we're not going to talk about this long. I want to get the San Diego Comic-Con stuff. But Netflix, uh, that Netflix deal with Mark Miller... Um, with them, Ooh. with them, did you hear about this, Jake? No, no, I just, I'm excited to hear news about this. Yeah, there is some news about this. Um, Netflix is cementing their plans to create a Mark, this is comes from Screen Rant. Netflix is cementing their plans to create a Mark Miller universe akin to their series of Marvel titles as the streaming company is officially working on three films and two shows based on Man. the comic book creator's work. All right. So uh, the streaming giant is taking huge strides in making their Miller World plans a reality. Netflix is planning to be- debut three films, Empress, Huck, and Sharky the Bounty Hunter. I have read Empress and I've read Huck. I cannot wait for films about Fucking Empress. Loved Huck. Huck was great. I so actually good. realized I, – I talked about Huck on PCL and uh, – I read issues one, two, three, and four, and then I forgot to read it. I skipped and I read issue six. And so by the time I rated it on our episode, I was like, ah, it's just a taste it or a high taste it, not realizing that I had totally skipped reading issue five. Oh. So I went back and read issue five and then read issue six, and I was like, oh, my God, fucking Tupperware. It's fantastic. So Huck is great. Empress is great. Empress is just like crazy sci-fi uh, it's, it's fantastic. Huck is great. It's about to kind of like if Forrest Gump was a superhero, if Forrest Gump, <laughs> if Forrest Gump, mm, I remember you talking about yeah, Huck. Yeah. Uh, and then two TV series. Check this out. Jupiter's legacy. Jake is getting a TV oh, that's series. That's the one. That's the one. Right. And then American Jesus. So mm. we're going to get two no series. Chrononauts. No chrono. Well, they, I, he talked about, I swear he at the C two E two panel. I swear he talked about Chrononauts. I swear he did. It's not. I love that book. It, it's not being adapted now. I guarantee you that's coming later on down the pipe. I guarantee nice. you. We got to get Chrononauts. Um, and I did post his C two E two panel on my other podcast, Number One Comic Books. So check that out. Ding. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm uh, finally happy to get some news about that shit. So. Mark Miller, good for you. Good for your Netflix deal. What a charming guy. Jake, I know you've met him. Oh, yeah, he's great. And I actually listened to your uh, the panel that you recorded for Number One Comic Books. I was super impressed with the audio quality that you got from that panel. I used a uh, Zoom. No, did I use my Zoom H4N or did I use my uh, – I I can't remember. I, I think I, I might have used my Tascam DR80, people. Yeah, I will help you shameless. I will help you shameless plug because you also got the Mark Miller Brian Michael Bendis conversation, and that was just fantastic. If you're a fan of those guys, you have to hear that podcast. Yeah, uh, that was actually Joe Stark. I was at another panel. I was at the American Gods panel, and Joe Stark 
from Startcast, and also my co-host on Number One Comic Book. Shameless plugs out the ass. This is butt plug city, people. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I would never do it if I wasn't being honest about it. That was a great podcast. It was a great panel, fantastic panel. It was great hearing two creators like that just sit down and talk to each other. Mark Miller and fucking Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, if you want to hear that conversation, go to my other podcast, Number One Comic Books, and scroll through our fucking episodes. Skip all the other bullshit where we're talking about actual comic books and just listen to two people that are actually talented <laughs> talk about something. Enjoy that. Enjoy that for a fucking moment. Huh? Enjoy enjoy people that are actually like, you know, in the business and doing things with creatively with their minds. <laughs> Instead of just fucking le- leeches, Jake. Instead of this pointless drivel. We're fucking leeches. Just talking, and we're, and, we're, and we're criticizing some of these people sometimes, Jake. That's the sick thing. That is the yeah. sickest thing about this podcast. It's like these people that are in the business, that are doing these things. I'm going to talk about The Predator. The Predator here, coming out here soon, and we got Shane Black doing that movie. And I remember talking about Iron Man 3, and I'm criticizing that movie. Shane Black is just making, like, money hand over fucking fist, and here I am sitting on this fucking mediocre-ass podcast talking about, like, oh, I didn't like your movie. He's, like, he's sitting on his fucking throne, people just throwing $100 bills at him and saying, make make my shit. And he sometimes he's turning their shit down, saying, no, I got other shit to do. And here I I am criticizing him, and he's sitting on a fucking fuck ton of money. And what the fuck? And you people, listen, you people, some of you fucking idiots, hang on my every goddamn word. You should be no. What the- <laughs> I, I know nothing. I'm just flying off the seat of my goddamn pants here, right? I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. I don't know. I haven't seen these movies. I'm just giving you my initial reaction. I'm a, I'm a fucking invalid. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. Yeah, you've never wrote a screenplay. I've never, never wrote, wrote a, screenplay. a screenplay or directed a movie or any anything in the fucking biz. Shit, I've been hired for my yeah, opinion as exactly. a critic. Nobody gives a fuck what we have to say. Nobody. I can't write a story. What are I going to write a story about, huh? Oh, the true, ooh, the true story of Jack and Jill and that fucking what happened on that hill. You know, like what am I going to talk about? You know, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Adam Sandler movie at first. <laughs> no, no, talking about the. Uh, <laughs> little children's fucking tale or whatever. What do they call it? What are they, Mother Goose fucking bullshit. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the Predator. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there was uh, some uh, some new footage shown at the San Diego. If this is your first episode, I apologize, people. Anyway, oh, yeah. Fuck them. Fuck you. I don't know. Don't Move come along. Back. Yeah. There was a warning at the beginning of the podcast. You should... Yeah, just prepare yourself. Uh, the Predator. So basically, there were two clips shown, two new clips shown to audiences. Some of the things from the trailer were in those clips. I have not seen these clips. I'm going to describe them as I've read them and as I've heard them. So basically, in the movie, we're going to find out that the Predator race, the race of Predator aliens, send this super Predator that we saw in the second trailer uh, to Earth, basically because... They, in the past, have sent two of their champions here, and those predators were killed. And so that means that there's even more confirmation that the first two films are canon. So Shane Black is not taking away from those, you know, Predator and Predator 2. And it also means that the Predators are kind of pissed off that they've sent their champions here and both champions have been killed. So they're like, fuck this. We're going to make a new Predator. We're going to experiment in hybridization and make a super Predator. 
and set it to worth. And that's basically the reason here. They're highly competitive, highly competitive predators, and they want to just see the predator. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, who likes to lose? Who likes to lose? But I don't know. It's like, don't you think that they would have done this a lot sooner? You know, it's not like the UFC does a fight. And like you know, uh, let's see, let's see here. Uh, I can't, I can't even name like a like a current UFC fighter. But let's say like <laughs> like who's who's the, who's the uh, Chuck Liddell? Let's say Chuck Liddell. You know, back in the day, ten years ago, Chuck Liddell like uh, beats a guy down, and uh, you know that guy doesn't like set the rematch for twenty fucking years later. You know what I mean? Like that. They're a patient. They're a patient race. I, they must be. It's like, like you know, like uh, fucking 1987 is when they sent that first predator, uh, you know, down to Mexico to fight with you know Jesse Ventura and uh, you know Arnold and uh, Carl Weathers and uh, you know all those big muscled up oily men and uh, Shane Black, Shane Black himself, and uh, <laughs> you know, and the, the, that predator. Ended up, you know, getting killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold took him out. And then, and then, you know, what was it? Three years later in 1990 is when we had Predator 2. And oh my God, he didn't even have to go against Arnold Schwarzenegger. He had to go against the rickety old man from Lethal Weapon, <laughs> Danny Glover, yeah. who's been like 70 years old for the past 40 years. <laughs> and Danny Glover fucking took that guy out in combat. Mind you. That's why they took such a big break afterwards. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, it's like, I don't know. How did Danny Glover, I guarantee you he was like taking Metamucil and Centrum Silver back then. <laughs> you know, like this guy. He's already too old for that shit. No shit. Uh, yeah, too old for this shit. Oh, man, taking like joint, uh, applying joint cream, you know. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so they're sending they're sending a super predator. This is like uh, this is like uh, doping, right? This is like athletes doping. This is cheating, right? For predators, don't do you think that there should be like some regulations here where the predators have to send like real predators? I don't want no Lance Armstrong doping predators. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this qualifies for like the Predator Olympics, but I think it's fine for getting revenge on on Earth. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? what Predator I? Olympics. I want to see that movie now. Oh man, the Pred Olympics. Oh man. So anyway, there were two clips shown at the Predator panel, uh, and uh, both were very different. The first, uh, the first scene, the first clip that was shown was very dialogue driven and had some humor, some laughs. The second was pretty much all action. Uh, the first clip. I'm hearing the predator has basically attacked. So this is like post predator attacked and it's Olivia Munn. She is passed out on a hotel bed and she's in the room with the soldiers that we see from the bus scene, like Keegan Michael Key and Boyd Holbrook and that group of soldiers, you know, maybe possibly Thomas Jane might be in that room with them uh, and they're taking care of her. She wakes up. So she must have been attacked by the predator, knocked out. She wakes up. She's freaked out that there's all these, like, men around her. And then she grabs a gun that's near the bed. And now they're freaked out. And they're like, oh, I knew. And then they say, like, something like, I knew she'd go for that. I told you she was going to go for that gun. And then, like, they all laugh at the fact that she was going to go after that gun. And 
calm her down. And then we, you find out that she's a scientist. She knows about aliens, uh, specifically about predators. Um, Thomas Jane's character has Tourette's, we find out, and says to Mun, like, before she leaves the hotel room, he, he says, like, eat your pussy. So he says, eat your pussy, like in that Tourette's kind of like, eat your pussy, like says it real fast. And then she goes, did you just say eat your pussy? And he says, no, no, I said, geez, you're pushy. And they, they go on like this whole thing of like, I swear it sounded like you said, eat your pussy. And like, you know, like it's played for laughs, like this scene, it's played for laughs. So that was the first scene that they played for the audience. And then the second scene is the scene that we see part of it from the actual Predator trailer. And it's the scene where um, uh, the Predator grabs Boyd Holbrook by the throat and then throws him into a wall. And then um, the Super Predator comes out of nowhere and grabs the Predator and then just starts to beat the shit out of the actual real Predator so the super predator. So we've got the masked masked predator, and then the super predator is unmasked, and just just goes on a tear and just starts destroying this predator and ends up killing him. So those are the two scenes that were shown. It was extended scenes that were shown to people. Um, <clears throat> Shane Black did say that the action scene that they saw in the second clip was not one hundred percent finished, and that they were going to add a little bit more special effects to it, but. Uh, that's what was shown for the Predator panel. So it's basically like the uh, the T the Rex getting the Velociraptor in the first Jurassic Park. There's always a bigger fish, my man. <laughs> yeah, it kind of really sounds like they really solidified that it's going to be like you know a hard R Predator movie too with this panel. Oh, right, yeah. just with like the language and the subject matter and everything. <laughs> eat, eat your pussy. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. yeah, I think they nailed down that it's going to be rated R. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard so, R. It's gonna be hard R. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna see this movie. I, I don't see myself walking out of this and and being a huge fan of it. To be quite honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm there with you, man. I was, I was a bigger fan of this idea on paper, and the more and more we've started to see, the less and less I've been excited. I a lot of people love that second trailer, Jake. I, it's still kind of like. You know, upset me. It's like, you know, like, oh, the Predators are now, you know, uh, planet conquerors and galaxy conquerors and all this stuff. And now hybridization. It's like, why, why can't just the Predator itself just be scary enough? Now they got to make super Predators, doping Lance Armstrong Predators? What's going on? H <laughs> Predators. Oh, man, the Predator Tour de France. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I saw the first Predator for the first time a few months ago. Wow. And I, I fucking loved it. Great. Uh, of course. It was amazing. And I think part of what made it such a scary movie was the fact you barely ever saw the Predator. Yeah. That 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 fear of the unknown is such an integral part of what makes that character scary. Yes. And I, I love that. And seeing this – I saw the second trailer for the first time this morning and before the Equalizer. And – it, 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 you see so much of the predators that it, it's almost takes away the mystique and, and, the, and the scariness of it. Yeah, it's like it's like super predator is almost like an ad saying like predator now with twenty five percent more predator. You know, it's like 
It's ridiculous. Like I, I, I From don't. Ron Popeil. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> Every purchase of a Predator ticket comes with a pocket fisherman. You know, it's like. But it's. I don't need more Predator. Like the Predator was good enough for me. Now I sound like my fucking grandpa, like bitching about, bitching about like color television. You know, like back in my day. But no, back in my day, the Predator was enough. I didn't need a goddamn Super Predator. Yeah, this is how I feel about the Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, no. Give me more dino. I hear it. It's so scary again. Jake, I hear it. Exactly. Oh, fuck you. Um, (laughs) I hear you guys. Like, I know you guys aren't like a big – I don't how I don't I love Jurassic Park, but I don't hold it in as high regard as some people. And I understand that it is – cinematic magic for a lot of people i totally get that i i i get it and and i see like the direction that it's going for some people but for me i just i look at it as silly dinosaur movies and i have a lot of fun watching them um but with predator oh my god i love the if i don't get the i i love the original soundtrack i don't know like dun 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 Oh yeah, yeah, it's so good. Super Thriller and Hero soundtrack, oh, so amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's a. I don't know. You're not. You're never gonna be able to replace Arnold Schwarzenegger unless you tell me that The Rock and Dave Bautista and oh, yes. Sylvester Stallone and fucking like some of these like guys like Terry Crews if you give me if you give me like these these guys that are just like larger than life John Cena like these guys they're going to go out there and they're gonna, like it doesn't have to be Mexico it can be some other jungle whatever and they're going to go out there and go after the predator I am down I am down I am mm-hmm. down to see it I don't care it's going to be fun the rock is going to bring charm he's going to bring charisma he's going to he's going to and that's man that's that's what I want to see I, I you know I don't know like you know, the predators what was that? no the movie was called predators with Topher Grace <laughs> and Adrian Brody two guys oh. that look like they need to fucking like fucking uh inhalers and fucking like you know uh I I need to take my allergy medicine yeah, I'm allergic <laughs> to peanut butter yeah, you know <laughs> fuck you Fuck you. Seriously. It's like, it's like, uh, y'all might as well just send Mr. Glass from Unbreakable into the fucking jungle to fight the Predator with those two fucking pussies. I'm, I'm not, you can't Topher Grace and fucking Adrian Brony, the pianist. I'm gonna fight the Predator. Give me a break. Give me if a break. If, if they're playing like the, the um, Scientist. Shane Black role from the first Predator, that's fine. But that's you got to have a bunch of other people who can actually hold their own against a yeah. killing machine. They should be playing scientists. They should like – if it was an astronaut movie, they are not Neil Armstrong. They're the little guys telling Neil, Neil Armstrong what to do in, in Houston. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I want, I want a manly. They're in Houston. I want a manly space cowboy stepping on the moon. I don't need, <laughs> I, I, I don't need some pencil pushing twerp stepping on the moon for the first time. It's a, it's a hyper realistic action movie for Christ's sake. Yeah, like, get the right people oh, in there. Exactly. Oh, I'm gonna have my action star be. Adrian Brody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're going to do that, you might as well get like Steve Buscemi at that Oh, point. no shit. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sexy 80s Peter Dinklage. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's talk about. Yeah, let's talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Neil, you did not watch this trailer. That is fine. You didn't watch the first Godzilla movie, uh, nope. so I didn't. I didn't watch the first Godzilla movie either. Oh shit, you didn't, but you saw the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I talked so badly about that first Godzilla movie that Jake said, I am not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly why. I, I was like, Ugh. it was a week I missed of uh, Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah. When, I, when I came back, I, I actually listened to the episode, and I was like, ah, I guess I'll skip that. Synopsis <laughs> here for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, apparently, Godzilla's not big enough. they got to have a uh, super Godzilla. No, I'm kidding. That would be. Yeah. That's, that's bad news for King Kong once the uh, crossover happens. Yeah. The new story follows the heroic efforts of the cryptozoological agency Monarch as its members face off against a battery of God-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, uh, Rodan and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed King Godira. Uh, when these ancient superspecies, thought to be myths, rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance. Um, also in the movie, um, we got uh, Millie Bobby Brown here uh, from Stranger Things. She plays Eleven. She's going to be playing Madison in this movie. And her mother, Dr. Emma, Emma Russell, played by Vera Farmiga, is a scientist for Monarch. And they both get kidnapped by a villainous group that brings them into contact with Godzilla. And um, I also wanted to point out that a couple days early before we got this trailer, we got the uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters teaser trailer, which featured Millie Bobby Brown. She's using what looks like some sort of like military communication device, and she's talking into a microphone, and she says, hello, is anyone there? I'm trying to reach Monarch. And then... They flash on the screen this Twitter handle for at Monarch Sciences that if you follow them, they will alert you when more monsters have been declassified. So I was like, what What are you talking about? So if you go to their Twitter, you'll see that they also have a web page. So I clicked on the web page, and it's monarchsciences.com. For those of you that are idiots and don't know how to spell monarch, it's M-O-N as in Nancy, <laughs> A-R-C-H, sciences.com. So I'm sure some people didn't know what a monarch butterfly was. And they're like, how do you spell monarch? I have a fucking sixth grade education and I'm 28. But whatever. That's how you spell it, you fucking moron. Um, <laughs> oh, man, you're so generous. But I, I want to – Jake, I just really wanted to speak to those people directly. Um, no, no, no. Because they're I, out I like there it. and they're listening. Um but, uh, yeah, so you go to this monarchsciences.com website, and uh, there's a briefing for this company, and it says it's a viral website. It's really cool. It's really set up to, to look like a, I don't know, like a crazy kind of like like a classified. kind of shit. Yeah, it's a classified website, and you feel like you shouldn't even be on it. It's so classified. <laughs> you know, it's a, it says briefing. In a post-Godzilla world, we are declassifying superspecies evidence for the first time and invite everyone to join us in our mission of Titan discovery and defense. They mean the monsters like Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, uh, King Godira. Those are, those are titans. So they're declassifying information about these, uh, these titans, these monsters, these kaiju. And so, uh, it says to join Monarch as a civilian operative, take control of Monarch satellites to geolocate and track Godzilla. Discover key locations to unlock 
confidential monarch data files. So basically what you do is like you use your mouse and you can like spin the globe and there's different like uh, points on there that you can click on. Some are declassified, some are not. Some of the some they're going to declassify as time goes on. So you got to continue to check the website, but it gives you like actual stats and details about some of the kaiju that we're going to see in this movie. And uh, right now, as far as I could tell, uh, there was Mothra. You could get on there. Mothra is going to be fifty-two feet tall. The wingspan eight hundred and three feet for Mothra and it uh it talks about it says from erased Nazca lines to hidden temple of the moth the name Mothra is woven throughout the most secret mythologies of our planet the folklore and fairy tales tell of a winged creature of blinding light an angel of the clouds whose godlike luminescence has the power to shatter the sky it uh, also gave us uh, a debriefing of uh um Rodan and it talks about body height 154 feet uh, wingspan, 871 feet, behavior, destroyer, nature, biovolcanic. And it, uh, talks about Rodan. It says within a monarch containment facility atop the active Isla Demona volcano, a mysterious titan lies in pyrostasis within the restless magma. The legends speak of it as the fire demon or the one born of fire, but a simpler name echoes through the ancient temples of volcanically active regions, Rodan. Um, director Michael Doherty teased that Rodan in the movie, uh, he teased this to Entertainment Weekly, said, in a lot of ways, he's more powerful than Godzilla. He's like a winged A-bomb. I think we've done him justice. And so uh, I counted 15 monsters documented under Monarch, but only two or three were like declassified at the time that I went there. So okay, you were really poking around a lot on there, huh? It's pretty neat. Yeah, it was fun. Just go to monarchsciences.com. Spelled it earlier. So rewind. <laughs> There's a little 15 second button. You can rewind <laughs> and you can listen to me spell it out there. You fucking foam mouth idiot. Um, <laughs> man. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to sound like Neil on Twitter. <laughs> um, so then we got the official Godzilla trailer that tells us that humans are the infection and that we are the cause of all the bad that's happening in the world. Uh, there's been a mass extinction of humans that is going to that is happening and it is going to continue to happen, and it's all our fault. It's then explained that. Like any living organism, the Earth itself has unleashed a fever to fight the infection. And the original and rightful rulers, the monsters, or as they call them in the trailer, the titans, have been hidden around the Earth for thousands of years. And the only way to save the Earth is to find them all. So basically, it's like Pokemon on a kaiju scale here. <laughs> and so you've got to catch them <laughs> gotta all. Got to catch them all. Exactly. So it's like, um, so they have to find, it looks like from the website, and I think I counted correctly. I could be wrong. So whatever. Uh, math is not my strong point spelling is but uh <laughs> it looked like there was 15 different locations so 15 total titans and uh we got kyle chandler in this film and that makes me very happy being a big friday night lights fan uh he was also guys i wanted to point this out kyle chandler was in the peter jackson king kong he played the actor in that peter jackson king kong film 
Mm, I've not seen that movie for a long time. I may have not have seen it since the theater. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Chandler played the actor in that one. Another movie, King Kong, King Kong. We're going to get Godzilla and King Kong film coming after this. So I just kind of thought it was wild that Kyle Chandler showed up in this film in a Godzilla film. Uh, I, we got, I loved the musical score that kind of accompanied this trailer. Um, I'm going to talk about my thoughts here real quick. The monsters I thought looked great. Godzilla looked great. Mothra looked great. You see, a really awesome shot of King Godira in this. Like they show his outline of the three kind of like dragon heads popping up. Um, this film just looks, I was not a fan of Godzilla, the first film that came out. Um, but this, this looks epic. It looks amazing. And I thought, I think Millie Bobby Brown might be what this franchise needs. I, I know I've kind of been hard on her in her Stranger Things performances. Not to say that I don't enjoy her, that I don't like her. I just feel like she gets a lot of the credit. But I think some of the kids are, uh, the other kids are better actors. I think like, you know, the kid that plays, was it like the main kid, Will, and like fucking, uh, what's the goofy kid with no fucking teeth? Dustin, I, I like him and I like, I love Steve. I just think she gets a lot more credit. She, I don't know. She, she eats waffles and she's got nosebleeds, right? I mean, come on. Anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> But she's good. anyone can do that crap. Right? Anybody could do that shit. I, I, you know, I get a nosebleed every once in a while. You know, fucking yeah, Adrian Brody. I'm sure that nerdy fuck gets nosebleeds all the time. You know what I mean? I guarantee you. You could be getting punched in the face. No, no, just from standing. Just like you could be talking to Adrian the wind. Brody. The wind. You could Adrian Brody could sneeze and there could be blood on your goddamn wall. You don't know. You don't know what that guy's going through. Jesus. Like, anyway, uh, but I, I, I think she's gonna be fine. I thought she looked really good in this, actually. And I think she might be what this series needs. And, um, I, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I, I, my excitement level is off the charts with this one. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give this a, uh, as far as my excitement level is concerned, as far as the visuals that I see, and as far as the concept here. 15 possible titans in this movie. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I can't wait to see this. It looks great. Yeah, I will high taste this trailer. I thought, like, the reason I didn't want to see the original Godzilla movie is your review, and you pretty much saying, like, there was six and a half minutes of Godzilla, and it, even that. And it just kind of fell short with, like, kind of one actor being promoted and then really not being the star of the film syndrome, too. And just, like, all those things don't seem to be present here, and it's all that I wanted from a modern-day, big-budget Hollywood Godzilla movie is just lots of different things for Godzilla to trash it around with. And this looked really cool. I thought this looked great. God damn it. I taste it. That shot of Godzilla fucking uh, walking around and shit and all those jets behind him, I was just like, oh, my God. And that shot of him just, like, shooting his atomic breath straight into the sky. The shots of, like, Mothra flying around, King Godir. I don't know. I don't know. Visually and just, I don't, it just, I, I'm Yeah, just, this looked great. I, I, I loved it. It was a great trailer. Ugh. Like, I, I feel like I'm going to watch this and not even, still not watch the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need to watch that first one. Ken Watanabe is back, too. Just, and he was in the first Godzilla movie. I liked him in the, in the, in the first one. I thought he was fine. I thought he was good. Neil, Neil, you didn't see it, so I don't even give a shit, man. <laughs> Good, because neither do I. Yeah. 
<laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I like before we hit record on this next segment, I was like, ah, did you guys watch this, 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 and this, and this? Neil's like, no, I didn't watch that one. I didn't watch the first movie. And I was like, all right, fine. Why, like, what's the point? Like, I'm going to make you watch the trailer? Like, what's the fucking point? I'm not going to put yeah, you through I- that. The, the giant monster movies, uh, Godzilla, King Kong, they don't really do it for me, so I don't have much of an interest in them. Hmm. Yeah. You don't like any of this stuff? Have you ever – did you see like Colossal? I thought that was a good take on Did not. Uh, I, I, I was interested. I heard your review about it, and I, I, I was interested in seeing it, but I just never got around to it. I do like the original King Kong um, as far as the technical, technical aspect goes with the stop motion. Uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty fucking amazing to make that movie back when it was made, but I haven't really had interest in seeing anything since. Wow. What's your prejudice against giant monsters? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Just, uh, just giant rubber suits. Don't, don't do it for me. Don't worry. I'm not going to make like a, like, like, Oh, Neil's got a micro penis. Like I'm not going to make that. Like (laughs) I hate everything big because of my small dick. Like I'm not going to go there, Neil. All right. I kind of did by bringing it up, but I'm not really going to go there. Okay. I'm sure you have a huge dick. (laughs) I am sure. I am sure. I am sure that like King Kong would look at your penis and be like, I ain't climbing that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll stick to this tiny Empire State Building. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's laugh. Oh my god! I just I want to pl- I want to play your laugh on repeat. Oh, that's funny. It's yeah, no, this episode's been like you make Neil laugh and you get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> All right. That's the way I felt like for at least the last like ninety minutes. I feel like. Oh shit! Before we jump into our uh, DC Warner Brothers uh, panel, uh, I want to talk about the final thing that I want to talk about is the Bumblebee panel at San Diego Comic Con. And uh, <sighs> wow, Jake, well, that was that was audible. Uh, did I gasp? You were like, <sighs> is what it sounded like. Like, <sighs> oh no, that's not that's not that's not what I meant. I just. I didn't know there was a Bumblebee panel. Did, did they get to see more footage? You sound sad that you didn't know. No, I'm not sad. Oh. I'm I'm confused by noises that you make. <laughs> there, was, there was no read on my noise. Uh, I definitely had a read on it, but it was totally wrong. Like, I, like, 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 like. like I felt like uh, Miss Cleo from those '90s like tarot card commercials back in the day. Like I have, like I'm just guessing. I'm like I'm I'm grabbing it, grasping at straws, trying to figure out like what's going on in your life. Is it financial? Is your wife cheating on you? I don't know. I just want my dollar ninety nine a minute back at this point too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh Screen Rant released some cool news about the uh, Bumblebee panel from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, Bumblebee is an origin story. He's always been one of the Transformers with the strongest connection to humanity. Quote, this film effectively answers that question. We'll see what he becomes, the character he becomes in the other movies. As for why Bumblebee is on his own here on Earth, uh, Travis slightly dodged that question by explaining that he's an adolescent character. That's the framework they looked at for this character in this movie. Um, do we get to see Cybertron? And the answer is yes. And Knight said, uh, and let me say this, it is awesome. And nice. um, I, that's one thing I'm excited about as a Transformers fan. Um, 
And uh, Haley Steinfeld and uh, Jorge Lendenborg Jr. then join Knight on stage to talk about their characters who are allies of Bumblebee. Uh, Charlie Watson, played by Steinfeld, uh, is a typical misunderstood teenager who's experienced a major loss in her life. She craves freedom and friendship. Uh, she sees that within a car that works, says Steinfeld. Uh, Mimo, played by Lendeborg, is a geek, loves Larry Bird and GoBots. And I love that. GoBots is canon in the Transformers cinematic universe. GoBots. That's absolutely hilarious. And he's so 80s. He loves Larry Bird. I think that's fantastic as well. And he has a crush on his neighbor, Charlie. That's, of course, Steinfeld, uh, which is how he gets pulled into the Bumblebee alien robot adventure. He's shy and through the arc will see him develop confidence and sincerity. Um, we, they talked a little bit about the uh, two uh, Decepticons that we knew about in this film. Uh, that we had information on. There's a third Decepticon. I'll talk about that in a moment here. But Shatter and Dropkick, the two de- Decepticons that we actually talked about last week on the show uh, that are going to be voiced by uh, Justin Theroux and Angela Bassett, they're going to be triple changers. And this is a real thing in the Transformers universe. There are toys that are triple changers. So basically they can transform into a robot. Uh, they can transform into a car. And, you know, they can transform into like a, like a flying jet or something like that. So they transform into three different things. And, um, so she'll be like Astro Train was a triple changer. He turned into a train and he also turned into a space shuttle, but he also turned into robot form. Um, so they'll be able to transform into a robot and then two vehicles. Uh, so yeah, drop, kick and shatter, which Jake, they sound, they sound like they should be like, <laughs> they sound like they should be like, uh, on American Gladiators, like uh, <laughs> next up on uh, yes. the obstacle course, our contestants will face Shatter, and then like yeah. uh, fucking like uh, what's uh, was it the uh, man in the assault rifle will be drop kick. drop kick on the assault rifle and uh, <laughs> shooting the shooting the fucking tennis balls. You get hit with the tennis uh, ball. Oh, you just got drop kicked. You got drop kicked, and then like and then you see like the like the big. The, the the smoke come out from under from the uh the fucking the course and it lets you know you're done you you got fucked you just got drop kicked or you got shattered <laughs> <laughs> man i miss american gladiators i wish that was streaming they somewhere. brought it back do you remember when they had what was it muhammad ali's hulk daughter hogan was Muh- on it too Mu- yeah muhammad ali's daughter and hulk hogan what was it, what was her name was her name tali ali i don't know what was her name yeah i I watched the comeback. I thought it was good. I, I thought it was okay, but they didn't let those guys juice. They just weren't big enough. Mm, they, I didn't know that was the problem. They weren't huge. Like uh, the old, you watch the old ones. Those guys were huge. Like zap and laser. Zap and, and laser. They were, they were, they were zapping themselves on steroids. <laughs> they were huge. And like the new ones, like they were, like they were fit. But you know, like I could, like those, they look like guys that I could like see at my gym. You know what I mean? Yeah, all right. I dig. I dig. You need to just like the Predator movie. Yeah, need- I need guys that look like seriously, like they just walked off of like Venice Beach, like these, you know, the, these huge bodybuilders that are just, just, I don't know, injecting themselves with so many different things that it's ridiculous. Like that, like they, they, their bodies don't produce their own testosterone anymore. Like their testosterone is just one hundred percent produced by the shit that they chemically put into their bodies. I just need. Veiny motherfuckers with just weird looking bulging muscles. 
This just then Adrian Brody is your new American Gladiator. <laughs> God. Hey, Jake, isn't it weird that American Gladiators, like, they showed them off for their physique, and yet in that obstacle course, they've got one just manning a tennis ball gun? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Oh, man. Another one of my favorites was – I don't remember what it was called. Was it called Pyramid where they had to put the balls into the little things while they just got tackled trying to do it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was one of the best. I like the – what was the one where they were uh, – they had the uh, – they were trying to knock each other off with the – Oh, giant Q-tips. Yeah, the ja- – not javelin. What do they call those things? Javelin is like mm-hmm. you're throwing something at somebody. Uh, just like big staffs, the big Q-tips, though. Like yeah. Yeah. Q-tips, yeah. Yeah, but, they, yeah, but the way, they, that's not what they called it. Hey, welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the giant Q-tip stage. And, uh, it looks like, uh, Shatter and Dropkick are gonna be smacking some contestants around with the giant Q-tip this week. But, uh, I forget what are it was. Are you sure they didn't call it that? The giant Q-tip. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. And we were talking about Transformers for a moment. Uh, <laughs> we tried. We tried. Uh, we find out that Shadow Shatter turns into a Harrier jet and a muscle car. Uh, is inspired by Nightbird from uh, Generation One G One Transformers era, who's a ninja style Decepticon. And then Dropkick can turn into a uh, chopper and a muscle car. So. Um, and is inspired by Megatron. Uh, we also found out uh, from the panel that the plane that we saw in the uh, trailer and was we assumed was Starscream wasn't Starscream, but it's Blitzwing. Blitzwing. Yeah. It's a cool name. It's a cool name. It's a cool Transformer, but it's not Starscream. It should be Starscream. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Screamer. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Wow, set in the 80s and not Starscream. That's, why would they miss that opportunity? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But Michael whatever. Bay's producing? No, he's not doing much with this movie. This is all Travis Knight. They just threw fucking Michael Bay's mo- name on this shit. I don't know. I, th- I still think it's fucking stupid. Blitzwing. Give, it, give me Starscream, goddammit. Give me mm-hmm. Starscream in the 80s. Anyway. Why the fuck aren't we getting Soundwave? Oh, that would be amazing. I've been wanting boombox on in a Transformers movie since the beginning. Exactly, With, like the little tape machi- machines that come out too. It could look yeah, like that a, would be amazing. Yeah, we could fucking get uh, Frenzy and 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 uh, Rumble. You know what I'm talking? Mm-hmm. You know I'm saying like, mm-hmm. give me those guys. I mean, you could do that with this shit now because it's set in the '80s. So, uh, Soundwave doesn't have to be a satellite floating around in space. That's what he was. <laughs> That's what he was in uh, Transformers two or three or whatever it was. He really? Yeah, they didn't yes. even. Oh. They didn't even use the same Soundwave voice because the original Soundwave was recorded. They used a vocoder to to record that uh, mm-hmm. the the way he sounded. They did not even use that same Soundwave oh, voice that we knew and loved from the original G One. It's basically like the only sound effect they gave us was the uh, 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 when they transformed for a split second. We got that sound, hmm. and that was about it. So, and dude, I'll be honest with you. When I, when 2007, when I went to see Transformers and that first fucking Transformer made that goddamn sound, I wanted to stand up in my fucking chair and just scream because it was amazing. But, uh, yeah, oh yeah, the changing sound, they nailed yeah. that. Even just hearing it on the, like, the logo because they did it when, like, the Paramount stars came in. Yeah. 
Screen rant. Describe the footage that was shown at the panel. There was, uh, there was, uh, basically they did show a trailer and then some actual scenes that happened. The footage begins with military units chasing Bumblebee through a forest as Bumblebee chops down some trees to slow him down. Bumblebee approaches a clearing only to see it's the side of a mine in a super tall cliff slash mountain wall. It's a dead end and the units surround him as one crashes into him, knocking him down. Agent Burns, played by John Cena, is in the back of a Humvee-esque type vehicle with a tow cable gun turret, and Bumblebee seems prepared to surrender. He turns off his battle mask. And just as this happens, a jet fighter flies by in the sky, and Burns questions who called in the Air Force. It's Blitzwing, who flies in and attacks, seemingly killing most of the soldiers with a barrage of missiles. He crashes into Bumblebee, picking him up as they fly up against the side of a mountain, scraping it all the way up. Blitzwing seemingly handles Bumblebee easily and speaks, sentencing him to, quote, death as he fires machine guns from his arm into Bumblebee. As Bumblebee is about to slip off the edge, Blitzwing grabs him, holds him up, This is where it's emphasized how much bigger the Decepticon is compared to our little hero, and then drops him off the edge. Bumblebee falls all the way down and seemingly passes out next to a river, and we see him from his perspective that he's losing his memory core, and he's shutting down. He sees the Volkswagen bug at a nearby campsite, so that's how he gets his form. Uh, In the next scene... We get Charlie, played by Seinfeld, on her 18th birthday. She wakes up in her trailer home, all decked out in 80s stuff, brushes her teeth. I think it's probably a Ramones t-shirt, which is, I think, one of the first images that was released for this movie was Steinfeld in a Ramones t-shirt next to a Volkswagen Bug, I'm guessing. But anyway, she brushes her teeth while listening to a Walkman and then goes through a junkyard looking for valuable or useful parts and finds the car under a tarp after knocking the boats over. She makes a deal with the junkyard owner to work for him for a year if she can get the car to work and keep it. She tells him it's her birthday and he lets her have it. In her garage, as we see in the trailer, she discovers he's a robot who acts like a scared child. It's a touching scene and it's clear how much Charlie is looking for a connection from a friend. Bumblebee can't speak but can understand her. They bond immediately, and Charlie says he sounds like a Bumblebee, and that's how he gets the name. Also, when she first found him there, was a beehive under one of his wheels. Um, There are a few scenes after this, but the key one is Shatter and Dropkick make a deal with the military Sector 7 and telling them, so basically John Cena's character of Agent Burns, and telling them that there's a fugitive from their planet that they're hunting, Bumblebee. Then Sector 7, the Sector 7 John Cena sees an opportunity to work together with Shatter and Dropkick. Um, we also see Optimus Prime briefly in a hologram embracing an awesome G1 design. Holy shit, that, I can't wait to see this. Um, one sequence even has Bumblebee looking actually like his G1 design while half-transformed inside a tunnel chase sequence. 
This movie takes place 20 years prior to the first film, Michael, uh, first Michael Bay film. We also get a glimpse of Hoover Dam, which connects to the first film as well. So I don't know. I'm still excited. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, the only thing that is a little bit discomforting is just all the, like, they don't need to cram all the prequelitis stuff in, right? The more they can separate it from the other five movies, I think the better. I think what we've all kind of liked about the idea of this movie is kind of just the, you know, one shot girl in her car type of Transformers movie. And, and the more we try to sector seven it, Hoover damn it, connect it to the other movies, like is probably going to work against this movie. In my opinion, I'm fine with sector seven being the government agency that's after this alien life form that's on earth. It's just like, as long as it's not like let's de-age John Turturro and show that fucking character in this. That, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So from what I've seen so far, it's not going to be too overbearing, but that's always a worry with a prequel, right? That's, that's yeah. exactly what prequel is. The, uh, the actual panel, for the uh, Bumblebee movie, the final question, they were started the Q&A, but the final question came from Peter Cullen himself. Hmm. Peter, oh, that's awesome that Peter, they had him at the panel. Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, showed up to the panel. I'm going to see if I can play it real quick. I don't know if I can play it because I want to play it for people. And if it doesn't play, I will just... Explain what he did. Hold on. Play, damn it. Peter, what's your question? Travis Knight. Uh My name is Optimus Prime. (laughs) I could not help but notice my absence in much of your footage. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a question mark there. It's not really a question, in fairness. Uh, the movie's called Bumblebee. It's about Bumblebee, so it's really his moment in the sun, uh, Mr. Cohen. Well, in that case, what does an Autobot have to do to get his own movie? <laughs> that's incredible that is absolutely incredible that peter I cullen that. i loved it too and the fans went nuts and peter cullen like you saw like so much like joy in his face like he loves playing this character if you watch the uh the new um season of actually part two of the toys that made us if you want to call it part two or whatever (laughs) it's the second season but anyway um if you watch that peter cullen talks about the character of optimus prime and like how that character was basically based off of his brother who was like in the military and um he really connects with the character of optimus prime and like i I still I want that Optimus Prime movie. I don't care how it happens. I want more Peter Cullen in my life. I want more because oh my god, like Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. Like I've heard other voice actors play Optimus Prime, and it never it's okay, but it never lives up to Peter Cullen. So yeah, that'll be like a weird like Kermit the Frog after Jim Henson type thing. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Porky Pig after Mel Blanc. So yeah, yeah. Um. 
So, yeah, uh, guys, uh, that's all I got for the Bumblebee. That's all we got for news. We're going to be jumping into DC news from San Diego Comic-Con. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with that shit. Sweet. All right, hey, we are back. I, I say, hey, we're back every time. <laughs> we went somewhere. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we took we took a few minutes break there. Hey, you guys remember the you guys remember the rapper Heavy D? Do you remember Heavy D? Oh, of course. And the boys. Don't forget the boys. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy D and the boys. It's like it's almost like I didn't announce the news with Huey Lewis there. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell the boys short. Oh man, Glory is it Brian, it's almost like you left out the Miami sound machine with Gloria Estefan. <laughs> like, how could you? <laughs> 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 oh man, that got me. <laughs> so, so stupid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Welcome back to ridiculousness. This is just ridiculous. Um, let's jump into. Oh, we're gonna do Marvel news. I forgot about Marvel news. There wasn't a lot, so here we go. What is that beeping noise? What's going on? I don't hear it. I hear like I hear ding, ding. ding. It's Some, like there's a car door left open or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I, oh, what's going? Yeah, it's weird. That was weird. Anyway, Marvel, Marvel news. <laughs> Marvel news. Marvel news. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we got the first uh, Iron Fist season two teaser trailer, and we found out that the release date is going to be September 7th of this year, so that's when we're going to get more Iron Fist. Yeah, Jeez, yeah. that's quick. I did not expect that so fast. Are you guys going to get Iron Fisted? I will probably not get no. Iron Fisted. I'm not opposed to you if you have that lifestyle, though. I, I, no, I am going, I'm going to get iron fisted and, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, looking forward to it. So I will be watching iron fist. I just wish that, uh, Marvel Netflix would get to the point where they're just like, you know what? Let's just, uh, let's just announce, uh, heroes for hire. Let's just do it. Yeah. Moon that night. Would be the show. Moon night. I would come I back want some for fucking moon night. Yeah. I want some moon night. I am down with that. Neil, that is, that's. We would all love to see Moon Knight. That would be what's, fantastic. What's crazy is that uh, Bushmaster is a Moon Knight villain. Yeah. And I, so I, I, I've seen the first two episodes of Luke Cage. I haven't gotten any farther than that of season two. And uh, I was super excited to see Bushmaster because I liked him in Moon Knight comics, but okay. no see, Moon Knight yet. Hmm. I was not familiar with Bushmaster from the comics. I was familiar with Bushmaster from the 70s porn series. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, Bushmaster mastered a lot of Bush. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> was it the same in Luke Cage season two? <laughs> no, it was. I was. <laughs> I. <laughs> A lot of clean shaven going on. A lot of like, there's the uh, the Brazilian waxing uh, scene. Took away his power by shaving that. Yeah, it was like the it was like it was like Samson 
from the Bible. <laughs> Cut that hair, no more power. Shave off that hair, powers are gone. I've relinquished my powers for a clean shaven the JJ is what they said in uh, Luke Cage season two. Bushman, seventies <laughs> porn star, ridiculous. You're really selling me on this Luke Cage season two. I might get caught up tonight. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, uh, at the Sony Venom panel, fans were treated to new footage, uh, and uh, the footage was exclusive to Hall H. So if you weren't there, you did not see this until Sony wants to release it, and they are not going to do that at the moment. But it was noticed in the footage that Venom did not have the spider symbol on the suit. So contrary to uh, earlier reports this week that he would have the uh, the uh, symbol, the spider symbol on the suit, uh, basically he in this footage did not have it. So the symbiote has never bonded with Peter Parker. Is that going to happen? Is that going to eventually happen in in a Spider-Man film, possibly, to to where we can have a proper Venom suit? Maybe that'll be the post-credit scene where it <laughs> develops the white Spider-Man symbol to like show that they're going to meet up in the next thing. Hmm. He just sees a picture of Peter Parker and develops the Venom symbol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He sees like something on TV and it's like, ah, that that would be fascinating. Yeah. You guys are you're you're not giving the director Ruben Fleischer here a lot of credit at all. <laughs> well, that scene will be directed by someone else. <laughs> so, uh, Ruben Fleischer actually teased that Venom and Spider-Man will meet quote at some point down the road. So that was a tease during the panel. Um, also, I want we already we me and Neil just mapped that out already. Yeah, you guys, you guys did some great fan fiction, just writing off the top of your heads there about how the scene could play out, and I was hanging on your every word. <laughs> what, what happens next is what I was saying. Please, Jake, tell me. Um, also, I, I wanted to point out that John Schnapp, who who actually just passed away a couple of days ago, which is. Fucking! It, I didn't know his health was so bad. I, I didn't know that this was going on. I feel awful for not knowing, but it's so sad that this happened. He's fifty-one years old, way too young for him to leave us. So, rest in peace. Yeah. I know that doesn't mean a lot. I never met the guy, but like he's he's done a lot for you know our community as far as like people that are into this shit. So, yeah, I'm a huge Metalocalypse fan. So it was it was definitely hard news to hear it sucks he was it's, really really good it sucks we lost him we've lost anthony bourdain it's just you know mm -hmm. two different reasons but it's just i hate i hate hearing about these deaths that you know from some of these people that we look up to but john schnepp said um you know last year or earlier this year that peter parker will cameo in the venom movie he he said not as not peter as spider-man but peter as peter is going to cameo in this film so um, we'll find out um, when the movie comes out. But Screen Rant described the footage of Venom 
that was shown at San Diego Comic-Con. They said the footage was described as an extended trailer, but with unfinished scenes, so it's very unlikely Sony will release it online. Initially, Initial reactions pegged the Comic-Con footage as violent, funny, and dark, with Hardy's performance as Eddie Brock Venom being a particular standout. According to those in attendance, the Venom footage features extended and completed scenes that were in the first teaser, and they look much better. The footage also shows Venom battling against another symbiote. Oh, excuse me, symbiote. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry there. I, I, mis- I mispronounced that. Symbiote. <laughs> Uh, which is, it's fucking ridiculous. Symbiote! God damn it! Um, <laughs> maybe, Jenny Slate just up. maybe Jenny Slate just can't pronounce it properly. Symbiote. Uh, which is confirmed to be the Marvel Comics villain Riot, and may be played by Riz Ahmed. The Ven- Venom footage opens with Eddie walking into a convenience store and talking to the woman who works there. She tells him he doesn't look well and suggests meditating. It's clear she's suggesting that she suggested this to him before. At home later, Eddie lays down on the floor and meditates, and there are flashes of him running through the woods. He smacks his head on his couch and takes some pills, then calls someone and tells them he isn't feeling well. In another scene, he walks down an alley and sees Venom's reflection in a car window, but is suddenly flung against a wall. That sounds fucking terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing really got me excited about that scene description. Yeah, at first it sounded uh, like Riot in the first Venom movie already. Jeez. Yeah. Well, Carnage is going to be, you know, Woody Harrelson's probably going to be playing Carnage and probably going to get him for the sequel if there is a sequel made. I don't know. This shit. This scene sounds like it's straight out of like a fucking uh, 90s Anison aspirin commercial. Like, (laughs) (laughs) my head hurts. Oh my gosh, I'm turning into a monster. You know, like. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Take some anison. You'll be fine. So, uh, meanwhile, Riz Ahmed's character, Carlton Drake, who works at the Life Foundation, is experimenting on humans with the symbiote. One man bends violently out of shape when combined with a symbiote. He believes human combined with symbiotes are the future of evolution. Drake tests a symbiote on Eddie, and Eddie later beats up a group of men at his apartment. His motorcycle is crushed between two cars, but Venom prevents it from killing Eddie. Venom and Eddie talk about what's next for them. Venny, Venom says, Venny. Venny. Get all, get all Venny. Yeah, that's my the, cousin Venny. My, Jesus. I don't know. Uh, Venom says his old life is over, but Eddie doesn't want to just kill people. Venom emerges so he and Eddie can talk face to face. Venom, Venny, Venom, <laughs> Venom heals Eddie and they combine. Sounds terrible. Um, the more I hear about this, the less interested I am in seeing God this. damn it. Yeah, it sounds, I, you know, like I was excited. Like, uh, Tom Hardy, I love him. Mm-hmm. I love Michelle Williams. I love Ruben Fleischer. And then I hear about, uh, you know, Eddie and Venom, you know, having a taste choice moment talking about bullshit. And I'm like, what the Benny. fuck is going, Venny? Little, little Venny. That's that's them if they got in a relationship, you know. Like, <laughs> that's their ship name. That's their shipping name. Like, what was it Angelina and Brad Pitt? What was it? Brangelina. What was it? Yeah, there you go. Right, Taylor Swift and whoever the fuck she's with just combine their names. 
Uh, anyway, Drake is proud of his creation by combining Venom and Eddie. Meanwhile, Eddie gets used to the used to the power that comes with being Venom and starts to like it. Eddie's romantic interest, Anne Weying, played by Michelle Williams, isn't so sure about Eddie's new powers. There's a montage of action scenes, including a woman throwing spikes out of her back at a public market. Uh, Venom's arms turn into giant axes, and he wipes out a bunch of baddies. Venom fights Riot. Then the footage concludes with a scene back in the convenience store. Thank God. I, get, get back to that convenience <laughs> store. That's, that's, where all yeah. the, that's where all the big, important, pivotal moments should happen in that convenience store. Anyway, a man is bothering the woman who works there, and Venom threatens to eat his face off. The man says, what the hell are you? <laughs> Half of Venom's face gives away gives way to Eddie's, so it looks like the Venom poster, and they say, we are Venom. Then he eats the man's head, after Eddie emerges and says goodnight to the woman in the store. So that's what was shown at San Diego Comic-Con. He's, he's very polite, though. That's nice that he says. <laughs> he addresses the women before he leaves. That's what a good symbiote. Yeah, yeah. I ate a man's face, and uh, yeah, have a, have a great night. Good night. <laughs> have, have See you a, tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the rest of your night. I doubt this happens twice. See ya later. <laughs> the chances of this happening again tonight are slim. Good night. <laughs> this is a one and done situation. Feel safe. Be safe. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man gosh this that hall h presentation sounds atrocious dude i heard that the presentation itself was terrible like tom hardy was not comfortable being there he was not comfortable asking questions he's very kind of like shy and introverted and he doesn't like to show up to events to sell his movie he just wants the acting to speak for itself they also had this thing where they wanted the crowd to interact with what was going on. They were supposed to hand out these Venom masks. And so, like, the person that was moderating the panel got up on stage and said, All right, guys, I want you to take out your masks and put them on and chant, We are Venom. And what happened was, like, only, like, 10% of the audience got these masks. So, like... The rest of the audience, like when they were supposed to be chanting, we are Venom, were like looking around and saying, where the fuck are my masks? Like, I want my mask. And so like nobody had their masks. So like it was totally (laughs) like just pandemonium. It was pandemonium and chaos. And it was just, it sounds like the, uh, it sounds terrible. I heard the glass trailer was, uh, the glass panel was terrible too. Like they said Bruce Willis was like showed up drunk, they think. And like he was slurring his words and it was just like. Oh my gosh, it sounds like some of these panels were just like terrible. Just train wrecks, absolutely. So let's move on into DC. We're going to move into DC and talk about the, uh, DC was like the big one this year. I'm sure this is what everybody. They've really taken over San Diego the last few years, huh? They really have. So here we go. DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. You guys are hearing these fucking bumpers now. 
Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so fucking pieces of shit. Yeah, you heard it. <laughs> anyway, Variety has learned that the uh, CW is developing a series about the DC superhero that uh, would debut in 2019. Should it get picked up? News of the development comes after, and this is a Batwoman TV series, guys. I should probably point that out. Batwoman. Uh, news of the development comes after the network announced in May that the character would appear in the annual crossover event between four of the CW's DC shows, The Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. Those are the four shows that are in the same universe. Uh, Black Lightning, as far as we know, is not part of that universe yet. Uh, anyway, in, in the series, Kate Kane, armed with a passion for social justice and a flair for speaking her mind, soars onto the streets of Gotham as Batwoman. An out lesbian and highly trained street fighter primed to snuff out the failing city's criminal resurgence. But don't call her a hero yet. In a city desperate for a savior, Kate must overcome her own demons before embracing the call to be Gotham's symbol of hope. Carolyn Dries will serve as the writer and executive producer on the project. Dries has a long history with the CW, having worked as a writer and producer on the Vampire Diaries and the network's new iteration of Melrose Place. She also worked as a writer on Smallville, which centered on Clark Kent before he became Superman. Dries is rep by WME. I'm glad that they threw that in the article, and I'm glad that our <laughs> listeners now know that Dries is repped by WME. I'm sure that will come in handy never. Um, guys, <laughs> Batwoman coming to the CW, uh, lesbian, superhero, I love the Batwoman. Uh, actually, I, I love Batwoman. The new 52 Batwoman stuff started off great, and I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to this series. I, I It feels like, though, that with uh, the CW is just taking on. They've got so many things. It seems like one of these other shows got to go soon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it feels like Arrow might be on its last legs. I'm hearing Supergirl might be on her last legs, unfortunately. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I I watched the first season of Arrow and didn't watch anything past that. I watched the first two seasons of Flash and fell off of that. So, I'm interested in this one because it sounds like it might be a little more adult-themed. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm interested in seeing this. I would be interested in seeing Arrow go away. I have not watched Arrow past, I think, like season, I may have started season three. I don't know. I, but I, I'm, I'm caught up. I, I'm all current on Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, mm. and Flash, but, you know, those, they're not as good as they used to be. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like, you know, um, <clears throat> the Flash is not as good as it used to be. And, and, uh, as much as I love Melissa Benoit, Supergirl's not, I don't know. It's not. It's not doing it for me. So it seems like these shows have a bit of a shelf life as far as uh, because their episode count is so high. Yeah, and they can only tell so many decent stories within that long runtime. It, it seems like they should have a, a shorter season rather than trying to pad so much out. Twenty and get all weird. <laughs> Twenty three episodes. Twenty three. Twenty four episodes God. per season. Neil, that's yeah. that's, that's too much. It is. You know, this is not like fucking, it's, this is not 1970 and we're not watching MASH every week. I mean. TV watching has changed. It has changed. Exactly. 
I got burned out on the Marvel stuff, and it's only yeah. 13 episodes. Those should be like eight episode seasons, the Agreed. Netflix shows. Agreed. So, yeah, Batwoman, looking forward to it. I hope it's good. Uh, so, looking forward to that. We got our first look at the Titans trailer, guys. Um, it came out on Thursday, and it gave us our first look at Robin, Beast Boy, Starfire, Raven, and Hawk and Dove in live action. And the biggest takeaways from me, other than the character designs that we saw in these live action versions, was Robin as the killer and him saying, fuck Batman. Fuck Batman. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. It feels like a really bold choice for DC to take characters that are arguably like the most famous, like, preteen animated characters they've had in the last decade and then go fuck Batman with it. Dude, I mean, Jake, you got, I mean, think about it this way. They know that they're going up against the Marvel Netflix stuff. They know that they're doing it. They know what Steven uh, DeKnight did with that first season of Daredevil. And they're just saying they're pulling out their fucking dick right now and saying, look, ours is bigger. That's what they're yeah, doing. I just feel like there's like 8,000 other characters that they could have had to say, you know, I don't know. Why not do this sweet Deathstroke Determinator show and have him say fuck Batman? Oh, it's, it doesn't ha- like- No, you're not going to get the viral sensation. You're not going to get the memes unless you fucking come out with fucking just 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 guns blazing and and just throwing punches, man. Like they- Yeah, I I agree. I I could put like I, you're not saying anything I don't know, but it's, I it's kind of that sensationalism that I don't like. It's like, uh, like I hope it can rest on the laurels of good storytelling uh, and, you know, yeah, I know. cool effects. I'm and- caught up in it. It got my attention. Like, it pretty, like, it, you know, I may have been like, kind of like, I don't know, kind of like nodding off and kind of falling asleep. And then all of a sudden Robin says, fuck Batman. I'm like, whoa, holy, what the, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm awake. So, you know what? I was, I've been really poo pooey about the, um, DC streaming service, but I, a lot of the information that came out this week, I thought has been really cool. Um, the comet collection stuff really intrigues me almost more than some of the service. And the first time we're seeing the Batman cartoon in full HD from the nineties is pretty neat. So I don't know. I might be sold. I'm definitely going to try it for a month. Oh, I'm going to go over the specifics of the service and how much it costs and all that stuff here in a moment. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to get Robin here working as a police officer and you know, during the day and then at nighttime, he's going to be a vigilante. And then, uh, in the trailer, we see that he is approached by Raven, who has a vision of him and needs his help. And then other than that, we don't know how the other Titans are involved in this story. Although we do see them fighting. We see some really cool shit from Hawk and Dove here. Uh, we know that our villain is going to be Trigon, who is going to be played by Seamus Deaver who played Detective Kevin Ryan on the now-canceled ABC series Castle. And uh, Trigon is going to be this immortal demon from the comics. And he has all these different powers uh, that include, like, energy projection, telepathy, size-shifting, shape-shifting, super-strength, virtual invulnerability, reality manipulation, telekinesis, matter transmutation, and matter manipulation. So basically, in the comics... He was able to defeat the Justice League and the Teen Titans pretty fucking easily. And so we don't know if we're going to get the same Trigon that we got from the comics here. We don't know if he's going to be like this ultimate power. We He's nearly unbeatable in the comics, so we don't know if they're going to depower him for this show. It almost feels like they would have to depower him. The, the, yeah, you, you can't have these fresh team go against that, right? 
unless it's going to be like unless he's going to be like uh they're going to have other things going on and he's going to be like the background villain and they're not going to face off of him against him until like season two. I don't know. I don't know any other way that they can do it. It's yeah. Or just completely a reimagined version of the character. Exactly. Way scaled down. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also feels like this could be, this could be like daredevil season one where it's, it's very dark. I know we're going to get a very dark season here with this Titan show. As soon as you say, fuck Batman, it's dark, right? I mean, let's get real. Yeah, of course. And when you see Robin, like, you know, stepping on people's fucking heads and curb stomping him or whatever the fuck, it's, it's dark. And so we, we get Robin, he's in his Robin costume, but at the end of the season, who knows? It might, they might be leading up to him becoming Nightwing. So just like in the first season of Daredevil, where we get like the black Daredevil suit, uh, that, you know, at, by the end of the season, it turns into the red devil suit. So I, they might, I mean, this might be the journey of, you know, Dick Grayson becoming Nightwing, you know, going from, uh, Robin to Nightwing for all we know. And I think that that's very cool because Nightwing has been a member of the Teen Titans. So. Yeah, but we're never going to see any Batman in this, right? Or do we not? I hope we don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it is taking place in Gotham, not Blue Haven. As, Isn't it? Oh, that's a good question. Is it going to take place where, you know, like when you get your Nightwing stories? Uh I don't know. Because it seemed like it was taking place in Gotham. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't, I don't think yeah. that I, I, th- I don't think that I found that out through my research. So. Yeah, I just thought that was a little bit weird. Like that it would take place in Gotham, but yet the point was to kind of, it's, it's always, they can't completely separate themselves from the Batman like edge, you know, between fuck Batman and still being in Gotham. Like it's, I don't know. It's weird. We're getting enough Batman. I'm not going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll judge this trailer by like what I saw. And, uh, most of what I saw, it got me really kind of excited for the series. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge it based off of speculation. I, I hope that they don't have to include Batman. It feels like Batman has to be included in everything, and that's and it, you know, and and <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't look super terrible though, and like I definitely am going to give DC Service a month and watch the pilot of this. Well, it's going to be – it's coming out in the fall of 2018, and uh, you can now pre-order DC Universe at DCUniverse.com for the yearly membership fee of seventy four ninety nine. Monthly memberships are going to be available for seven ninety nine a month. And uh, fans who pre-order a yearly membership before the service is launched in 2018 will get an additional three months of DC Universe for free. And um, But I want to talk about uh, the trailer here. Uh, in the trailer, we get... Uh, Raven, and she's tapped into Dick Grayson's dreams. And so that's why, like, when we get the circuit's tent scene, it's, it's, it's very haunting. And we get Raven, she's walking through Dick Grayson's memories, and she's reliving the tragic memories that trouble his mind. 
And then in the real world, she finds her way to Grayson and asks for his help and says, you're the boy from the circus. Um, and see, the thing is like, if, if the scenes that we see here are a dream sequence, the fight that we see with Robin fighting the thugs where he kills them, that might not be real. That could be, that could be a nightmare that he's having and basically showing us like Dick Grayson's greatest fear, like what he does not want to become. If he takes like the road of this vigilante life, like this is where it could lead him. And so, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that some of the trailer could possibly be misleading because it does show like Dick Grayson as this killer going around killing these thugs and it could be misleading. This could actually be some nightmare dream sequences here. This could be Dick Grayson like, you know, like he's left Batman. His anger gets a hold of him. These are nightmares that Raven's seeing in his head of what he could become. Like this is what he could do if he just kind of like... I don't know, just um, stops, just loses his morals, loses his ethics. I yeah, like that a I lot could see. less. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, that, that makes it so they're not really spoiling stuff in the trailer, that they're just throwing that in there to kind of throw you off. You like it less though, Neil. Yeah, uh, if they're doing a misdirect with this first trailer as the main thrust of it, that, that kind of bothers me that they would be so misleading with their initial foray into this um if they're if, if because they're trying to get you to watch the show right yeah. that's the whole point of this trailer and if they're gonna use this trailer as a complete misdirect that that i don't like that at all because i was i was more interested in this trailer than i ever had b- before it I, i'm actually probably gonna watch the show now because of the trailer I, it got me excited about it but if it's it's all a misdirect that that really bothers me i um I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if it's a misdirect or not, but just like with the just with the fact that Ravens in this means that we don't know what we're watching. We don't know what's mm-hmm. real and what's not, right? So, yeah. That's a great point. It could just be her just showing the imagery. He could go down that path for all we know. Like I I don't know. I don't know. I it I want it to go dark as well. I really do. I really do. That's what got me kind of excited for this. Is mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Neil should be discouraged. I mean, even if it is just uh, like a dream sequence, I mean, it's the idea that he could go that way is still there. You, you're just only all in if he's already killing people. Well, no, it, what, what, I'm not against it if he's if it if it is a misdirect, but the fact that they would present that as their first trailer for this would be complete they're they're presenting it one way and if it's not that way then that's completely misleading the audience i hear you neil i this has upset me a lot of stuff that's come out recently not just like this titans trailer because we don't know where it's going to go the direction it's going to go but a lot of movies and a lot of things have been presenting Mm -hmm. themselves one way and coming out another way i wanted to love hereditary i might love it upon second watch but it was not marketed correctly to audience it was not it was not the commercials did not the commercials were just giving us this terrifying fucking movie. I didn't know that they were going to give us this really artsy kind of like uh, <laughs> uh, horror film. And and you know what? 
that's that's partly it's partly on them and it's partly on me because I think like mm-hmm. now that I know this going in and watching it a second time I might Tupperware the fuck out of Hereditary. Same- I fucking love that movie. Uh, I saw it twice mm-hmm. and I loved it the second time way more. Yeah, I, it de- it definitely deserves a second watch. I'm gonna watch it again when it comes out. And uh, Mother was another movie that was totally marketed mm-hmm. wrong. Like. Like they they lied to me. They lied to you in those fucking trips. They straight out fucking lied to you. I went in there. Suicide Squad. Suicide yeah. Squad. Iron Man <laughs> three, infamously. Yeah, Iron Man three on a scale, absolutely. So, and that's the thing here. I understand, Neil. I understand. Like you're wanting one thing, and I'm telling you that it possibly could be just like mm-hmm. bullshit. And so, it kind of takes away from like why you were wanting to subscribe to the service and watch it initially. Exactly. I get they, it. They hooked me with one thing, and if, if that thing isn't there, then why? I, I may like the other thing, but the fact that they've they, they've messed with my head and sold me this one bill of goods, and then they're presenting me with another. Isn't that it, every, it just hey? Isn't that me. isn't that every relationship I've ever been in? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you know. That, you you told me that you liked this, you were into this, and then you know I. I, I must... Then you come back with the no butt stuff. What the hell's going on here? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now I gotta beg for anal. Fuck you. You told me you're all about it. You know. <laughs> I thought I was going to get the chocolate starfish tonight. What the fuck? <laughs> so, guys, uh, let's uh, talk about, uh, yeah, Joker movie's happening. It's called Joker. That's all I really wanted to talk about. Zazzy Beats might be added to the film. Uh, THR had an exclusive this week that uh, the Joker film is looking to add Zazzy Beats from Atlanta. FX from the uh, show on FX Atlanta, and she was also Domino in the uh, Deadpool 2, and uh, she's in talks to join the production and would play a single mother who catches the interest of the man who will become the crown crown prince of crime. So yeah, Zazzy Beats possibly showing up in the uh, in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film. Mm, wow! I, I if I was her agent, I would try to steer her clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I don't see this movie being good. I, I don't know how it can be. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, man, Zazzy Beats. What an insane name, right? Yeah, right. That I saw crazy. her on. Uh, I think it was on the on Stephen Colbert's show. Yeah, um, she's got German heritage, and so yeah. that's what where her name came from. It's uh, I think it's pronounced Zassi. Is how she pronounces That's it. That's insane. The second season of Atlanta, there's a whole episode where she's t- where she's she shows up to like this German kind of like uh, convention where they all dress up like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, and they celebrate German heritage and shit. Not the weird yeah. Hitler years, but you know. <laughs> actual <laughs> German heritage. Yeah, I think she's fluent in German. And that's why that, they put that scene in there is because they wanted to sense. take advantage of that. She's talented. She's talented and she's a beautiful mm-hmm. girl. So, um, you know, but, um, yeah, Zazzy Beats, it's, it's an insane name. Her first name just sounds like, like, it like, like, uh, her first name just sounds zany, like Zazzy, zany. <laughs> and then her last name is like, is like the most, uh, disgusting vegetable you could ever put in your mouth. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not a big Beats fan either. Uh, honestly, you can acquire a taste for Beats. It's, 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 uh, I have, like, I, I was taking it for health reasons for a while and shit like that. I heard about the health benefits for it. And now I've got acquired a taste for Beats. But at first it was just like eating dirt. It was literally like <laughs> just going out to your yard and grabbing, you know, just a handful of dirt, a handful of earth and shoving it into your mouth, earthworms and all. <laughs> oh man, you should do the commercials for Beats. I know <laughs> Beats. You know it's oh geez. It's like shoving earthworms in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Just it's like shoving dirt and earth in your mouth. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. It's like it's like nature took a shit in your face. Beats. <laughs> 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 it's. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, so there's gonna be three DC Warner Brothers films coming out in 2019, so we're gonna get Shazam, Wonder Woman, and Joker. Wonder Woman comes out in, uh, November, Shazam is out April 5th, and then, uh, when's this Joker movie come out? I think Joker comes out, when's it come out? Like a month? Like September or something? Yeah, I think it comes out before Wonder Woman, I'm not sure. Whatever, it comes out and, Whatever. It's gonna come out, which is insane. That, that's, that's the story, right? It's coming out. Like, somebody, yes. somebody's making this thing, right? That's, that's insane. Let's talk about the, we were talking about Wonder Woman there for a second. Let's talk about Wonder Woman 1984, the Wonder Woman 1984 footage. They showed footage for the new Wonder Woman yeah. movie at San Diego Comic Con. They've only been filming for, Patty Jenkins has only been filming for three weeks. Oof. Yeah, I wonder if they wrote their schedule around having some good stuff to have, be able to show right away. They had to have. But like they, they, you know, like people loved Wonder Woman. They wanted to have something for people. So they, 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 you know, we saw those pictures from the mall, you know, Steve Trevor in the mall. And so that's where these scenes took place. So like they did this stuff and they, they polished it up as soon as they could. Uh, they, I hear the footage was bright and colorful since it takes place in the 1980s. So like, it's not, they're not using like that dark filter that we saw when she was like in World War, uh, World War One. So like the suit is bright and colorful and like the visuals like really pop. The costume pops. Um, in the footage, basically she was in a, in a mall and she takes out some bad guys while this little girl kind of like watches her in admiration. Maybe a fan or just like a little girl seeing like a, female superhero kick ass and uh, I heard it was really good I heard it was well choreographed I heard it looked great and it looks totally like 1980s and it just really has a different look to it than uh, the first Wonder Woman film which had was kind of like dark because you know you, you, it's in World War One. It's 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 you know back like you're in war and like back when um they were using some really shady shit to like these gases and stuff like that to to kill their enemy so i don't know i heard great things about it not a lot to show but i heard it was really good yeah it sounds like at least one thing they had to get a show was like you're saying is the 80s like theme to it all like the bright colors and just uh, that's gonna be fun to see yeah you know with yeah. all these like with glow and stranger things it's been really fun me and you were kids of the 80s to see, you know, how well they nail that kind of nostalgia. Steve Trevor's going to wear a fucking fanny pack, people. <laughs> fanny pack? Yeah, it's true. There's a shot of, there's a picture of him wearing a fucking fanny pack. 
That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Shazam. W- oh, Neil, uh, Jake, mm. what are you saying? What are you talking about? I, I wouldn't have pictured him as a fanny pack guy, but there you go. It's the 80s. Oh, man, he's total fanny pack. He, he's fanny packing it up. Uh, Neil, did you have any thoughts there about anything? Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited for it. I like yeah. Wonder Woman for all the first two-thirds of it. Um, I love that part. I didn't like the third act, but... In general, I thought it was a great movie, and so yeah, and I think Gal Gadot is is perfect as mm-hmm. as Diana. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to see this. Just like Chris Evans embodies Captain America, I feel like Gal Gadot. She totally embodies yeah. Princess Diana. She's great. So mm-hmm. yeah, some of the casting for some of these roles have been really spot on. You look at I mean, obviously Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth has grown into that role, mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan Reynolds. They're all perfect for their roles, and Gal Gadot's right there with with them. Miles Teller, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Topher Grace Venom. <laughs> oh, man. That's a serious fuck. <laughs> Let's talk about Shazam. Let's talk about Shazam. Shazam. Uh, Shazam. I want to talk about this. Guys, I don't know if we talked about this before, but Shazam, like, I feel like it's bizarre in a way. We saw the trailer. We're going to talk about the trailer. But it's bizarre in a way because this movie, watching this trailer and then realizing who the director is, the director is David F. Sandberg, who's directed Lights Out and Annabelle Creation, both horror movies. And then, like, this seems so fun and light and, and it's like Tom Hanks big meets Superman. It's like, that's... Basically, like we've been talking in previous episodes, like how this feels, you know, like everything we've heard, Jake, like how it feels like it was inspired by Big, and uh, and uh, this this trailer seems so light and fluffy and fun, and but the thing is, like you got to, I got to remember, I got to think to myself, like this director is David F. Sandberg. He did Lights Out, he did Annabelle Creation, he did uh, short films, Closet Space, Attic Panic, See You Soon, look them up. They're all fucking horror. Everything yeah, we saw, done. I mean, Marvel did a little bit of that, right, with, um, I'm blanking, but the uh, Doctor Strange director, right? Scott Derrickson. Yeah. So, but it, it, was, it wasn't as much of a type change, though. So, I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, even that dealt with the Doctor Strange occult stuff and wasn't, like, getting the horror director to do the light, big comedy superhero movie. Yeah, this is like fucking Paul Feig directing Saw 9. <laughs> right, I'm in. I would, I would watch that. You know, that's Me like too. complete opposite. A complete opposite of what we know from Paul Feig. You know, like so. I, man, I don't know, man. It's. I feel like part of me um, thinks that when he needs to. Part of me thinks no. When he needs to, this guy can go real dark with this shit if he wants to. Right. Mm, yeah. It could be an interesting element to add to this, right? Uh, having that ability to go dark yeah. and, and make some things more serious than they are, have been presented so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, let's uh, let's talk about the Shazam trailer. I, I want it dropped on Saturday, but before we break it down, I want to know what you guys thought about the Shazam trailer. So Neil, what did you think? I have no reference point for the character. I, I never really got into it as a as a comic reader. Um, so I, I 
I, I liked it. It was fun. I would give, definitely give it a high taste. It. I'm interested in seeing the movie. I didn't notice the weird muscle suit uh, on Zachary Levi. I, I thought it looked like a fun, fun movie, which is a nice change of pace for DC. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm interested in seeing the movie, definitely. Jake? Yeah, I'm also gonna high taste it. Uh, I thought it looked really cool. I, I also, the suit was a lot more bearable in motion and on the trailer. I thought seeing the lightning bolt lit up got me really excited and that looked like, you know, straight from kind of the like Alex Ross paintings a bit. And, um, yeah, it looked fun. Um, I don't know the, my, if I'm gonna nitpick about it, I thought the kid wasn't all, like, Zachary Levi as Shazam seemed more, like a thousand million times more charismatic than Billy Bastion as a kid. Just from the little we saw in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see like, uh, if that kid can match the level of wacky intensity that Zachary Levi gave us in this trailer. Right. Cause he seems like, seems like, yeah, it, like the shift seems weird. Like why would he act that way? I think that's I, Levi, I think be so mild mannered. I don't know though. No, I think yeah, I think a lot of what we saw from the kid in this trailer was like the stuff before you know, it's like here you are in your foster home. I don't want to be in a foster home. I've ran away from foster homes. I'm a fucking asshole. I'm a teenage kid with a lot of angst and f- fuck families <laughs> and fuck, you know, organization and uh, I don't need you. And then like all we saw, like, after he became Shazam was a lot of Shazam. It was just a lot of Zachary Levi just act. You know, I don't know if we... We're, we're probably going to get those conversations of, like, I'm Shazam now. Now I'm going to be a 14-year-old kid again. And uh, I'm still excited to be, like, the superhero whenever the fuck I want to be. Like, you know, he's still got to go to school and shit. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, it's like, I don't... That's my worry about this movie and this possible franchise moving forward is I haven't... I haven't seen the juice from the kid yet in you're this saying, trailer. You're saying this 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 no personality having kid is just gonna suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest worry. Alright, alright. Uh I personally am a huge sucker for uh movies like this. I'm a huge sucker for it. I'm it got me. This got me. I'm I'm a sucker. Like you I'm sucked in. I Tupperware. I loved it. I don't know if the movie's going to be great or not, but I'm a sucker for this fucking shit. I love. I love a story where you know, you know the the kid. I don't know. He just he turns into a fucking superhero. We get to see him. We get to see him on a fucking half pipe trying to fly. And uh, <laughs> I love. Oh yeah, it definitely looked fun. The, the montage of like. Uh, well, I'm, we're gonna break it. We're gonna break it down. But like the montage of like him recording like these tests of like uh super strength and flight and all this stuff just i'm i'm sucked in like i i you know this is like every kid's dream is to like you know one day wake up or be granted superpowers and like here we are they're just going to give us that fucking story and it just looked it just looked so fun and so you know i don't know if this movie's going to be any good or not i don't know i have no fucking clue but like I laughed. I thought it was cute. You know, I, I loved it. I can't wait to see it. My, I'm going to be in the theaters in April watching this, and I can't wait to break it down and talk about it. So 
I'm, I'm feels like it's gonna one way or the other, right, Brian? Like it's gonna be either really fucking great and hilarious, or it's just gonna be like this <laughs> giant crap pile bomb. I just feel like it's gonna be great. Like I don't, I honestly, I like if if I go in there and it's terrible, I will be one hundred percent let down. Like I will walk out, I will walk out of the theater, and I will have a look on my face like somebody drowned a puppy. Like that's <laughs> like oh, shit. Like you did when you walked out of Suicide Squad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I, because like right now I, I am through the roof with excitement for this movie. Like I, I feel like this movie should, should succeed in every way. And, 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 and another thing that I'm excited about is the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be involved in this franchise later on down the road as Black Adam. And it's like, oh my God, you give me this trailer that you just gave me that was so much fucking fun. And now you're saying that, the, the, the Rock is going to be in the next goddamn movie? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is a dream come fucking true. There was so much to love in this trailer. So much to love. It felt very... I, I, I'm i trying to think. I, it, it felt it, fresh. It felt fresh. It did not feel like anything. It, it felt like a fun comedy. There's a lot of comedy to be had here when you're dealing with a 14-year-old that can turn into a super, superhero. Like, the comedy kind of writes itself. It's not forced. It's like, it's built in. It's natural. It's organic. A 14-year-old turns into a superhero. Like, I hope that there's, like, I hope there's a dick joke. I hope, like, he looks at a super penis and he's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> I, I want those moments. That's funny. That's funny. And I want to see that kind of stuff play out in this movie. I am, I am, oh, my God. Like, if this movie fails, like, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's like listening. It's like drowning kittens. It's sad that this movie would fail because, like, this this movie is set up to – there's so much – like, if you can't make – if you're talented and Warner Brothers is spending hundreds of millions of dollars on this fucking movie, and if they can't make a movie work where a 14-year-old turns into a superhero, then what the fuck? Because this is built to succeed in my – like, this is made to just, like, work. God damn it! If, too bad, like we can't fucking like DH Tom Hanks and just have him do this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just make it the complete big superhero movie crossover. I'd be down. Think about, hey, hold on, real quick. I'm gonna jump back into this. I'm gonna break it down. But like de aging technology, they can't. They can de age somebody to like their 20s or 30s, right? But they, could they de age like Robert Downey Jr. to be like a like a 10 year old Robert Downey Jr. That's not possible, is it? They can't do that, can they? Well, if they have a picture of them at that age, then possibly. How, yeah, but like, how much? How many pictures do they have to have for reference? Like, you know, seriously. Like, how many pictures of ten-year-old Robert Downey Jr. are there out there? Right. I'm sure his mom has a whole bunch. Really? She. Might- <laughs> Do you know? Do you know the Downey family that well? I don't know. <laughs> it's like you act. You act like Mrs. Downey sat you down in their living room and said, "All right, I want." To, oh my God, you're gonna love these pictures of Robert. Oh my gosh, here he is in the fifth grade play, and oh my gosh, like here he is on Halloween. He's dressed as Iron Man, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, he he didn't learn how to ride a bike until he was twelve years old. Here he is, like crying because he like daddy wanted. Anyway, um, boxes but, of photos for but, sure. Yeah, he just seems like loads. somebody who had parents that took a lot of pictures of him. Hmm. Oh wow, in a dirty way. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, not in a dirty way. Like yeah, like like the like like the remove the piece of the floorboard way and find the pictures way. <laughs> Pull out the cabinets and stuff in the drywall. God. Wow, Neil, you took it you took it really dark there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jeez, I don't know if we're gonna invite you back on, but whatever. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh fuck. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this trailer. The trailer starts off with uh Billy Batson. He's talking to a woman uh and uh about how and she's talking about how he's been running from different foster homes and then he claims that he can take care of himself so then this woman tells him that his family wants to give him a chance uh, so she tells him that this family wants to give him a chance so he should give them a chance so she's trying to place him into a foster home here then we get Billy Batson being introduced to Freddie Freeman and he's a uh, a funny kid who just happens to be a disabled. He walks around with like these, these crutches and then he warns Billy not to buy the foster family being nice and that it gets real Game of Thrones around here. And then Freddie says, just kidding. Uh, you look at me and think, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You got it all. Um, so apparently like from this scene, we see that Freddie Freeman is really into superheroes. He's got a battering replica in his room. He's got articles of Superman cut out of the newspaper. And then he's talking to Billy and he asks him if he could have one superpower, what would it be? And then they, they talk to each other about the power of flight. And then, uh, Freddie believes that all superheroes should be able to fly. So then we see Freddie, this kid, this disabled kid getting bullied at school and then, you know, see him get knocked down and kicked. And then Billy Batson stops in to stop the bullies. Um, he then beats them with uh, Freddy's crutches. And then he starts to run away from the bullies. And then he gets chased. And he escapes into a subway. He's on the subway. And then uh, we see, like, the LED message. Like, these L- this scrolling LED sign, you know, that's giving people, like, you know, destinations and all this shit. But then it starts to turn into, like what looks like ancient symbols or some shit. Uh, and then we hear Jaiman Hansu's voice as the wizard, and he says, Billy Batson, I chose you as a champion. I, cho- I choose you as champion. And then the subway doors open, and then he enters, like, this dimly lit cavern, and we see the wizard. And in this scene, it looks like there's seven chairs in this room, and then the wizard is sitting in the center chair, and above him is the lightning bolt, the Shazam logo. And then the room itself seems to have like these pillars on the left hand side of the room. And then we see this, we see the wizard played by Jaman Hansu carrying this, this staff that's lit at the end. And it actually looks like Gandalf's staff in Lord of the Rings, the one that lights up, the one that he blows on and it fucking like glows and shit. I actually had that comparison thought too when I saw that for the first time. It totally looks <laughs> like that. And then he says, say my name so my powers may flow through you. Billy says, but I don't know your name, sir. And he says, Shazam. And Billy starts to laugh at his name and then says, are you for real? And then the wizard yells, say it. And so he says, Shazam? And then we get our first look at Zachary Levi as Shazam. He's wearing the white cape. And he looks at it, he, he kind of like looks down at his big, like, 
adult man hands and he's just kind of like in shock here and then the the lightning bolt logo is glowing on his chest and then we see Billy as Shazam show up to the foster house and startle Freddy saying that it's him Billy and then Billy says you're the only person I know that knows anything about this Cape Crusader stuff so Freddy wants to touch his lightning logo and when he does we see like electricity like run through Freddy's fingers from the logo and they both kind of start laughing they're excited and they just can't believe like this is happening and it looks like they're gonna have a lot of fun in this movie figuring out his powers and I I love that kind of stuff in movies I love it when it's not like the tortured hero like why did I get these powers (laughs) oh no I'm invulnerable to things (laughs) I like it when like cause if I got superhero fucking powers it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever the power may be. I don't know. The I don't know. If I had a power that made my fucking fingers glow, I'd be fucking thrilled. Like, holy shit, I'm the only guy that can make my goddamn <laughs> fingers glow. Like, nobody else could do that. Here I am fucking... It's like E.T. times fucking ten. I can do them all. Ugh. Fuck you, you dumpy-looking alien. I'm all my fingers glow. <laughs> so I'd be thrilled. I would be fucking thrilled if I could do anything. I would save a fucking ton of... Like, I wouldn't like... Like, if my fingers glowed and I woke up during the middle of the night, I wouldn't have to fucking stumble around looking for the light switch. I'd just be like, yeah, boom, bitch. And then I'd be like, I ain't tripping on shit tonight, motherfucker. Bam. I took a piss with ease, you know? Yes, easier pissing would be a great superhero power. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that should be your name is fucking pissies. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh yeah, man. So like I love it when super like when, when superheroes get their powers and they have fun. I love to see Peter Parker when he you know, when he finds out that like, you know, he can fucking uh, you know, has these powers of the, of, of the spider and then he, he makes his web makers or if he's got organic webs, whatever the case may be, when he's swinging around and he's doing all this fucking spider bullshit, that's fun and he's having fun doing it. Like I can't imagine like Peter Parker swinging around with his head down like, yeah, it sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, we read a lot of that, so it's pretty easy to imagine actually. Uh, Spider Man 3 too. I hate this, and by the third movie, we're going to have Topher Grace in this. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. I, I love an excited superhero. I, I love a superhero that loves to, to to show off his powers and have fun with his powers. It doesn't feel like, I you know, I don't know. I've been cursed with uh, these super abilities uh, that that people would beg for that aren't me. Yeah, rather than seeing it as a burden, you see yeah. it as, as something that you get get to use. Exactly, exactly. So uh, then in the trailer, Freddy starts to record and document Billy's new superpowers. They do a strength test, and we see Shazam punch through a concrete pillar, and he just destroys like a huge chunk of it. And it's really cool. It's really fun. So they, they know he's got super strength, and now they want to do these flight tests. We see Shazam try to fly off a half pipe. He goes straight up. <laughs> He hovers for maybe a split second and then falls straight down. And it's fun. It's fun. It was super fun. And so then we get shots of a, we get a bunch of multiple shots. We get a shot of a truck dropping out of the sky and then Freddy telling these guys who are probably, I think the, the bullies, 
you know, and he says, I don't think that's going to buff out. Uh, <laughs> then we get Shazam walking around in the suit with Freddie and he's using his lightning bolt powers and he's charging up random people's cell phones and just saying, <laughs> your phone's charged, your phone's charged, your phone's charged. <laughs> and then he ch- charges up one a little bit too much and it sparks and then flies out of the guy's hand. And then uh, we see Shazam facing off against the villain, Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. Uh, and he says, you're like a bad guy, right? And then he goes to punch him, and his punch is caught by the villain. So in the trailer, we see Savannah. He has one glowing blue eye, and that eye allows him to see magic. So in the comics, Savannah gets the glowing eye and his scar while he breaks out Black Adam out of the tomb where he's been locked away. So he's granted his powers from Black Adam when he opens this tomb. So, like, I don't know how he's going to get his powers in this, if that's explained. Maybe we get a post credit scene of something happening to him in the past um, or something somewhere in the movie. We get a scene maybe at the beginning of the movie of him setting Black Adam free. We won't see Dwayne Johnson as far as I know in the movie, but... Who knows? We could get a scene of this guy getting his powers and then kind of like we can put two and two together and be like, oh, shit, that's him setting Black Adam free. We just don't see him in that scene. Mm. Yeah, I, I, and I'm fine with that. I, I think that would be a distraction, right, to have Black Adam in here in the first movie. There's so much other stuff going on. The only the, the reason they wanted to get him in there for something, but Dwayne Johnson's schedule is just so insane. That's the biggest reason i'm hearing that they can't get him in here but you could always think that they could do some kind of like uh reshoot or something like that to get him in there real quick but i think they want to wait on it and see how this movie does so do a post-credit scene (laughs) (laughs) yeah they could be lying about him not being there and there is always that post-credit scene moment yeah we'll see um there's been rumors that black adam for some reason is going to show up in suicide squad 2 so i don't know (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I remember hearing that, too. That's crazy. Uh, we get a quick shot of 14-year-old Billy walking around what looks kind of like a like a Christmas-themed village. He yells, Shazam! And then he gets struck by a bolt of lightning, and then, bam, he is fucking, like, you know, 42-year-old uh, fucking Zachary Levi dick-swinging Shazam! Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, the, Chuck himself. Chuck... Oh. Yes. The next shot of him is in a convenience store while it's being held up. Um, the criminals shoot at him. The bullets fall once they hit him. They uh, and they, they 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 his chest stops the bullets and they fall and hit the floor. Freddie yells, "You have bullet immunity!" Billy screams, "I'm bulletproof!" And then he looks at the criminals and says, "You're dead!" And then tosses the criminals out of the window. He then, I loved this. I loved it. He apologizes for the damage on the way out. <laughs> and then the, some girls pass them and he says, Oh, hey, what's up? I'm a superhero. And I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. This, it looks fun. It looks charming. Zachary Levi really sold me here in this trailer. And for so, sure. um, you know, and, and, and one of the things that I'm hearing about is like they, they interviewed, no, excuse me, they uh, auditioned over 70 actors for this role. And um, basically, like, they were talking about how they had hired a bunch of, like, you know, child actors for this film, you know, like, to play kids in school, to play Freddy, to play young Billy. And they said the biggest kid on set was Zachary Levi himself. 
So like that sold me. And, you know, I can't wait for this. I cannot wait for this. This just looks like a ton of fun. I hope to go in there. I hope to laugh. I hope to have some emotional moments by the time I leave the movie. And I just can't wait. I hope to fall in love with these characters. I hope... I hope we, I hope the DCEU gives us something great here because uh, they've got my hopes up. Yeah, these next couple of movies, I mean, Wonder Woman and Shazam, and, you know, we'll see what we think about Aquaman. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely looking a little bit better than it had been. Brighter color palette, even by itself, is a huge step for DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, and after you watch this trailer... Go and watch, like, Annabelle Creation. Go watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously. Like, you're telling me that this is coming from the a guy that's basically primarily horror? Like, wow. Like, I think this movie's a palate cleanser for this fucking guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got to be. Maybe it is just fun. Like, maybe he does need to do it. Like, you know, I know Snyder said stuff like that. Like, every now and again, he needs to just kind of get it out of his system and write a lighter sure. thing. Yeah. Maybe he's bipolar, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he did two movies at once, right? He also did a horror movie at the same yeah. time, just depending on what movie, mood he was in at the moment. He woke <laughs> up and he's like, fuck, feeling good. Shazam, let's do this. <laughs> and I don't know, man. It's crazy. I, I do feel... Yeah, we can't just I don't think like we can just say like well this director since they primarily do horror like they have to stick with that cuz I I if you told me that this was a a horror director that directed like that directed any of these scenes in this that I saw in this trailer I'd be like what the fuck are you talking about? That's crazy. It's crazy cuz this seems like yeah. so fun and light and bubblegum and all that shit. So I agree with what Neil was saying earlier, though, man. If you catch him with that, like, fun bubble gum and, and it works and you're having fun with it and then you pull the switch, it's going to be even that much more dramatic, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was actually trying to say that as well. Like, you, you, maybe that's why they got this guy is because, like, it, they can turn it real dark at any moment, especially when you are going to hopefully introduce into the next film, if it gets greenlit, Black Adam. That's where they could take it real dark. Yeah. yeah, lay those seeds in this one, and then have it really turn in the next one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the Aquaman trailer, but first we got to take a break before we dive into Aquaman. Ah, you like my pun? Dive into Aquaman. <laughs> Whoa! I know. I've been <laughs> I've been thinking about that all week. I was like, how, oh, how are man. we going to do the transition into Aquaman? Maybe I should say we should plunge into Aquaman. Maybe we should say we dive. In. I, I I settled on dive. I settled on dive. <laughs> I was because you're such a big Greg Luganis fan. You had to go with that. Jake, you totally. I was totally going to go there with Greg Luganis. Totally, I'm not kidding you. Get out of here. I am not kidding you. I was totally going to say they should have cast Greg Luganis as Aquaman. <laughs> well, think about it. Think about it. Jake. What's the only name we know in fucking diving? Right. In diving. I don't even know another name. Yeah. Greg, I can't even Google fast enough to pretend I do. No, if somebody talks about diving, the only dive we're going to talk about, the only diver that I know is Greg Luganis. He's the world's most famous diver, you know? No, okay, what do I know about him? Oh, he had, a, he had his head on the diving board, and he's gay. We know that, right? That's all I know about this guy, really, right? He was an Olympic mm-hmm. dude. He was an Olympic dude. 
So it's like, yeah, Brian. Hey, Brian, could you could you write the Greg Luganis story? Yeah, he had his he hit his head on a diving board. He was gay and he was an Olympic dude. My my, my Greg Luganis movie would suck, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I'm not digging this. Try toss this trailer. <laughs> oh man. I would just, oh man, I would, I would do the man no justice at all. His family would be so upset at you. Yeah. It's like basically like my movie would be him like showing up to the Olympics. He would hit his head on the diving board and go, ow, and then go to his boyfriend and say, man, that really hurt. <laughs> and that would be my Greg Luganus movie with all the knowledge that I have about Greg Luganus. <laughs> no post credit scene. Zero post credit scene. You barely get a credits at all. <laughs> let's uh let's I wanna take a quick break before we jump into Aquaman. We're gonna we're gonna dive into Aquaman. Dive into Aquaman. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take that Do the triple lutz into Aquaman. <laughs> We're gonna take that. We're gonna take the plunge and knock, oh man! And we'll be right back. All right, hey, we are back. <laughs> hey, we're back. Um, yeah, we got our first look at the uh, Aquaman trailer, and uh, I don't know. I got a ton of news about this that I wanted to go over. Um, I wanted to. Let everybody know that it was revealed that Aquaman's pants are denim. They're not leather. <laughs> it's a big thing. Big thing this week. <laughs> so that's why they can get wet and still look so shiny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't know the effects of uh, water once they hit denim and, uh, you know, 4K quality pictures. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's, uh, before we jump into this anymore, I wanted us to go ahead and rate the actual trailer. What did you guys think of it? Uh, Neil, what did you think about Aquaman? I'll give it a taste it. Um, I thought it looked fun. I thought it looked brightly colored, which was nice. And I, I, I remember reading something about um, the whole underwater water thing. <laughs> with with the beating and, 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 and a little little redundant there. The whole yeah, underwater I mean, water thing. Yeah. A real underwater Nick, water Nick, water Nick, Nick Tyson moment there. <laughs> I, I would love to see uh, just like a movie of like Arthur Curry being like a lifeguard at like a uh like a wet and wild kind of like amusement kind of like water park or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> or just, just I just want to see videos of Jason Momoa going down a slip and slide. <laughs> just like, just ridiculous no, water, water sports. Yeah. <laughs> but playing, play, play, I want to see. I want to see Arthur Curry playing like Marco Polo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for like ninety minutes, right? Marco, and, and then Mira going Polo. Marco Polo. Yeah, that, that'd be an incredible. And then Greg Luganis comes in, hits his head on the diving board. And that's, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. You got you to gotta see that movie in full surround sound or you're doing yourself a real disservice. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Mira, she moves around in that water. So you're going to hear it on the left speaker, the right speaker. It's insane. 
So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, t- t- you give it a taste. It. What else? What were your other thoughts? Oh, it, just, it, just, it looks it looks like it could be fun. Um, again, it's a, another character I don't have much familiarity with, so I don't really have any expectations going forward into it. But yeah, it looks like a, it could be a fun movie. Jake, down. Jake, what do you think? Man, my expectations for this couldn't have been lower. I mean, you know. I, not that I hated Aquaman in Justice League. He was actually one of the more enjoyable things in the movie. But I was kind of blown away by this trailer. I'm, I'm going to give it a Tupperware, man. I <laughs> I really liked it a lot, man. I, I love fucking movies underwater. I love The Abyss. I love Titanic. I love dumbass fucking water world, man. This looked this look fucking cool. I, I don't know. I got super excited for this. I Especially the second half of the trailer when we saw so much of the underwater stuff and just how bright and vivid everything looked. And man, I really liked like the Star Trek looking battles, the you know the Game of Thrones trial by justice type of stuff going on in the second half of the trailer too. I man, I was blown away by this. I I would have expected to like the Shazam trailer more than this, but I really came away fucking fist pumping at the end of this trailer. I'm super I'm super excited for Aquaman now. <laughs> Jake is gonna show up to the movie like. Wearing denim and 100% wet. You were just going to like, <laughs> the, I, I love to think of you in the theater, just like <laughs> pouring, <laughs> pouring water on your head as you're watching the movie. Oh yeah, dude, it's going to be good. Jake is going to be like having like, what, like a goldfish in a little baggie that, you know, like, <laughs> like he, like he just left Petco and shit. And I'm going to have like a seahorse on a stick that I'm going to ride around on. <laughs> <laughs> wearing yes. a wearing a Snorks t shirt. Uh yeah, I uh I had a lot of fun with this. I really I, I can't lie. And I actually had more fun kind of like doing research and breaking it down. I am uh, I'm gonna give it a Tupperware too. I it, my excitement nice. level is through the roof. I it it looked like a lot of fun. There were some sketchy CGI scenes, but you know <sighs> I, it looks fun. I got, I can't lie. It looks fun. I am excited. I, I hope it's great. James Wan looks like he's really, it doesn't look like James Wan though. It doesn't. It doesn't look like James Wan. It, parts of this kind of like look like, um, the underwater battle that we see later at the end of the, the trailer kind of just, it reminded me of like Lord of the Rings. The battle between him and Orm reminded me of Black Panther and, um, it has me excited. So I want to, I want to break down this trailer. Uh, we see Arthur Curry's human father, uh, Tom Curry, played by, uh, Tamura Morrison. He's going to be a lighthouse keeper and he falls in love with the runaway Atlantean queen Atlanta, played by Nicole Kidman. After she washes up on the shore of the beach, she's badly injured and he has to take care of her and then he nurses her back to health. Now, Apparently she's taken away. They live together. They fall in love and they have a child. And she's taken away by the Atlanteans who view her staying with Tom as a betrayal. So when she's taken back to Atlantis, it's believed that she's executed. So I'm sure that that's going to be playing a huge part of the story. And it's, it's not going to help how... Arthur views Atlantis and the Atlanteans if he believes that they've killed his mother. Yeah, that that would explain why he'd be so reluctant to even want to go back there in the first place. Exactly. Um, we got 
Arthur Curry, Aquaman, he does the narration here about his uh, father being the lighthouse keeper and his mother's a queen. And uh, we see his mother holding a baby Arthur and saying that he can, he could unite their worlds one day. Uh, we are going to learn in this movie that Atlanta is from a world that was once part of the surface until it dropped into the sea, splitting it into seven parts, each becoming a different kingdom. So we've got all seven kingdoms are going to be represented uh, represented in the film. Atlantis, the trench, Zebel, uh, which is where Mira and her father, King Nereus, is from. He's going to be an enemy of Aquaman. And that, he's played by Dolph Lundgren. And um, also we're going to get, uh, as far as the Seven uh, Kingdoms are concerned, the Brine, the Fisherman Kingdom, and the Missing. So we we got to look at the Brine in the Comic-Con magazine that features Aquaman. There were toys of the Brine uh, who are crustacean. They're a crustacean race. And um, I think the toy that we saw in the magazine, and I showed you guys the picture, I think the toy that we saw is the Brine King. And he, he looks like a crab man that walks on two legs. Not like, you know, Krusty Crab from Spongebob. <laughs> but, uh, um, oh my God, my favorite episode of Spongebob is the Krusty Crab pizza episode. I love it. You, you ever seen that one? Is that where they go out of Krusty Krab goes out of business? It's Krusty Krab and somebody orders a pizza. They don't they make burgers. They don't make pizza. So Krusty Krab makes a pizza and SpongeBob's has gotta go he's gotta go deliver it and he's singing a song. The Krusty Krab pizza, it's the pizza. And it's hilarious. And then <laughs> he's singing it, he's so happy and he's singing the song and he can't find the house and he's walking around and then the song just becomes sad and he's just singing The Krusty Krab pizza. It's a pizza by the end. <laughs> anyway, I'm not even talking about Aquaman at this point. It's ridiculous. But we get um, the in the toys, you see kind of like the size comparison with Aquaman and uh, the Brine King. And it looks like this race of crabs are just going to be huge and kind of like tower over Atlanteans. They just look gigantic. So we don't know if the Brine are going to be siding in this underwater battle. We don't know if they're going to side with King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson, or if they're going to side with the Atlant uh, with the Atlanteans. Um, Screen Rant, during their set visit, it was revealed that the scene in which Orm leads an attack on the Fisherman Kingdom is called the Battle of the Brine. So this suggests that the scene could see Orm and the Brine King leading the Brine against the Fisherman Kingdom, with the giant crustaceans acting more or less as Orm's personal army, then again, the Brine could simply be another kingdom with their own agenda, one that might align them with Orm, but doesn't necessarily make them subservient to him. Um, from the looks of the action figure and the close-up on the Comic-Con magazine cover, the Brine King looks like a tough guy and who won't be uh, easy to push around. But I wanted to point this out. I noticed this. At the end of the trailer, we see one of Orm's uh, we see the huge tylosaur, which looks like the crocodile or the alligator or whatever. And that tylosaur, Orm's tylosaur, bites into a brine warrior. So if they were with Orm at one time, if they were siding with Orm at one time, it looks like they switch sides by the end of the, by, by this point in the film that we're seeing the scene. 
I need to watch the trailer a couple more times. Those last few scenes were just like giant battles, and it was hard to even like encompass everything I was seeing. Yeah, um, yeah, I got lost a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched it multiple, multiple times, and I watched many scenes over and over and over again. But uh, we uh, find out Arthur is raised on the surface world with the humans. In the trailer, we see him as a small child. And he's at the Boston Aquarium where he learns his uh, powerful link to the undersea life. And in the trailer, we see kids that are picking on him. They're bullying him at the aquarium. They're saying, look, Arthur can talk to the fish. And then they push him, physically push him up against the aquarium glass. And we see that this upsets the sharks and the other sea life. And the sharks actually attack the glass, slam into it and break it. And they're basically telling the kids that you better fucking stop or this is going to get worse. And um, <laughs> this may have been the only cheesy part in the trailer for me. Right. A little bit of Harry Potter here with well, the yeah. same kid with the snake. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know this. It worked. It worked for me. He's a he's a fish king. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. I don't know. It's a little bit needless for me. There's so much to tell with what's going on with everything else that this seemed like a little bit of, I don't know. After this happens, after the scene happens, we hear uh, adult Arthur say, they made me what I am. So you could you could think to yourself, oh, okay, we just saw him got bullied by these kids. They made him what he is. I'm thinking it's the fact that the Atlanteans killed his mother. They made him what he is. And he's he's a man torn between two worlds. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, you guys sound like you just a totally. <laughs> yeah. I tasted it. I mean, it, you know. No, I, I'm still breaking this down. I'm just saying, like this one scene. I, I said it, and Jake's like, I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brian, whatever you say, buddy. I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. I just didn't get, I mean, I didn't get invested that much emotional read in the scene as, as you laid down there. No, it's just the scene, it's, they show these young boys throwing him up against the wall. And then we see adult, we hear adult Arthur, Arthur say, they made me what I am. It's easy to think to yourself like, oh, okay, these bullies and, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of thought to myself, like, if his mother was indeed killed by the Atlanteans, well, he's he might be talking about like why he doesn't want to return to Atlantis and why he doesn't want to you know claim the throne. Okay, I got sense. you. Why would I want to lead the same people that fucking killed my mother? Uh, I got yeah, you. And, yeah, and I agreed with that earlier when you were talking about that. That's exactly why I wouldn't want to go back in the first place. Uh, we get a scene of a fully grown Aquaman here, and he takes on undersea pirates who have hijacked a Russian submarine. Uh, of those pirates is a mercenary who we find out becomes Black Manta, played by uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen. Uh, he's an actor from uh, Netflix's The Get Down. Um, Arthur, when he's on the submarine, just he picks these guys up. He slams one to the roof of the submarine, and he takes these guys out pretty easily. Uh, we then get a scene played by uh, Amber Heard. She's playing Mira. Uh, she's the princess of uh, Zebel. Uh, which is one of the seven underwater kingdoms of Atlantis. 
Mira tells Curry in a scene that it looks like it's it's kind of like taking place. The setting here is a it's a dock off of the sea. She tells him that he's the rightful heir to the throne of Atlantis, and that she wants him to challenge his half brother, King Orm, played by Patrick Wilson for the throne. And then we get some cool shots of ocean waves that are controlled by Orm as Ocean Master. Uh, we're seeing in these scenes ships being turned over by waves. Uh, some really awesome shots here. Some really cool mm-hmm. shots. We see uh, this tsunami that uh, Ocean Master sends to Amnesty Bay, which is, we're going to find out that this tsunami is the reason that Arthur changes his mind to go to Atlantis and fight Orm for the throne because this tsunami that he sends almost kills Arthur himself and his father. So that's, like, the big reason here is, like, Orm is doing a lot of things to... He knows about Arthur, and he's doing a lot of things to stop Arthur and kill Arthur. And so this gets his attention and says, fuck this, I'm going to go down there and try to claim my my rightful throne to Atlantis. Um, yeah. Orm is kind of like the uh, Loki or the Maximus of the story, right? Like just a fucking Henri fuck just trying to do whatever he can do to get power in the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got the power now. He, he just knows that uh, the only thing that's keeping him from keeping that power is is Arthur. Arthur does have a claim to the throne, which reminds me a lot of Black Panther with Killmonger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Even like Scar from the Lion King, it's like the lure him there tactic so you yeah. can beat him and embarrass him and just have him out of the way. Uh, King Orm wants to start a war with the surface world, and his reason for doing that is he, you know, we've been polluting the oceans, we've been killing the coral reefs, we've been acidifying the oceans. And to be quite honest with you, like, that's their home. So, like, this is not a bad reason for him to want to start a war with us and to stop us. Like it's their home, you know? Yeah. We're terrible. I don't, I, they should completely take us over. I'm saying, no, as far as like, no, I agree. I'm not being, I'm being sincere. Yeah. Like (laughs) the surface dwellers, like earth, earth, you know, earth people, the surface dwellers, like we're destroying their home. So, um, Arthur says that, you know, I am no King. And then we get a shot of Mira telling Arthur, you do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. And then we see uh, more of Atlantis in this trailer. Like, we didn't get a lot of Atlantis in the Justice League. And what we did get does not even compare to what we saw in this trailer. We're getting a little of, uh, in this trailer, we're getting a little bit of Arthur's trip for the first time to his mother's world. And he's loving it. We, You know, Mira welcomes him home. And then he says, this is badass, you know. So like, <laughs> the way they cut that I thought was really cool because they're like, the first time I watched it, it's like this zoom into the water shot. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's real slow, and it's slow enough for my brain to go, okay, what's this garbage going to look like? And then when you <laughs> and then when you popped through, I was like, wow, all right, there we go. That looks very nice. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed. So it was a cool effect. Uh, we're taken to Atlantis. The the Atlanteans in this movie, they can control sea life, and, then, and some have different powers. Mira has the power of hydrokinesis where she can manipulate water. Um, and then we get scenes from uh, Arthur battling Orm in the gladiatorial underwater arena. 
Uh, Orm has been training as an undersea warrior all of his life. And, um, Orm basically, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a lot like Killmonger from Black Panther. You know, Orm has been training all of his life. Just like Killmonger trained all his life to, to, to stop Black Panther, to, you know, to take out T'Challa. And so Orm is going to be a very formidable opponent here for Arthur. And then Arthur talks about the upcoming fight and he says that he calls it, uh, an ass whooping is what he says. So, um, then we see some of the fight. It looks really good. Um, Aquaman's so great with words. I know he's, he's, he's a, he's a wordsmith. Uh, <laughs> eloquent motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, uh, that's what, when, when, uh, Jodie Foster was in contact and she said they should have sent a poet, she was talking about Jason Momoa as Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Um, we see some of this fight, then we see the Atlanteans like get all quiet. And then all of a sudden, they just start cheering. So, like, they saw something that they really liked. Oh, I loved that shot. The sound effect in that shot was really great, too. It, it was really good. Um, the duel itself that's happening here, the fight, the duel is taking place on um, some sort of, like, volcanic collapse pit. And uh, some of the outlets are reporting that uh, it's part of the mid-oceanic ridge. So, like, they're underwater, but... There's hot lava flowing underwater. So the temperature of the water is going to be like dangerously high, but like these are basically like Atlantean gods and they're going to be able to be able to withstand this temperature. I think, I think we're going to get some really cool visuals here. Like if you watch that scene, you can see kind of like an orange glow in, in those scenes. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. This movie though, it's gonna have its work cut out for it in this gladiatorial battle because we saw Thor Ragnarok last year come out in November. And I mean, we saw like Thor fight Hulk. So it's like, how are you going to top that with Aquaman fighting King Orm? Like, it's gonna, it's a, it's a tough bar that fucking Thor Ragnarok set for them to try to live up to. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't know. This it'll be crazy if I end up liking this movie more than Thor Ragnarok. That's I love that movie. Oh, it's great. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, we get a shot of Aquaman, and he's uh, he's shooting up. He's like underwater. He's shooting up through the water, and then he pushes a submarine all the way back up to the surface. And then we get uh, voiceover of him saying, "I'm no leader. I came because I had no choice. I came to save my home and the people that I love." He's talking about the surface world. He's talking about the surface world. He came there to save the people from the surface world because he saw what Orm was doing, creating these tsunamis and uh, trying to kill people at Amnesty Bay. And he's worried about that. So um, Mira says, you think you're unworthy to lead because you're of two different worlds. But that is exactly why you are worthy. That got me. I thought that that was fucking just an awesome line. And I think like, we're gonna get. We're definitely gonna get the romance between Aquaman and Mira here, and I, I hope that that turns into something. Because like we saw Ant Man and the Wasp this year, and I like that dynamic. And I hope like, you know, I hope like the second Aquaman movie comes out and it's Aquaman and Mira. I hope it's an Aquaman and Mira team up film. I think that would be fantastic. 
Yeah, that would be good. I, man, I really think this movie is going to do big fucking business, man. It's going to be right there in Christmas with no Star Wars movie. It looks gorgeous. Ah, it's got to go up against the Mortal Engines, the Peter Jackson <laughs> movie. Yeah, Mary Poppins is in there, too. And uh, Bumblebee. It's also the yeah. only DC movie this year, right? It is the only DC movie this year. They're going to have three next year, but, uh, yeah, it's the only DC movie this year. It's oh, a really crammed Christmas kind of then. Jeez. Uh, let's see here. We're also we're getting some some multiple shots going on here in in this in this part of the trailer. We're getting a lot of shots. We get one shot of Willem Dafoe, who's going to be playing Volko in the film. We see him throwing the Quindent, that spear with the five tips. We see him sh- throwing that underwater, and I've watched this shot over and over again. And that's definitely Willem Dafoe as Volko throwing that. At first, when I saw it, I was like, "Is that is that Orm?" It's not. It's it's Volko, and um, it's the same Quindent that Arthur had in the Justice League. So there has to be some connection between Arthur and Volko earlier in his life. So maybe maybe Arthur, as a teenager, met Volko. Volko is the scientific advisor of Atlantis. He in the comics he was he was cast out of Atlantis and then comes to and then I'm guessing maybe he comes to Arthur and he trains him to defeat Orm. Um there's a scene in this trailer we see two people it's a far away shot, overhead shot, and we see two people on a beach together. And I'm guessing that that's Volko and Arthur. I'm guessing it's Volko training Aquaman in battle. And Orm, from the comics, killed Volko's mother. So that would be his motivation to train Arthur if that's part of the movie universe, if James Wan is pulling that from the comics. So basically, you know, Orm kills Volko's mother, has her sentenced, has her killed, and then sends Volko, casts him out of Atlantis. Volko knows that Arthur should be able to challenge the throne because they've got this evil dictator that's willing to do anything to protect their people and even kill Atlanteans. And so he wants to, he wants to make trips to the surface world to to train Arthur. He's like Arthur's like Whistler, right? Yeah. To Blade, yeah. basically. Yeah, he's his Miyagi to Danielson. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, uh, this same shot, once once we see the Quindet being thrown by Defoe, it switches to a different scene altogether, and it shows Arthur as a teenager on the beach, and he catches the Quindet, and he's got the Quindet, like, the blade's, like, facing his, right, right at his face, and he catches it. And so we're, we're going to get to see how, like, how Arthur gets the Quindent, the same Quindent that he uses in the Justice League. It looks like we're going to see how he gets that. Because, like, when he shows up in Justice League, it's just like he's not the king of the fucking – he's not the king of Atlantis. He just kind of, like, shows up with a Quindent and, like, hell yeah, motherfucker, and all this shit, you know? So – does this take place after Justice League? I believe it does. I, I think it does. Jake, do you, do you know? Um, 
Yeah, I believe it does as well. Like, the Justice League has him, like, he still hasn't gone back to Atlantis, right? It's yeah. kind of that feeling. The thing is, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm basing this on the Quindent, because part of this movie is, like, the they're actually going after Aquaman's trident. And I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. But, like, we don't see Aquaman with his proper trident. We don't see him with his Aquaman suit in the Justice League. So, like, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that this happens. Well, shit. He has a talk with Mira in the Justice League right. underwater. I don't fucking know, Neil. I have no fucking clue. Hmm. Maybe it's happening like side on the side of this where it's taking place before and during and after. Ah, oh, fuck. I don't know. I that's one thing I should have looked into a little bit more before I started talking about this. That's a good question. It's just it's one of those things like shit. Don't know, guys. I don't know. Tweet me. Let me let me fucking know. I have no fucking clue. Tweet me. PC leftovers. Let me know. Yeah, maybe they'll just fucking not even make Justice League canon and pretend like they don't care. Oh, it's canon. <laughs> it is canon, buddy. Sorry. Um, Damn it. <laughs> we uh, we get a cool shot here of the Fisherman King played by uh, Jaime Hansu. He's the leader of uh, one of the Seven Kingdoms. His people are a race that is mostly artistic and cerebral, so they're kind of like an evolved race of fish people. So, um, and then we keep hearing like unite the seven. You know, we got that in like the Justice League marketing, and um, I I'm guessing that it has to do with uh, you know unite the seven. We everybody was thinking like, oh, it's the Justice League characters, and like the seventh is like Green Lantern, but. I'm thinking it's just like the seven kingdoms. Unite the seven kingdoms, and in order for Arthur to stop the battle with the surface and, and you know create peace underwater, he has to unite the seven kingdoms, and that's what it has to do with here. That's exactly what it is. I won't even argue or dispute it. I thought the same thing when he said it. Aquaman is going to go on a journey to to the surface world in hopes to find the Trident of Neptune which is an ancient Atlantis relic that can grant its bearer the power to rule the underwater world. This is not the same Quindent that Aquaman had in, Ju in the Justice League movie. Um, we're going to learn that a few of the different kingdoms of Atlantis have evolved, like the Fisherman King's people who are intelligent, while others like the Trench have devolved. The Trench are ferocious cannibals that are only scared of light. So like the zombies, zombie vampires of the fucking underwater world. You're um, kind of a relatively new addition to the DC universe, right? Yeah, I know that Jeff Johns introduced some of these, but I don't think he introduced all of them. And we're gonna yeah, I remember they came around like around the New 52, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we get some uh, awesome shots here of Black Manta in the trailer. The suit, mm -hmm. it, it looks amazing. It looks comic book accurate, and I loved it. And uh, for all the people that were, well, for all the studio executives that were probably thinking that this suit couldn't be pulled off, they fucking pulled it off. It fucking looked amazing. Yeah, power looked cool too. Shooting his ray and like mm -hmm. smacking that building was really awesome. Fucking looking. The uh, we see. Oh, uh, Black Manta has an unknown grudge against Aquaman and uh, uses his high-tech equipment 
um, which is the helmet that shoots the plasma beams from its eyes. He uses that to attack Aquaman in the trailer. Uh, it's believed that Arthur may have killed his father. So Orm, King Orm, hires Black Manta to hunt down Aquaman. And um, we know that the uh, the actor that's playing Black Manta has been signed on for multiple movies. So he'll probably not die in this film. He'll probably be set up as a future main villain for Aquaman down the line. I thought that that's cool. That is cool because I was hoping it wasn't just going to be one of those shoved in things like, you know, like Black Manta a la um, Doomsday. It's just a shoved in final battle guy, yeah. you know. Uh, we get really cool shots of Atlantean warriors riding great white sharks uh, while the warriors for the undersea kingdom of Zebel ride sea dragons. And then the trailer also shows us what it looks like. Basically, like we see like an undersea civil war here between the different nations of the seven. So um, the creatures include Orm's huge alligator-like Tylosaur, and uh, we see that bite into one of the brine, it looks like, one of these crustacean creatures, the brine. So it makes me think that like if the brine was sided with Orm at one time, they flip sides by this point in the film. Like, like that's clearly happened. So... I think, like, we'll see, like, King Orm, you know, with, like, his troops. Then, of course, like, the Trench are probably sided with him because they're, like, dark, evil characters and stuff like that. So, and then, you know, probably looking at, like, the Fisherman King and his men and his troops probably are sided with Aquaman. They're more intelligent and cerebral and stuff like that. So, we'll see. I I don't know. I, I was really excited by all of this i i think uh there's a lot of stuff here to be excited about so yeah i loved it too and momoa proved to be just charismatic enough to like carry along what's going on in this kind of stuff in justice league i thought he was like one of the few bright spots of the movie yeah he was the only one of the only characters i actually liked in that movie well uh, fans at San Diego Comic-Con were treated to more Aquaman footage, and ComicBook.com released details of that footage. I'm going to go ahead and read that to you here. The lighthouse shown in Snow Globe. Um, my parents were from different worlds, and I was the product of love of a love that should have never been. It shows Atlanta leaving Arthur and his dad, diving into the water. Arthur heads toward the submarine. You are the bridge between land and sea. Take your rightful place as king. The DC logo then showed. We see a plane flying over the desert. We're getting close now, Mira tells Arthur. They find a cave underneath the sand. This is vast. It's real, Mira says. She puts an ancient key into the device, and it doesn't move. Of course it's not working. Before the Sahara was, before the Sahara was a desert... You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all, Mira tells Arthur. She draws water from his forehead to activate it. She has that hydrokinesis power, so she actually pulls water out of his forehead. So they need water to activate this device. Um, it springs to life, turning the gears. Arthur says, show off. We could have just peed on it. <laughs> and... Uh, in this trident resides the power of Atlantis. There's a hologram of, of of King holding it. If you seek my power, journey to the edge of the world and the hidden sea. In the wrong hands, it would bring destruction. 
but in the right hands it would unite all lord kingdoms above and below. When Mira asks Arthur what the king said, he says, something, something, trident. I don't know. <laughs> something, something, trident. <laughs> the something, oh something God. stands for the more than three spikes at the end of the trident. <laughs> Orm says the beast has awakened for Atlantis to uh, to rise again. Explosion, and then Black Manta shows up in front of Mira and Arthur. Manta fires his blast and knocks Arthur back. Another Manta agent crushes through a wall to get Mira. Mira dodges and leaps to another building, dodging blasts all along the way. Manta fires again at Arthur. Mira runs and leaps to another rooftop with Manta's agent right behind. They fall down, and Arthur says, that was awesome. He sounds like a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, Aquaman, that is? Yeah. Man, this, uh, Atlantis is badass. I'm going to pee on something, 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 tried it, and that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Give me some of this. Give me some of this Atlantis. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I hold on. Here's the thing. I guess I'll take this over just gritty. Adrian Brody. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> I don't know. I I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance. I'm gonna give it a chance. I did love I did love the trailer. I had a lot of fun with it. Um the trailer shows Orm fighting for the throne. Atlanta is also fighting in a house against other agents. Arthur shown fighting the trench. Volko shown massive battle. What can be greater than a king? Shows Arthur in his orange and green armor with the trident straight from the comics. So the, basically, that's kind of like what we got. The, what they got in the extended footage there at San Diego Comic Con. Um, Joe Blow had a uh, set visit, and they had a fucking ton of shit here that they talked about. I'm not going to get in everything, but they said that this uh, version draws heavily from Jeff Johns' new 52 run of the comic, and that uh, the vibe of the film is set to be an epic adventure film in the vein of Raiders of the Lost Ark mixed with Romancing the Stone, and that two-thirds of the movie is going to take place underwater. Um Juan credits Zack Snyder for casting Momoa as Aquaman, blah, blah, blah. That's uh, nice. Black Man's origin story will be just like the comics where he ultimately becomes Aquaman's arch nemesis. Um, yeah, I went over a lot of this in my breakdown. But, um, yeah, Aquaman feels... Aquaman grows up feeling like his mom abandoned him and becomes an angry drifter growing up in Amnesty Bay. Maine with his father. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, that is interesting. Can you say that again? What's yeah. Uh, the last thing that I said? Um, yeah, he grew up in Maine? Uh, yeah, Amnesty Bay, Amnesty Bay, Maine. And uh, he feels like his mom abandoned him, and he becomes an angry drifter. So do we... We don't... I guess we don't know if Nicole Kidman as Atlanta has been killed. Maybe... Maybe the Atlanteans showed up and took her. Maybe they didn't kill her. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah, maybe it had something to do with her dad. His dad just keeping him away. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... I'm looking forward to it. It looks good. Yeah, it looks fucking great. Like, it looks completely different than any other previous, you know, DC movie we've seen. 
Atlantean warriors will use various creatures for transport and combat, including sharks, squids, seahorses, which look much more like dragon-like in appearance. All of the creatures have some form of armor on them. Yeah, the sharks and uh, like the dragon seahorse things and all that stuff looks super fucking cool, I thought. Juan will pay homage to the creature from the Black Lagoon type films in a sequence that features the trench monsters attacking a boat on a romantic cruise. That sounds <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I so love who's that. doing the score for this, Brian? I, I don't. I'll look it up. I don't mean to. Put I don't know, that. but like whoever uh, did the music for the trailer did a fantastic job. It was really good. I, I don't even. And, and it makes me like sometimes you wonder if that's even. A lot of times they just throw good music there and they don't really have a, like actual music to put in there yet. But man, it was good. Yeah. Who is doing this score? Dang it. Rupert Gregson Williams. Oh, thank you. What's he done? Uh, Click him. He was Wonder Woman, Hacksaw Ridge, The Crown, Legend of Tarzan. Yeah. Decent enough guy. Yeah, it was cool yeah. music. Mm-hmm. The music, uh, after I watched the trailer for the first time, uh, it kind of stuck with me. I kind of like had it like running through my head. It was very epic, and I don't know. I thought it was great. Like Aquaman, is that the thing? Are we gonna get good fucking scores for the some of these movies? Like I feel like, and I'm not, you know, I feel like what are the, what are some great like modern day comic book scores other than you know fucking Avengers like. We can say Guardians of the Galaxy, but like it's it's using like you know that's you know James Gunn using uh, you know eighties seventies and eighties music and and uh, I feel like Avengers for me and the Wonder Woman maybe yeah I like her theme song a lot I'm not sure the overall score was anything memorable but her her specific. Her yeah, nah, 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 nah. Oh, super yeah. cool. I like that one a lot. That fucking Bill and, the, Bill and Ted guitar riff is amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, I thought the Thor Ragnarok score was was a pretty yes, epic as well. That Mark was, Mothersbaugh. Mark Mothersbaugh killed it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I will give you that. Absolutely. I, I actually downloaded that <laughs> that album because uh, I liked it so much. Good call. Great call. I feel like it, I feel like Spider Man really needs a good score, and I, you know. <laughs> I feel like none of the Spider-Man movies have really given me a great score, in my opinion. So Yeah, I'll agree with that complaint. It should be, like, I don't know, Danny Elfman's just kind of never really given it anything iconic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Elfman fan. Oh, I love his Batman. That, that one was good, but in general, like, I mean, he did uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Yeah, I don't know if he scored it. He is the voice of Jack Skeleton, though. Is he? Okay. He did the he did the fucking Simpsons. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good too. Yeah, he's still done a lot of crap though. Yeah, his his good stuff came in the eighties and early nineties. Seems like. God damn it! I went uh, I went fucking Cliff Martinez to score a superhero movie. Look him up, people. Google. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's see. Cliff Martinez did the he did the uh, Drive movie with uh, Ryan oh, Ga- nice. Ryan Gla- Gosling, and then he did uh, 
<laughs> he did the uh, um, the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln car commercials. So <laughs> <laughs> those are memorable. They really are. <laughs> oh yeah. Fucking Cliff Martinez is a fucking. He's amazing. Just like I don't know. Go to. I, I listen to his shit on YouTube every once in a while. He's fucking incredible. Let's move on into Star Wars news. Yeah, um, Star Wars news. You know, I'm Star Wars. I'm Star Wars guy. Um, that was our bumper. Uh, Clone Wars. Uh, we're gonna get uh, new Clone Wars episodes. Uh, Twelve episodes. We're getting a season seven. It's coming out on the Disney streaming service. So the original five seasons were on the first five seasons were on Cartoon Network. Then the sixth season was on Netflix, and now this final season is going to be on the Disney streaming service, the unnamed Disney streaming service. So um, these are going to be the stories that we did not get in the Clone Wars. These are going to be the things that are leading up to the Siege of Mandalore. Um, we're going to get, it looks like we're going to get Ahsoka's story during Order 66, and um, it looks like from the look of this trailer and what we saw that there's going to be a time jump here and that this is going to be closer to Revenge of the Sith just by looking at Anakin and just by looking at what's going on in the trailer. Like, this looks like it's closer to the time of Revenge of the Sith, and I... Uh, I can't wait for this. This is going to be fantastic. I love the Clone Wars, so I can. Oh, uh, Clone Wars is the fucking shit, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Anakin looks all pale and ha- like haggard and fucking shitty. Yeah. Oh man, this got me real excited. I can't wait to see more Clone Wars. Do we know how many episodes we're getting at all? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, that's perfect, man. I can't wait for this shit. Neil, did I, you, did you this, watch? Clone oh, sorry, Neil. Did you watch what? Clone Wars? Did you watch Clone Wars? I, I did not. Okay. No. I, I, I watched the first, I don't know, six episodes or so, but I, I've got so much shit that I just fell off of it. First season, like, George Lucas was heavily involved in the series. You know, George Lucas was there mm. for a lot of it. And um, a lot of that first season was them just kind of, like, figuring out, like, what worked and what didn't work. And, um, but, uh, you know, as, as the seasons went on, it just continued to get uh, better and better and better and better. Like, Lucas was the one that wanted to bring Darth Maul back, so, mm. and, uh, he contributed a lot to the, to the Clone Wars, the animated series. He did a great job, so, I'm, I, but I am looking forward to this, like, the, you know, the, the reveal of Ahsoka, and, you know, I want to see, like, what was Ahsoka doing during Order 66? Like, I want to see some of this stuff. So, it looks really cool. Yeah, man. I think a ton of people want to see this. I think this really freaked a lot of people out, this announcement. I don't think anyone expected this at all to actually return back full animation and not any kind of comic or novel form to, yeah. to finish all these characters off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So I am 100% excited for this. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I, it's something I'm definitely interested in, in trying to check out in the future, but... I'm, and I'm glad that they're going to finish off storylines because that's always yeah. annoying when they don't do that. It's an inve- yeah. I mean, it, it's a time investment because there's a lot of episodes yeah. in each of these seasons. Except for, I think season six didn't have as many episodes. They call it, what do they call it? The Lost Missions. The Lost Missions. Yeah. Yeah. This was really making me wanting to do a binge rewatch though. I know. Yeah. Leading up to it. I, I definitely need a, a, a series rewatch. Ugh, series rewatch. <laughs> Of the Clone Wars. Are they still on Netflix or did they take those off? I think they're still there. 
I need to jump on it then. So uh, yeah, it's probably not going to be there long. Yeah, guys, this is all I got. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of other shit that happened this week. San Diego Comic Con. I can't go over everything. I just go over the highlights. Uh, I do want to tell people that the six episodes of the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale is on Netflix. So good. So good. Oh my God. That final <laughs> episode, Jack Black and Paul Feig having a great time. <laughs> Fucking crack me the fuck up. You gotta watch it. The Joel uh. McHale show with Joel McHale. Watch it. Six episodes. Benjam. All right, and then click the thumbs up on that fucking show. Do it for me. If you if you hate Love it, that show. do it for me. Do it for do it for Neil. Exactly. <laughs> click do it, it for me. Neil. Do it for Neil. <laughs> Seriously, just click that thumbs up. Do it for Neil because we want Joel McHale to come back and do more episodes of this fucking show. Because I, I it was yes. fantastic season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I love Joel McHale. I always have. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, uh, <laughs> I love how he's, he plays with the fact that it's binging. You can binge it now instead of it being week to week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, so man. funny. <laughs> I, I, I did like that week to week wait though with this. Like, that, that was cool too. Yeah. But it was, so it's nice that maybe they'll just keep switching it back and forth. Or, yes. Do it. Yeah. Give me, like, if you're going to have the second season, you know, do the, uh, you know, do whatever, like 10 episodes, like I gotta watch week to week. And then, you know, every July, give me those fucking six <laughs> easy, easily bingeable episodes that I can catch mm-hmm. up on. So. Yeah, for sure. Fuck, man. I, it, oh god, I love, uh, we're just getting stuff like that I used to love. They're, they're calling it different segment names, but like, I'm, st- <laughs> oh I'm, st- I'm still getting my, like, you know, like, Tales from, you know, uh, home shopping. And I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still getting all these things that I used to love. I'm, I'm get I'm getting them back again. So it's great. I love Joe McHale. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, real quick, um, I'm going to, I do want to thank everybody. There was, uh, I kind of had like something happen recently where I needed some help from a lot of people in, uh, in the leftover army. And I, I want to personally thank you right now. I'm going to, I'm going to thank, I'm going to thank you on a more intimate level. I, I'm just going to basically thank you right now for like what you did. Everybody that did what they did, they know what they did. And you guys are, we talk about superheroes every week on this show. And I want to let everybody know that like kind of stepped up and helped me this past week that you guys are superheroes to me. And I've cried multiple times this week, just broke down and cried over some of the things that you guys just seeing what you guys did for me and like you guys are my superheroes this week and i want to thank everybody in the leftover army that like knew what was going on and that helped me out and um did what they did i'm going to thank you on a more personal level um but um thank you that's all i have i that's all i can say right now i mean but I, i will thank you on a more personal level I'm not gonna like knock on your door or anything like that. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. I thought, I thought you were talking about like handies. <laughs> no, nobody's gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, don't worry. Just don't worry about your genitalia. Like I'm not going anywhere near it. All right. So don't worry about that. It's not like you're gonna like wake up and like start rubbing your eyes and like whoa, what? whoa, hey, what, what, are you, what, yeah. what are you? What are you doing there? No, that's not going to happen. I, yeah. Yeah, you're right, Brian. I mean, oh, man, I, our listeners are really special, and yes. there's a real special section of them. And I've been where you've been, man. It just kind of breaks you down when you realize, you know, 
how all this stuff and how much these people can step in and help you out when you're in just such a shitty time of need. It's it made me real. I was I was in a bad place and I was ashamed and I was scared and then once everybody started doing what they did i just didn't feel it's weird i just i i felt like i didn't feel alone like i was like oh my god like i know i haven't been vocal about it yet like i haven't said anything to anyone except for like some of the people that messaged me and they know how much this means to me but everybody that stepped up and did something like you have no idea you have no idea what it meant to me you really don't um I, uh, when, when I asked, you know, when I talked to Dan and I needed the help after I got done talking to Dan, me and Dan talked on Skype, Dan West talked on Skype. After I got done, I was so mad at myself and I was, I just started, I started crying. I started crying because I just was like, I felt so ashamed and I felt, I just, I was just like, I can't, I never, you know, and then, and then the next day Dan's like, Dan's like reassuring me, like, people are gonna stop, they're gonna, don't worry, don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. And then, like, the next day, I just, like, saw, like, all the, all, all the people that cared and stuff like that, like, really cared, and, like, didn't have to do anything, but did. And then, like, the rest of the day, it's just like, it's like, you guys don't realize, like, the huge weight that you took off my shoulders. You really don't. You'll never under, you'll never, people, I guess people that have been in my position would understand it, but, like, unless you've been in my position and, you guys are, I don't know. I, I can't thank you enough. I can't, I can't thank people enough, Jake. It's just unreal. All right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like I said, I, I honestly know exactly what you're feeling like, man. And mm-hmm. I too was talking to fucking Dan West uh-huh. on fucking Skype when it was going down. And it was just like, uh, it was just too much. It was unbelievable. And it's like, it's just such a huge weight, you know, life just, to have people step up and help like that absolutely life just throws you curveballs sometimes things that are kind of like out of your control and you feel like you're alone and um you guys made me feel like i'm not alone and uh it's almost like everybody kind of like just hugged me at the same time and and not in a bad way not like in a like a like oh my god <laughs> like i'm just waking up now and looking at bill cosby kind of way it, like a oh, really Jesus. you know like, you know a really good a really good way so I want to thank everybody. I'm going to, th- I'm going to thank everybody more in a more personal way here this week. But, um, thank you so much to everybody. Um, yeah, this is uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2018. I do have to say this about San Diego Comic-Con, Jake and Neil. It's not what it used to be, guys. It's not. No, no it's still fun though. I like it more manageable like this, to be honest. I like it. Everything a little bit more diluted and spread out. I prefer it this way. I kind of miss the old announcements, though, like the big announcements. I just felt like there wasn't enough yeah. of them anymore. You know, it's all like TV trailers and Warner Brothers, and that's basically what it was. That's yeah, what and even Warner Brothers can't keep it in their pants, right? Like we knew Aquaman <laughs> was coming for like a month. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that, you know. But. Yeah, it's fun to not know. It's fun to say, will they show Aquaman? Won't they show Aquaman? And then they do. Like, it makes, I don't know, makes it more exciting. Yeah, we didn't know we were going to get Batman v Superman when they dropped that news. I I just feel like the announcements, just the announcements weren't there this year as far as, like, stuff that I'm, like, kind of like, oh, yeah. God, wow. There weren't any surprises, really. It just kind of, 
was all stuff we knew was coming. We were just waiting for it to, to drop. Yeah. Rather than like, oh my god, this is happening! Exactly. Exactly. And that's 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 what's changed here is uh, San Diego Comic Con is not that place for that and the, for those announcements anymore. It's not center stage anymore. Like, I think these studios are learning like you don't have to do this at San Diego Comic Con anymore. So yeah, I I don't know. Part of me part of me misses that as just a fan. But as a podcaster, it makes life a lot easier. It really does. It makes life a lot easier. I can report what I want to report. I don't have to report the things I don't want to report. So, would you say the uh, the peak of San Diego was what two years ago, three years ago? I would say, yeah, maybe even longer ago, maybe like four years ago. I would say, I would say, like between shit. I mean, two thousand and eleven through two thousand and. 14, 15. Like, that's, yeah. like, right there. Before, like, these Disney had their big thing and mm-hmm. they had all these other Comic-Cons get bigger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, before, like, Marvel started doing, like, their own, like, events and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it goes back from... I don't know. Goes back for me. It it goes all the way back, I guess, with the with the birth of Marvel Studios with Iron Man, that first trailer, and like mm-hmm. it really does. But for a lot of people, Comic Con is not the intimate event that it used to be when it was all about the comics. And a lot of people, right. a lot of people are upset about that. But now, now conventions are all over, and like everybody gets to enjoy it. But it feels like. Who really gets to enjoy San Diego Comic Con anymore? Because it's it's basically it's just waiting in lines anymore, right? I mean, who really <laughs> who really gets to truly enjoy it? Like you literally wait in lines forever, hours upon hours, and then you get like moments of satisfaction, and then right after that, like for most of these panels, the footage that you watched live is gonna be on the internet moments later. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I don't, it's not on my bucket list. I know San Diego Comic Con is on a lot of people's bucket list. Like, oh, I gotta try it once. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I won't go. I'll give a shit. Yeah. I don't need to go to it. I mean, if I was gonna go, I probably would have gone 10 years ago. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm getting older now. I ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> All these fucking kids running around and shit. He's, yeah. <laughs> Those fucking, fucking assholes. <laughs> hey, you're 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 an amber alert waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because C two E two was my first con of any kind, and I had a great fucking time there. Yeah. But it seems like it's a little bit smaller than something like San Diego or like a, a New York or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as far as like the sales floor, not not so much, but like as far as the panels and the things announced, yes, that stuff's bigger. Hmm. Yeah, I still I still prefer to go to I think the biggest convention that I would maybe even consider going to would maybe be like Salt Lake City Comic Con. You know what I mean? Mm. So I can't imagine, you know, Mormons pushing you around and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a very I I think it'd be a very friendly convention. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. That's it. Whatever. Fuck you. We're out. Sweet. Fuck you. We're out. Food uh, time. Yeah, just like all, all good. Right. 
Neil, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. What thank you. you. It's great to talk to you guys again. What are you doing? You want to plug anything? Uh, I, no. You don't want to plug your music or anything? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're all having fucking children, so I we're not really doing anything right now. All right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of fucking, apparently. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, <laughs> the, the name of Neil's band is Restless Bass, and I just wanted to say no, that... Restless Sons is the name oh, of Oh, Restless band. Sons. You're Restless Bass. Yes. On Twitter. <laughs> Shit. I was going to say that your band... Take out the B... And you guys are all restless ass. You guys are getting you guys are getting restless ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all married and shit, so it's not too restless. Hopefully for them. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, yeah, Neil. Thanks a lot. You're welcome back anytime. Thank for you. sure. Thank you. Except next Appreciate week. That. <laughs> yeah, not not next episode. Not next, okay. and maybe the episode after pull, that. Not gonna pull an Eric Wade on you. <laughs> we miss Wade. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. We miss Wade. We, I've been, you know, I text Wade every, and Wade texts me every once in a while. So he's, you know, hopefully he'll be back on the show shortly. So we miss Eric Wade. And don't worry, listeners, Eric Wade is still out there, and he's he's going to come back. I'm going to make him come back. So I know he's got his he's got his groupies. So, uh, but yeah, Neil, we'll have you back. Had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. we will be back next week. Uh, by next week, this time, I will have watched Jake. I will have watched Neil Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. Oh yeah, you've been waiting for that forever. I've been waiting to not see the trailer forever. <laughs> oh god, I love the trailer. I will watch the trail trailer zillions of times. I actually have uh since I had that uh they had that fucking foobar uh that bullshit that happened at uh my viewing of uh Sicario Day of the Sodaldo, I got that free AMC ticket which I am gonna cash in for the IMAX ticket. And watch uh, Mission Impossible in uh, in the IMAX on on AMC. You're, you're paying for my shit, AMC. Yeah, when I went into the fucking first purge, let me throw this out there. When I went in to see the first purge, there's this fucking 16 year old kid at the fucking taking the tickets. You know what I mean? When you buy the tickets and shit, he's the guy in, and and he says, "May may I see your ID?" <laughs> and I looked at. I looked at him, I looked at him and I said, you want to see my ID? And I, and I, and I, and you're supposed to be 17 to get into an R-rated film, which is the, the first purge is. And I looked at him and I go, do I look 16? <laughs> and his, his bottom lip is quivering like, oh my gosh, I have a, a an adult man talking back to me and i said do you really want me to walk because like i actually had my um id in my car um i i have a problem with my wallet where sometimes it'll fall out of my fall out of my pants or whatever the fuck or I, i've lost my wallet so many times in theaters that i just lock it up in my car and i just take my movie pass into the theater so this fucking kid this fucking kid wants to see my fucking id and i said I said, do I look 16 to you? And I'm giving him so much fucking shit. And his bottom lip is quivering and stuff. And I just, and I was like, why do you need to see my ID? And he's like, he's like, if you don't look a certain age, we have to ask for your ID. 
He's being all company man, company boy. And I said, tell you what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of your line and I'm going to go into the line right next to us and I'm going to get the ticket from the girl that works right next to you. How about that? You're going to watch me get a ticket and walk into this fucking movie right now <laughs> and not buy a ticket from you. And that's exactly what I did is I walked right out of his line. I got into that line. The girl sold me a ticket, no questions asked, and I took the ticket and I held it out and I like walked. As I walked by, I like held the ticket out just so he could see it because I'm not going to walk out to my car and grab my ID and be told what to do by a 16-year-old kid that wants to make sure that I'm fucking 17 to go see the first charge. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck my first job. You're fucking, uh, you know, you're fucking, uh, Fisher Price, my first job. First day on the job, little fucking asshole. 16 year old piece of shit. I'm 40. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Card me at a fucking movie. Oh, that's like hilarious. I, like I need to bring an adult. Like I need to have parental supervision to go see the first purge. I'm fucking 40, you little shit. Oh my god! I was wa- I was watching fucking R-rated movies when you were a fucking little uh, spermy in your dad's nutsack, you little fucking asshole. <laughs> How far away was the other girl that you bought the ticket from? Literally three feet. Oh, that's awesome! Nice. So I just I backed out of that line, went behind the other line, and bought the ticket right there in front of the little fucker. <laughs> the first, I said uh, one ticket to the first purge showed her my movie pass she rang me up and I just walked by holding my ticket the whole way the whole way there you go you little fucker what, go, can I thanks in your ID sir get get the fuck out of what training video did they show you where you fucking badger 40 year olds for their ID so they can go see a movie you little shit like I look 16. Like I just got out of fucking chemistry chemistry class with you, you little fucker. <laughs> All right. Go hit a punching bag. I want to go eat a steak burger. All right. All right. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to, I had to piss and moan about that little fucking asshole. He was a dickhead. Little shit. No, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> getting carded at a movie i never even got carded at a movie theater when i was fucking 16 or 17 <laughs> ridiculous i got carded to see army of darkness and we paid for groundhog day wow unbelievable yeah. all right guys just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening we'll see you next week see ya waiters bye Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. If
it, it's a trap.